One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 108 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, M-O-O-D to the Z, baby, baby. And, of course, I'm always accompanied by my hetero Mexican life mate, Double Shot J, a.k.a. JP. And filling in for the Jew this week, we have Andrew representing the Woodsboro Brothers podcast, and of course, we've got the seasoned veteran of 11 episodes deep with the 22 Shots crew. We've got Derek representing Cinema Attack Podcast. What's going on, dudes? Yeah. What's up, man? Whoa. Yeah, so w- this is kind of a little impromptu, like, throw a bunch of hosts together type thing. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. knew that Jeremy wasn't going to be able to make it this week, which sucks because he actually wanted to cover these films, and he even started watching them before us. The irony so, is, is that this was actually his pick for this show. Yeah. He chose this show and he couldn't do it. So, yeah, man. So, Derek, you know, welcome back to the show. This is now officially, I guess, your 12th episode here on the 20th. That's, that's, that's awesome. great because I get to return. I ended with a trilogy and I return with a trilogy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I love cool. stats. I love meaning, meaningless stats like that. <laughs> that's just amazing stuff. So I do, too. I'm a fan of stats. I even actually started putting together a stat of who picked the episodes so i started with like the first 22 episodes which was hard to remember i i'm a little confused on a few of them but um because jeremy always complains that he never gets to pick the episodes which is ironic because this episode he picked and he picks a lot of them funny thing enough dude on that first like 22 episodes like me and jeremy murder moods in compared to how many episodes we picked versus him Mm -hmm. like like moods will have like four or something like in the first 22 (laughs) episodes but it's pretty funny Uh, i know jeremy used to complain about it all the time he's like i never get to pick the the episodes and then jp one day went through and he's kind of you know figuring it out and stuff and he's like jeremy you pick like three to one (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was kind of ridiculous yeah um so yeah one thing that I did want to do early on here is we do want to give a chance to both of our guests, Andrew and Derek, 10 out of 10 Derek here, uh, to shout out their upcoming podcast. And we can start with Derek. Derek, I know you have just like officially like started a podcast that's not just like, you know, you coming into a podcast. Like this is this is an official from the ground up podcast. So you yeah. can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Cinema Attack. I'm, I was very excited when me and uh, Brandon from Exploding Heads actually first came up with this idea to do this because, you know, me and Brandon, we always 
like love uh, cinema and stuff, we always talk about other movies besides horror movies. So it kind of clicked because we used to talk on Skype all the time about different other movies, and it was just interesting just to come up with this idea. And then when we were trying to brain process what we were going to do, then we have a great co-host too. We found Charlene, of course, who we met through the Twenty Two Shots page. Like she always commented on like Arrow video stuff. And it was very awesome that when I asked her to become our editor and co-host that she took it. And we had this great, like, connection when we talked. The and, French uh, connection. The French yep. connection. Yep. And uh, yeah. great, like, uh, like if you saw our poster, uh, big shout-out to James Cox. Uh, the episode's not out, but we give him a shout-out on that, too. It, we just recorded the other day, so... Big shout out to him yeah, for making he, that post. He actually for us. made a few things for us too. And and James, um what I'm glad Derek brought that up because I don't want to seem like ungrateful or anything because I haven't given you like the props, but I truly, really, really like these things. I just haven't decided what I want to do with them yet. Everything with me takes forever, especially once I have to pass the information along to Moods and Jeremy as well. Like we're kind of just we're, we're, it takes a while for us to get things in motion and and stuff like that but thank you for making a few um custom art things for us as well that that's really really awesome of you man so good there continue yeah so we recorded our first episode it should be out we're hopefully thinking uh next week it should be out it was a long yeah. process it's a learning process for all of us and we just hope like once we get going, it will just get better and better, and we'll learn as it goes along. And best and, of luck to you know what I mean. And that's on horophilia dot com, correct? Is that the only place yeah. it'll be, or do you guys have another spot? Uh, we also have a website too, uh, cinematechpodcast dot com, and we also started our Facebook group, and we also have a Twitter, cinema uh, hyphen attack at twitter dot com. <clears throat> nice, nice. All right. And Andrew, you recently started a podcast. You recently joined the Horophilia Network. Uh, tell us a little bit about that podcast. I've listened to a few episodes myself. I'm a little behind now, but what is it? Yeah, at the end, I have to. I have a question to ask you, so don't let me forget that. Um, but yeah, so we started. Uh, me and my brother started this podcast, and um, it really originated like it was probably around November last year. We started. Um, we started talking, you know, all, all into podcasts on it. Uh, uh, you guys talked about it on 101 back on uh, the Pet Cemetery podcast. You, JP was like, I think we probably had some influence. Yeah, it was big influence. Like, <laughs> um, so there is confirmation on that one. Um, yeah. So, but like, we we uh, just were like, yeah. What, what what would you think of starting a podcast ourselves? And he was like, yeah, I'd be all about it. So tried to think of up up names of like, you know. You know, th- things that have had, like, big influence, and Scream has had an immense influence on both of our lives, so, mm-hmm. um, and horror in general has just had a huge impact on both of our lives, so I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, let, let's just come up with Woodsboro Brothers, Woodsboro Bros, just, and, and, like, we just went with it, so, yeah, we started it, and we did, for the namesake, we did episode one, we did Scream, and we're six episodes in now, um, we just released our Shark Week episode last mm-hmm. week. And uh, episode seven will be coming out probably in the next two or three weeks. Um, we have a convention uh, here in Chicago, which Jeremy will be at, by the way. Uh, me and my brother's coming out here. And uh, I 
So we'll do that, and I'll be home for a week. So after that, we'll get back to recording episode seven, which will be mm-hmm. a summer-themed week. So I'm um, looking forward to those, which will be the Sleepaway Camp film. So very much looking forward to that. I actually haven't had a chance to check out the show yet. So just tell the people at home kind of the structure of it. Is it like a is it a short podcast, like just reviews, or do you guys have a structure kind of like this one where you're very long-winded? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, every fucking time we go to record, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this one will be probably be a little shorter. No, we end up bullshitting forever on it. And <laughs> I can like yeah, never- yeah, we can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, we I, do that on our show too. It's great. <laughs> yep. I, I and I never want to edit anything out because I'm like, well, this is like entertaining discussions. I feel like people would be entertained yeah. by it. So I just like I do the editing for the show, and uh, so I was just like, yeah, I'll just leave it in. So yeah, we almost have a very similar uh, structure where we we kind of do. Uh, not not necessarily a what we watch segment, but we just kind of talk about some things we watch, and we have a, a segment of like Netflix reviews. Um, mm, I did. Okay. I, mm. I was trying uh, not to copy like ver- I tried to come up with something creative, but mm. like um, and and then and then literally right around that time was when JP and Carly came out with Netflix and chill. So I was like, oh great, so it doesn't seem as creative <laughs> anymore. Um, honestly, I, I yeah. It's still in like the works of like we we actually I'm 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 debating on whether or not to join uh because I'm a huge fan of all Full Moon's films all mm-hmm. of them that I've seen at least so I might join Full Moon uh subscribe to Full Moon Direct and see if it, see if it, there's some films on there we could do instead of Netflix I, I don't know it's still in I think they have a lot of like other stuff besides Full Moon like I think they have Blue Underground and stuff yeah Blue Underground they have that's they actually have a pr- it's a pretty good service to be honest man they they provide a lot of cool stuff I mean if you're a fan of the Full moon and like all the blue underground there's it's a lot of different titles man i, I think it's worth it actually to be honest yeah, it's cheaper but. than netflix and also you get a like a 50 dollars subscription to i mean free stuff on their website so i'm like yeah what? doesn't it come with like a bunch of free movies and shit too yeah like, it's five free dvds too yeah it's crazy man it's crazy Ooh. stuff Charlie Brand, um, before before you get to that question i don't know who you're asking jp um Something we, you know, I, I try to do this when we have new guests on the show anyways, is play just a quick little five questions. Since, Andrew, you are brand new, brand new to the show, brand new to the show, these are pretty pretty standard questions, you know. Um, so, you know, give the people at home just a general idea of who you are. Uh, first question, nice and easy, what's your favorite horror film of all time? <laughs> uh, that's such. It, it's uh, h- hilarious because it's such a hard question for me to answer. I'm going to really? give you my top three for sure. Um, it would be in no particular order: The Exorcist, uh, Halloween Two, and Scream. Those are my top three for sure. Mm-hmm. Halloween Two. Wow, interesting. Yeah, interesting. it's uh, my favorite. Cool, cool. Um, so on the flip side of that question, I'm not sure if you're a big fan outside of the horror genre or the horror realm but what's your favorite non-horror film uh uh well ironically it is a very dark drama and mythological film it's uh darren Aronofsky's noah oh yeah cool cool it's good. i love that i love mythology i love um I, I love Aronofsky too so it just combines great two great elements that i have a fascination with honestly i wasn't expecting that type of pick but that's pretty impressive that's good pretty film. Awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm the king of like unique picks. So <laughs> nice. All right. So, so I, I I'm always curious on these questions. I mean, these are very very typical. People always ask these questions, but I'm always curious what people what they say when you ask these questions. The most underrated and overrated films. Oh God. 
Just pick, just pick one. Uh, I'll say overrated. Uh, Wait, hold on. Man. Let me see. Let me see if I can figure this out. I th- I'm gonna say your most underrated is my soul to take. <laughs> and it's your most up there. your most overrated is probably something like uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Overrated. Dawn of the Dead, maybe. No, I love Dawn of the Dead, oh, okay. man. Uh, Day of the Dead. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I honestly just gave that a rewatch. It's, an, it's. Everybody says it grows on you. Did not care for it the first time I watched it. Second time I watched it, I was like, what the hell was I missing the first time, man? It was, it, it was does. awesome. It gets better and better. Okay, so what's your yeah. real version then? Uh, f- oh, underrated, man. I, I have so many I could pick from. I, I would say, uh. Definitely my soul to take. I absolutely fucking love that film. Is that um, not your... That's your favorite Wes Craven film? That's my second favorite. I, I recently rewatched Scream and my soul to take, and I said... I give the edges of Scream, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes uh, sense, since, since Scream was in your top three or whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, I remember watching your video, but I couldn't remember if you actually had it over Scream or not. I did. I did at one point, and oh, okay, I Okay, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I, I rewatched him and was like, uh, I, I, I have to put give the edge of the screen just because I, I probably because of nostalgia because literally that is probably a film I've watched well over a hundred, hundred and fifty times. I <laughs> have watched that a massive amount of times in my life. Yeah. Uh, I used to watch it like twice a night sometimes in like grade school. Just shit. Saw that movie like four times in theaters. I, I remember wow. one time JP were skyping a couple years back and I watched Return of the Living Dead four times in a row. <laughs> 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 Got a problem. I have a problem. Uh, issue. Honestly, there, there's not too many films I'd say I'm. I because honestly, I I don't rate films very low. If there's a film that I find that people absolutely love, and I Did just you become don't become ten out of ten, Andrew. I I'm not a ten out of ten. I just don't rate films <laughs> low. Like I I rate almost no films below a five unless I absolutely hate it. Like I, it's 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 crazy, but. Um, if Watch there's a beneath film, the Mississippi. Yeah, I have not watched that one yet. <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, man, o- overrated. Man, uh, if there's a film I don't get the all the love for, it would probably have to be a film that we just reviewed on the podcast. You said Carrie, probably, I'm punching you. Um, you punch me then. Punch <laughs> me the next time you see me. <laughs> you I bastard. Not, you know what? Not that high on the OG Carrie. I actually kind of was leaning towards you saying that because I remember you posting in the group about. I, I think I was even breaking your balls about it too. I'm like, for real, Carrie. Yeah. Come on. Carrie has but, went from a movie that I didn't like as a kid all the way up to a top ten favorite horror film of all time. You know, to be honest, I was never a huge fan of it growing up either. I it, actually. It really is book. when we started talking about it a lot, and we really really yeah. broke it down on how good it is. Yeah, honestly, yeah. me too. Uh, I, it's a film that grew on me too. I didn't really care for it. I think, to be honest, my problem with the movie was I'd read the book first. Yeah. And I just had that visual in my mind of the book. And then the movie just didn't translate, you know, to how the book read to myself. That makes yeah. sense. So, you know, I, I always have that issue, man. If I read a novel before and I watch a. Yeah, it's you know, always a bad movie. But, but here's is, an example. Man. I watched like, it, it my entire life. I just now finished the novel for the first time. And I like them about equally, and that even is with the bad ending in the TV movie. So, um, which most I, people would say the book blows it away, but 
Yeah, I feel like it's something you had to grow up Books watching because so I didn't grow up watching it, and I don't really care for it. So I really, one of- I'm a big fan of it, but I have to say the book is way better. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty. It's I mean, it's definitely t- tackles a little bit more, like with the time used and stuff. But uh-huh. um, there's also some like weird shit that I would like think like I personally think shouldn't be in the movie, like the frog and stuff, and like the the yeah. uh, smoke fire hallucination thing. Like I don't know that. Like I f- I could see why. They'd, didn't take that and then there's one thing that i was like man they like i'm glad they didn't put that in the movie and then i remembered that they did it's where the dude's head turns into the doberman oh yeah and i'm like i'm like wait a minute that is in the movie (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, all all we need now is the beverly train ride (laughs) yeah exactly um (laughs) all right so yeah cool stuff um favorite fast food Shit, uh, I would have to go with, uh, since I don't really eat fast food all that much, I would have to say Chipotle then, because I don't really eat huh. fast food that much, but Chipotle is one of the, they don't really have, do they have Chipotles now in Pennsylvania? Because I, ne- I don't remember us having them back, like, even up to um, five years ago. Yeah, we, I think we have, like, one, it's not close by us, but it's, it's like, um... It might be in like Williamsburg or something, or not. Not, I can't remember. I definitely there, passed ones at some point. There's a few in my area too. That they they come and go here all the time. They move them and hmm. they they move them like new places to see how they do. For for those of you who don't know, this is actually really really cool. Uh, Andrew is actually somebody who lives like within like a half hour drive of me when he was growing up. Now he lives in Chicago, but. <laughs> Um, which is crazy because you found our show, correct? And then you heard that I mentioned where I was from, right? Yeah. Yep. How crazy and is that? That's, that's nuts <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. When I joined I the podcast <laughs> page, yeah. When I joined the podcast page, I saw you were going to see a film at the Uniontown mall. I'm like, what the hell? Like I, I live 15, 20 minutes from there. So I'm like, what, what's, what's this about? And uh, also, but an FYI, Derek, I might be coming out there in the next year or so. Um, oh, I applied yeah. for grad school at Boston College, so I nice. might be coming there. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Cool, cool. All yeah. right, last question here. Straight or gay? No, I'm just joking, man. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. I'm totally joking. Uh, McGregor or Mayweather? Uh, I, I do not follow. Uh, Probably Mayweather. I don't follow. I don't follow boxing or MMA. Sorry to break it. I know you guys do. Even if you don't, though, it's like one of the biggest news stories. It's been. I mean, it's shoved in everyone's face right now. Everybody. Yeah. It was kind of jumping on this whole McGregor uh, Mayweather bandwagon. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fucking entertaining to watch, man. Even if you're not a fan, but uh, me personally, I'm thinking Mayweather's going to win this fight. That's yeah. just me. But. I mean, th- I would hope so. He better win, or else like. Well, that's <laughs> like I kind of have to me whether I'll be fucking pissed again. I don't want. <laughs> uh. Do you have money going on anybody? Uh, I'm not going to be. I'm no. not going to be out on this I, one. I, I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I won last night, though. I played DraftKings last night. Yeah, you had a perfect score last night, didn't you? Yeah. Did you yeah, not? I went You're five and zero. That's pretty good, actually. But then again, you know, the fights were, I would say, pretty average. I mean, I don't know, man. I would, that fucking Woodley fight last night. They, 
ultimately set the weirdest record in UFC history for the least amount of punches landed in a five-round fight. It was, like, under 60. Yeah. That so, is fucked, man. What was the question that you had for us? Yeah, to- it- well, last week you'd posted on our uh, page of like I think you guys just like being uh, wh- what was it? Uh, um, one second here. Hello, you're on twenty two shots. I just want to say fuck you, Jerry, you piece of shit, motherfucking asshole. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 that was all. all right, thank you for that. Those kind. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Fuck you, Jeremy. <laughs> the mayor of Shankleville. He's like, I'm on break. I'm calling in. <laughs> I uh, uh, since my great. yeah, since I'll be seeing him this Friday because we'll be watching the 4K Suspiria on Friday with him in theaters. Uh, uh, to you guys, yeah. Um, the, I. <laughs> I, th- I told my brother to dress like cool duder so we can, so we <laughs> Oh lord. Oh lord. So you were saying about we go. how I met I posted that in your group, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so continue with what you were saying there? Well, well I for- I forget exactly how you phrased it. Like I, I I think you said like I think you guys just like to be controversial for the sake of being controversial or something. I was curious what the context or what you meant by that. Okay, so I just I, I I've noticed when it comes to you guys that usually you're the opposite of what the the regular opinion is. So it's like if everybody's like my my soul is take sucks, you're like no, it's the greatest movie ever. If you're like if everybody loves the original carry, no, nope, I like the remake more. Uh, if you know, uh, yeah. I just I've seen a few things that that you guys are always the opposite on. Now I was just wondering, is it that you like to be controversial or do you like saying these things to get a, a, a buzz or is it that you actually feel this way or is it a little bit of both uh well if, if you know anything about the enneagram i took the enneagram test and i'm a four um so that that does mean that i tend to have very unique tastes and things and i tend to go against against the grain just naturally so tech so if somebody were to say Hey Andrew, don't do that. I'm that person that goes. Well, I'm gonna do that just because you said that. Like more so than anybody else naturally. Is that so, just a genetic makeup or what? Yeah, that it, just... it, it, it it tends to be. Yeah. Um, Interesting. It, yeah. And so uh, I, I do have very unique. It's more so me than my brother because my brother's more like his favorite horror films. The thing. Second is the Evil Dead. So he's definitely more. Uh, un- uh, he, uh, does, he has he has controversial statements though too. I think it was your brother. I'm not sure if it was you. No, it must have been your brother. But he was he was saying that uh, Dream Warriors was overrated and oh, not yeah, that yeah. good. And it's not and like and I was I was busting his balls about that. I'm like, come on, man, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, just make him like, watch Burial Grounds again. Oh, dude, he fucking <laughs> hated Burial Ground. Oh, man, I can't understand how he hated it that much, but he, he doesn't like when... Yeah, he, he hates when characters do stupid things, so that's the, like, definitely a film where people do stupid things in. So, like, there were so many times where he was like, are you fucking kidding me when we're watching the film? Like, when they're they're hitting the... Like, the <laughs> the the uh, zombies over the head with the shovel or something like that or, or like on the shoulder he's, he just hates shit like that so uh he that's what like we were we were going at it the, a couple weeks ago on our podcast page about uh the, them doing stupid shit in uh what was it slasher the tv show 
I fucking love that show, and he was just busting my balls about it because characters do stupid things. I'm like, I, it's a slasher trope. I don't care. I just doesn't bother me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I don't I, I I genuinely feel the way that I feel about films. Like I I genuinely love my soul to take. Like I don't just say that just because just because people don't like it. Like I watched that before. I found people's opinions about it were, and I absolutely loved it. And like there's. There's just some films that I just, I just, I, I'll, I'll be true to myself for the most part. Uh, some, sometimes I actually, I find myself being lower on films to not be uh, as controversial. Because if you watch my Body Bags review of my Soul to Take, I actually have it as a nine and a half, and when in reality I have it as a ten. But because I, I, I pussied out there, I tried not to be controversial, and I think I. I went with a nine and a half just so that I wouldn't, you know, go. Oh, you gave my soul to take a ten out of ten. So sometimes I do try not to be controversial. So it's it's genuinely <laughs> when I feel that I'm I have that genuine uh, feeling about a film that I, I I don't lie about films. That's that's something that JP just can't relate to. Trying not to be controversial. Fuck. <laughs> Argues everything, man. He's gonna argue this right now. Well, speaking of arguing, somebody mentioned that. Um, he kind of sorted out what we were talking about last show with the weekend box office brawl thing, where he, sure. he found some information that said that essentially how it works is on Sunday morning, all the studios send in their numbers and they, yeah, yeah. they send in what they project their numbers will be for Sunday. And then 99% of the time, those numbers are around what they should be um, because just from doing it so long that they pretty much have narrowed down what what can happen on a Sunday, um, what it's mm-hmm. you know going towards. So that is essentially my entire argument. That's what that's what I was saying was you can't say it's definite if it is a projection, even yeah. if it's ninety nine percent sure. But I think that's just the way. The, what's that? I don't think there is a, d- a definitive answer to. You. I think that's just what it is. The projections are the answer. What do you mean? Right? Like, there's no actual straight-up number, right? The projections is the answer. No, 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 so, because then on Monday, the, the actual numbers are out. Oh, they actually But it's usually the same number because yeah. they're really good at projecting. But my whole thing was but like... that's what I was saying. If you're going to say it, Jeremy, just say it. These are the projected numbers. Just because there is that chance. Like, that's just, that's just what you're supposed to do as... There's as like a, a journalist no or whatever you're you're being, you know, you're supposed to put that. Yeah, it's probably like ninety-five percent correct. It's probably ninety-five percent of what it. It could right? be so, one, one day no one could go to the theater on a Sunday. Who so in those? a sense, projected numbers are almost the definitive numbers. They are. They sense. are. They're pretty much. They're, they're pretty much the numbers. But what I'm, what my, my whole thing was, I didn't know that either, though. So I was more asking yeah, yeah. Jeremy. I'm like, are these like the actual numbers like how do they know like because it's sunday didn't happen yet like that's what my argument was where i was just like okay well let's just say that it's the projected numbers then and not the official numbers but Mm -hmm. you know just because i literally never put any thought into it because i was never concerned with box office numbers i never even (laughs) thought about this is something jeremy brings to the table and then doesn't even know everything he's supposed to exactly Um, but i I figured (laughs) fuck you jp (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I figure while we're on it, Moods, we're not going to do a full box office brawl this week because Jeremy yeah. isn't here, but we do have the results to last week's uh, box office brawl. 
Um, and it was actually only, from what I understand, it was just what from, my notes are so sloppy. But from what it looks like, I wrote down here, it was Atomic Blonde. And it was you versus Jeremy, and you guys came in between one million of each other. You picked twenty-one million, and Jeremy picked twenty-two million. So the official total, uh, as of right now, the projected number is mm-hmm. that it's going to hit after today at eighteen point five million. Uh, I was right, which makes Moods the winner, so he would gain a point on Jeremy. Uh, so make sure you write nice. that down. That um, you are whatever your score with Jeremy is your plus. Like you have a plus one on there now. I don't know what Writing your score was last now. week, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't remember it. Yeah, okay. I know I'm one and one versus you, and I'm three and one versus Jeremy. So I don't know what you are versus Jeremy, but remember the first one to twenty points. Gets twenty bucks. It shouldn't it be twenty two. The first one at twenty two points. <laughs> How about the first one at twenty points gets twenty two bucks? Yeah, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that was the uh, impromptu box office, bro. I just wanted to update that because I was looking at it as we were speaking. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, do you want to get into some of this Patreon stuff? Yeah, man, let's do the Patreon. We just have a little bit of a quick update on Patreon rewards, and we also want to give a big shout-out to every single person that has already contributed to our Patreon, which I, I, I want to just say to everyone out there, um, big thank you. I Completely mean, th- blown it was, away. It was a little bit overwhelming, to be honest, and I thought it was kind of a joke. Like People were just pledging, it seemed like, every 10 minutes, and I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. So big ups to everybody that took the time to help us out. It really, really does mean a lot, and JP, run through the names. Let's thank these guys. All right, so um, we're going to do two things here. First, I'm going to shout out everybody that did contribute, and then I want to talk about how it works, because we didn't really explain that. Because in the yeah. first time we recorded about the Patreon, we recorded an, an intro, you know, it, launching it for episode 106. That same day, we recorded 107. And we, so we didn't know, it hadn't even been launched officially when we recorded 107. You know what I mean? It wasn't, because 106 hadn't even aired yet. Uh, so basically, we didn't know how it was going to go. And honestly, we, it, within the first month, we almost have enough to pay for our domain for a year which is incredible because we've been paying for yeah. that domain for years and it's expensive um and i think it's just amazing that that like i was but i was not expecting that honestly guys like i i was like mm-hmm. hoping to the guys that we had like after the first month like 30 bucks or something uh-huh. but we ended up with 109 dollars in the first week you know mm-hmm. and it has slowed down but that makes sense because the episode aired it and things like that but uh, I, I just was truly, like, just amazed. Like, I could not believe that we have that much love. Like, it just it just made my day, dude. Like, I'm still, like, hype on it. Uh, but let's let's start. The, first, the very first person to ever contribute was Jerry from Kill the Cast. Before it even launched, he knew about the Patreon, and he supported. And Jerry's a, a great homie of ours. Fucking awesome dude. I, I co-host Married with Children with him. Uh, then we have Matt Wells who pledged one dollar, um, which you know everything helps, dude. If you can't, if you can't do, if you can't even donate, dude, don't donate. Rate us on iTunes. 
If you can't rate us on iTunes, well, everybody can rate us on iTunes. You know, like the video, comment on the video. Like, that stuff helps too. Like, you don't have to give us money or, or, or help us uh, achieve these, you know, milestones for, for uh, the website domain and the website uh, service fee and stuff like that. Like, you, you absolutely do not have to do this, you know. But the people who can do it, we appreciate it. But there's other ways to help us too. Share the show, you know what I mean? And that's all free, dude. So, um, if you want to help and you can't, you know, you're, you're not financially stable enough to donate, then don't, dude. Don't want, do not, you know, put yourself in, yeah, there's in absolutely any trouble no pressure. over us, you know what I mean? Yeah. No pressure at all, homies. Like, we love you all no matter what. You know, you can, you can like the video and to me that's this, that, that's a, that's a huge help. Um, <clears throat> Andy Zavala, Zavala, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Awesome, dude. Welcome to the Hall of Homies. I'm actually going to make a little section on the website for everybody who's ever donated, and uh, you'll be immortalized on the website, uh, right next to the Hall of Fuckers. <laughs> uh, and to those of you asking, yes, you can be in the Hall of Fuckers and the Hall of Homies at the same time. So, uh, yeah. Very well, is. It's very easy to be in the Hall of Fuckers. <laughs> Apparently it is. Both. I, I'm gonna try not to this weekend. Uh, see if I can last a whole weekend with Jeremy without doing it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Action Jackman uh, pledged ten dollars. Thank you so much, uh, Andy Cripps, the homie. He's been on the show before. Fifteen bucks. You're the man. Uh, and then we got. Let's look at this little. Look at this fucking motherfucker right here, dude. Derek Bourgeois pledging twenty Big bucks. What the hell, hell, bro? Yeah, Thank man, you. that was. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Marco Vertenen, um, it, This is it, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is Marco the movie fan, right? No. What? <laughs> it's not? So. I don't think so, man. I think, no, he's, he's, I think he's from Finland. Uh, so was Marco the movie fan. Oddly enough, yes. I, totally different people, though. Really? Pretty sure. Marco, if you're listening, are you Marco the movie fan? <laughs> That's been bothering me forever because I thought it was the same guy because that guy was following us. Marco the movie fan was following us on Burial Grounds. Yeah. And then he disappeared on YouTube, but I figured that was still him. All right. Uh, $20 from him. He actually, we're going to cover his film next week, uh, which is Sauna. He picked a feature review, so we'll, we'll talk about Sauna next week. Uh, then we have Blaine Bartlett. Uh, three bucks from him. Thank you very much, homie. Welcome to the Hall of Homies. Corey Walter, a big old 15 bucks, and I figure this is a good time now. Corey Walter also donated a copy of Hack-O-Lantern on Blu-ray to auction off, to, to raffle off, if you will. So we're going to have that. Uh, when this episode airs, we'll probably put that up on the Facebook page to to raffle off, and I have it right here. It's in, it's It's over on my shelf there, so... Uh, really cool, the, and the then awesome that'll the, any <laughs> any money raised from that will be put towards the the Patreon uh, or the website rather, um, which is our current goal. That's just fantastic, man! Great movie, great release. Yeah, yeah, I know. I kind of want. So it. I'm like jealous. <laughs> it's a good. Movie. It's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. it's pretty fun, man. Uh, yeah. After that, we got James Cox, the homie. I love this guy. He's he's just awesome. Um, I like seeing him comment, and he's always active in the group and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Baker, five bucks. Thank you, homie. You are the shit. Like, I'm just amazed, guys. Jonathan Watkins, five bucks. Welcome to the Hall of Homies. You are the man. 
Uh, and then we have Matt Janoski pledging a big old 15. Uh, thank you, Matt Janoski. You're the shit. A lot, of, a lot of familiar faces in there that I know, but a few that I don't know, which even makes me more excited that, like, uh, there's people out there who listen to us and never say anything, but are willing to throw us some some help. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk a little bit about like the Patreon because like we didn't really explain it at all. Basically, uh, when you go to the Patreon and you click, I'm a little new to it too, but you basically click your, like when you go to donate, like you can pick a tier of reward and basically, uh, the, the, the first one is anyone who contributes to us will automatically be entered in any contest. So it doesn't matter which tier you pick. Any contest we do, you'll get an entry. And if you already rated us on iTunes, that's a permanent entry as well. So you're going to get two permanent entries um, where you don't even have to enter the contest any other way. And you're automatically mm-hmm. going to be entered. Uh, and that's permanent. It will always be there. Um, so after that, uh, we're going to have, uh, Skype sessions. We're going to try to do, I believe we said one or two a month. So like August, for example, we'll, we'll try to have one or two during that time. It might not be all three of us all the time, but anybody who participate, uh, you know, donated will, will automatically be invited to any of those as well. Uh, we'll try to let you guys know ahead of time, like what time it is and stuff, but um, you know, you're welcome to join, uh, and, and talk to us on Skype. We usually do, we usually do more than that, but it, it's not often that it's like me, Moods, and Jeremy. It's usually like one of us and then like some of the other crew, but they're still fun. So, mm-hmm. but we're going to try a yeah. little bit harder to get all three of us involved. Um, and then there's the, uh, make us watch something, which is, um, uh, basically you get a pick for, uh, either, moods jeremy or myself and you get to pick a movie for us to watch and then we'll talk about it and what we watched uh and then you have the the three the times three version which you basically can divvy them i I liken it to credits right so basically if you look at it is like if you get that you get three credits you can use those three credits on movies so if Mm -hmm. i want to give one credit to moods cash it in make him watch a movie uh, or I want to do it to Jeremy and JP, or I want to give all three to Moods, or two to Jeremy and one to JP, uh, you can do it that way. Or you can stack those credits. So you don't have to use them all. You can save them and then use them later because they'll roll over each month. And if you have yeah. four of those credits, you can actually turn it into a, a featured review. So it, instead of using one per person for what we watched you can use four of them and make it a featured review review instead. And the only thing I wanted to add to that, and it's not written on the website, basically, if you subscribe to the Patreon three months in a row, you'll get a bonus credit. So uh, after three months, you'll get, you'll, if you have the $15 reward thing, which is three films, you'll actually get four. And then if you do it for another three months, which is six months total, you'll get five and all the way up to six. So you can pretty much double your your credits that you get each month uh based on how long you're with us and how this works is at the first of every month once the patreon goes through after uh your donation has went through i'll reach out to you and say what what do you want us to do 
and then we'll we'll have I believe like thirty five days to do it. So basically, on the first, you let us know, and then we'll have thirty five days from then to do it on the thing because we got there's a lot of submissions. We have to have time to get the films, figure out how to see them, place them in the show, stuff like that. But uh, that's basically how that works. The the what we watched. Uh, portion of it, you know, the make us watch something times three. Uh, and finally, the um, other reward that, that Derek and Marco uh, both uh, picked, which is the <laughs> featured review. Basically, Derek is picking a featured review, and we might actually couple it with another film, so we might just do it as a featured review. A featured review to us guys is a movie that all three of us watches, and then we give it a full attention review. And, it's a good one, too, guys. Yeah, so Derek picked his, and we're actually going to couple it with another movie and make an, a themed episode out of it. So that can happen as well. Uh, and, of course, these re-roll every month. So if Derek stays with us for a second month, he'll get another pick. Um, so every every month that you're with us, your reward re-rolls. Uh, which is pretty oh, yes. cool. Man, I'm like, I'm like super stoked and, and excited about this whole thing, man, because I love the fact that, like, because, man, we spent lots of hours, you know, trying to pick shows and stuff like that, and we always don't agree, and <laughs> we end up fighting and shit like that. And But we can't do that with this. If you guys are picking the shows, we yeah. got to do them. I like that. It's taking the pressure off us. There's no excuse. Yeah, if you want to make Jeremy watch three awful CGI-infested shot-on-video... Well, not shot-on-video. I'm actually begging somebody out there to make Jeremy watch three really, really bad shot-on-video films. Oh, in the same... Oh, that'd be so good. So good. Yeah, so, for example, for August right now, we have two featured reviews, and (laughs) some people might be like, oh, well, this is going to dictate the entire shows. No, 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 no. Because Jeremy was saying this, too. It, well, what happens if you have four people with featured reviews? Then that's all four shows for the month. No, it's not. Because what we can do is we could take all four of those featured reviews and put them on one show. Or we can split yeah. them up three and one. Or whatever, you know? There's plenty of opportunity to cover. We have uh, tons of opportunity to cover films. Uh, and then we have three people who chose uh, the the $15, which is the, the three films... And so that'll be a total of nine films for the month of August. Corey Walter, Matt Janoski, and Andy, get at us with your picks. Remember, after you tell us what you want, it will take, uh, we'll have up to 35 days to com- complete the, the review on, on an episode. Now, we are going to add some things. And uh, right now, what me and Moods talked about is we're going to add this one as this episode launches. We're going to give somebody the opportunity to pick one of the four Italian directors for Italian Horror Month. Mm-hmm. So, we, as you guys know, we do four weeks of director's spot, spotlights. excuse me, And we're going to allow you to pick one of the directors and pick the three films we review. Is this going to include... We didn't discuss this, but is this going to include... A possible repeat? Yeah, it can be anybody they want. Okay. I'm still sticking with I want to do Argento. I know you don't want to, but I want to do Argento, and here's why. Because it's tradition at this point to do Argento, because we've done him twice in the two years we've done it. Why break the tradition? Let's, Let's do it until we can't do it anymore with Argento. 
I mean, it would basically be this year, and we could do them next year, but then we'd be out of you know the the good to above average films, and we'd be just in the real shit catalog. Okay, but I want to see. <laughs> That's those what I was going to suggest. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to suggest doing three later films. Yeah, if oh, we do I, Argento oh. again, it'll be Deep Red, Phenomena, and oh, yes. Tenebrae. 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 See, Which now, I, that's, a, that's, that's a good show. Yeah. Fucking Phenomena is my favorite we're gonna, Argento. We're going to add that, and we have such cool things to go besides that, guys. Um, but, yeah, we're just going to add that for now. Uh, we have, like, three more things that we're going to add. Also, we're going to have a monthly contest... So at the end of every month, starting in August, at the end of August, we're going to have a contest for only the people that are in the Patreon supporting page, and we're going to give you guys, give away a box of DVDs to, you guys, to, to one of you guys. So um, that was actually Jeremy's idea. So he's going to be hitting up family videos for like new releases. I'll probably throw one or two things in. Um, I'm not going to ask Moods to because shipping is ridiculous. Um, but maybe he can throw a couple bucks or something, and then I'll just buy something. Um, yeah, that's not a problem. That's definitely a little bit cheaper on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like I legitimately felt bad after episode one hundred, like that, like oh. he was spending so much money on shipping. But anyway, uh, that's the Patreon. We also have other ideas. We mentioned them, so uh, we're they're not going to be added yet. But basically, we're thinking about video commentaries. Um, where you pick the film, but the only caveat is it must be something we reviewed on the show as a featured review. So therefore, it's because nobody wants to walk into a commentary like, let's do a commentary on, uh, you know, One of the Dead. Meanwhile, all three of us hadn't seen it before. You know what I mean? Cause that's I don't even know how you weird... can do a commentary yeah. <laughs> on a film you haven't seen. <laughs> but if it's, if it's like Children weird. of the Corn yeah. 2 or like The Howling yeah. 7 or something. That oh, would no. be funny. Um, oh, the Howling 7? Oh, please, somebody pick that. And then uh, we're going to relaunch Disturbing Cinema. So we're going to add that as a perk, too. You want an episode yeah. of Disturbing Cinema? Yeah. People have asked for it. We're going to put that up there to let you guys possibly put, you know, get either me, Moods, and Kyle back together, or we'll bring in a third host. Um, I haven't reached out to Kyle yet to see if he wants to do it. Uh, come back. Yep. What's that? I actually talked to Kyle a little while ago, and I kind of pulled him out of his closet for a couple minutes there. <laughs> and I said, "Yo, man, are you down for doing another episode?" And he's like, "Dude, anytime, just hit me up." All right. So, so I don't, know if, I don't know if that actually means that he's able to do it anytime, or if he's just making general conversation and agreeing that he wanted to yeah. do. It. So, but I don't know, man. But he said he's down, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's and that's something. So, dude. Listen, guys, we're gonna put all these things on there. We're gonna not put them all on at once, but we'll add the we'll add the Italian month this week. Maybe we'll add the commentary next week or something like that. But basically, we are getting suit. You know what this did, guys? This motivated us to be more creative. It motivated us to come up with cooler ideas to get you guys involved more. Like, uh, it honestly changed my complete outlook on. Uh, the podcast. Like, I've always loved it, but now I'm even so much more excited to bring content to you guys because it's like, it's like we're seeing this, this appreciation and this reward for our hard work. I mean, dude, like, I don't want to begin to how much time we put into these shows over the past three, three or four years or whatever. You know, you know what else it did? What? It brought back the Boston Brando. Brought back the Boston Brando. Fucking Derek has got a podcast. Woodsboro Bros have got a podcast. Like I feel like we've inspired a lot of people. We've inspired ourselves. 
Well, we're a Body Bags alumni here. This is four members of Body Bags past and present. Holy shit. Yep. <laughs> That's oh, wow. crazy. I didn't yeah. even think of that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, man, so th- that, and <clears throat> listen, we're not going to talk about Patreon every week, so for those of you who don't want to hear about it, we're not going to talk about it every week, trust me, because I know it could probably get pretty boring, but we had to address it this week because it was an amazing response. Over a hundred and some dollars in seven days was amazing. And now we have so much more cool stuff to Seven offer you guys, days. and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep bringing it. We 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 have such creative ideas. Not even we haven't even mentioned all the stuff that we're thinking about. You guys, but, you guys should make that as a perk. Make the the ring digital copy movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, remember everything happens on the first of the month. So the moment it hits the first of the month, send in your picks so we have time to watch them. Then we'll get to them. And the only thing, guys, is our set uh, October and November shows are really booked. So we're going to have to think of a way to go around this. So either what we'll do is we'll let you guys, uh, we'll let you guys get, you know, stock your credits up and use them later. You know what I mean? Or we'll figure out another way to, to handle it because. That's something that we had done before we created the Patreon. So yeah, yeah. Like obviously, maybe, that's going to be some maybe like stuff. one one month after, like do like like you have like them do two picks and you just do that as one show. Yeah, I think yeah. I think December will just end up being you know a month where we're going to fill in those reviews and stuff. I mean, for the yeah, people that December don't know, we don't I mean, have much besides we do one big show before Christmas, which is the the viewers' choice Christmas edition. But besides that. For, there's three other three other shows that we could yeah. fill in Patreon shows with. Yeah, because November this or October November this year are pretty much write offs because you know for the people that don't know, uh, November is now Italian month, so we've already got that pre booked. So, and of course, uh, October is going to be fucking franchise month. Like it's just ridiculous how many big shows are coming up here. So yeah, we're doing Texas Chainsaw yeah. franchise review. Finally, Zach should be happy. Uh, yep. We're doing Child's Play and the Saw films. And then the fourth week of October will be uh, the Viewer's Choice October edition. Yep. So huge. Sh- like that's eight shows in a row that are big. Yeah, really, really busy month. And of course, I'm sure JP will try and fail at, uh, you know, 31 days of Halloween or horror. Yeah, I will <laughs> do that. Plus, and uh, this one so, 21 again. Don't fail. I was so burnt 21. out last year. Yeah, oh, dude! I, I actually haven't had a problem the last two years. I've done it pretty good. Uh, I hadn't missed a day or anything, but like, yeah, last year, man, I got to about day twenty-four, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I got seven more reviews. Like, it really hit me last year, man. Just so busy, but I think I'm gonna start pre-recording videos tomorrow. Uh, I honestly could do that. Honestly, like, <laughs> like I'm gonna get ahead of the game here, man, because I I don't know how else I could possibly humanly do this oh and another thing guys if you are big on us and exploding heads don't forget they have a patreon too just wanted to throw that out there i donated to them i'm gonna torture them with like some (laughs) round robin reviews yeah but anyway uh so yeah that's our patreon uh remember the first of the month by the time you hear this It'll already be the first of the month, so send on. So come on in with your picks, and then, um, <laughs> and then yeah. So that I think that's that, was that everything. I'm I'm gonna kill myself. If that wasn't everything that I wanted to say, but I think it is. 
No, I think that's everything. Um, right. Yeah. Again, thank you to everybody out there. And uh, let's jump into some news. Do we have any news this week? There's a little bit of news. Not a ton. Uh, so basically, there is some, some different things happening right now. One I did notice, we kind of announced it last week, um, courtesy of Andrew, who said that he had gotten some undercover information talking about Full Moon potentially releasing a Puppet Master box set. Oh, it's probably Martha Stewart. She came up. <laughs> I don't get it. I got a direct from Full Moon. Uh, yeah. She went to jail for this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, he got it directly from Full Moon. He told me I announced it last show, and then like the day, like I think like the it either came out like a day before or a day after that show posted. So um, yeah, so they're doing a box set. Um, I seen some guesses in price range. I'm gonna say it's two fifty. Uh, Wait, which is like completely outrageous, man. Two hundred fifty bucks yeah. for what is that? What is that? Eleven films? It's gonna have the eleventh one in there. Yeah, yeah, it's all eleven. Okay, so oh, that's ridiculous, man. It honestly shouldn't be any more than. <laughs> I don't know. It's full moon, man. It should be no more than hundred bucks. Ten bucks a film? Not even. I don't know. I would pay no, one twenty for it. I'm thinking. I mean, if we had to make predictions on the price, I would say it's at least two hundred and fifty bucks. At least, because it's Charlie Band, man. I mean, he overpriced. What? Yeah. How much was that box? How much was that Wizard box set that you got? Was it the Wizard the Empire box set? Empire. The Empire, Empire. Wasn't that like three hundred like bucks? Two hundred fifty bucks as well. Two fifty. Is it? That's crazy, man. And how many? So movies, thinking, how many movies was in that though? There was eighteen. Okay, yeah, that's actually, a lot. Yeah, but um, you know, it's it's as you know deeply treasured puppet master trunk. You know, that it's going to be two fifty. I bet. That's ridiculous. I'll the the appropriate price would be like one twenty. Yeah, but you know, um, if it was one twenty and it came in like a nice, tr- a good quality, so I'd pay, I'd probably pay it. One you know, fifty is the I'm, maximum I yeah. would pay. The mm-hmm. max. Me too. Me Even too. though I have one through five on Blu-ray and nine and ten on Blu-ray. Luckily, <laughs> I only have part okay. Access to Evil on Blu-ray. So yeah. that's that wouldn't be a huge upgrade for me. I love the Puppet Master. I wouldn't even know where to fucking put it if I. I want to cover it. them. Honestly, yep. like one day. So, either. Um, <laughs> uh, I do uh, have their original trunk, the one that had the original Puppet Master and Access to Evil. Yeah, that was one. Cool. Yeah, that's cool that you got that, man. I, yeah. I always, I always thought about grabbing it, and I was like, the shipping was like seventy bucks on it. Fucking Charlie Band, come on. So, but no. um, that's happening. Besides that. Uh, I, this is this is kind of news, but not really news. Uh, basically, Sharknado Week begins today at the time of us recording this, uh, and it lasts all week. And basically, Sci-Fi is not only airing like a, every damn shitty shark movie they've ever done, like during this time, but there's also five brand new movies. So, um, they really, they really love this Sharknado week that like the, just the whole primate, like, and I, I actually am pretty happy that it is successful because it just, it's funny to see everybody kind of into it a little bit. Well, in a couple more years, they're legitimately going to actually be able to do a full Sharknado week. There's going to be seven films, just Sharknado <laughs> yeah. films. Yeah. So, um, That's crazy. it kicks off today with tonight's, uh, there's a bunch of films leading up to it. 
Like, and then the third in the trilogy of headed shark attacks, we have five <laughs> headed shark attack debuting what? tonight. No. <laughs> Is it a what? Is there a four-headed? No, it's two, three, and then five. <laughs> they oh, skip four. <laughs> They'll probably use that the movie that skipped its own sequel again. Uh, and then tomorrow it's night dope. is Mississippi River Sharks. Wednesday night is Trailer Park Shark. <laughs> Dude, I gotta see that shit. That's great. They're gonna be drinking beer and shit. <laughs> That just killed me, dude. Trailer part. <laughs> Fucking Ricky and Julie and Madden Bubbles. Fuck. Uh, Thursday Fuck. is Toxic Shark. Oh. Uh, and then it skips Friday on to Saturday's Empire of the Sharks. <laughs> is that in space? Uh, is it a remake of Empire of the Answer Sharks? I don't have no idea. And then uh, Sunday, August 6th next week is Sharknado 5 Global Swarming. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. I mean, I think that this is, and the tagline is, Make America Bait Again. So, so Moods, what's your release of the week there? <laughs> Trailer Park Sharks, man. That shit yep. just... I literally had tears in my eyes. <laughs> Listen, I'm actually recording all uh, every movie on this marathon that's shark-related. I'm actually recording them via DVR. Whether I will watch them is up in the air. But I figured maybe one year I'll need them for uh, the long-awaited the long Shark Week, which I literally have been wanting to do since season one. The first summer thing that I wanted to do after Sleepaway Camp... I wanted to have one show in the summer where we did sharks, and we didn't do it, and then we didn't do it, and then we did, and we never done it. And I, yeah, we uh, did. We did the Jaws show last year. That was no, that was not last year. <laughs> oh my god, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that was like two years ago, dude. <laughs> was it? Oh shit! Um, but no, we yeah, should we actually did. start up an annual shark show. I know. I think so. Like what? Well, like one week in the summer. Like probably this week would be a good week. You know yeah, what I mean? Would be and, you, know, that, you know what would be funny? If you did like one in the winter, sharks in the winter, and do like all the ice sharks and avalanche sharks. Yeah, and well, I'm sure sharks. we can theme it every yeah, year. Like, we can do like, we could probably honestly do like five shark movies and never run out. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I, I what what year are we on? Four? Yeah. This, this is our fourth year? Yeah. All right, 2013 so, we start? Yeah. So next year will be our fifth year then, right? Mm-hmm. So let's do it then. Got to do it. Got to do it. All right. So, um, hey, we didn't start Italian month the first year we started this thing. You know what I mean? So it's like the only annual things that we actually have is Christmas. Christmas is the only annual thing. Christmas and the end of the year show are the and two. And Halloween. No, because the first year we didn't have Halloween. We passed oh. it. We started, it- we started in November. Or, mm-hmm. or wait, when did we start? Yeah, we That's started why. in November. Yeah, because we started yeah. late. Yeah. 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 So Christmas and Halloween, Christmas and and the end of the year, are the only things that we've done every year since the birth of the show. I mean, mm-hmm. technically, we have an annual top ten show. Well, that's the end of the year show. That's what I'm talking about. Of a random year, I'm talking about uh, the random years. Yeah. Because I mean, that, I mean, we've done three of those. But now. we didn't do it the first year, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> Either way, so that's Sharknado week happening. Check it shows out. our growth. It shows our growth. But yeah, no, we 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 need to. We definitely need to get on that shark. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm completely down. Man. I'm completely yeah. down. It, it Jaws show was hilarious. You guys did it because just yeah, antics and stuff. <laughs> oh, man, oh, dude, that was in like the '60s. That I'm show. sticking by my guns, man. Jaws two is boring as hell. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. There's a controversial statement for you. Boring. Uh, so we have um, another little bit of shark news here. I didn't even know this was the thing, but open water three cage dive is like being made because like there's images for it, huh. and it's like shark attacks. You know what? I never did see the sequel. It's good. Oh well, I'm about to review it, so maybe. Did you say it's good? It's good. Listen, when we wow. listen, I don't know if we're going to get to our hidden gem show or not. That was something planned in the first five episodes after 100. But that was actually going to be on my list. Open Water 2. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see. I agree. Maybe I'm going to have to go and seek that one out then. I don't even think, I don't even own the first one. We need to do Shit. that hidden gem show. Cause they have a double pack of the first two on blue. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. I know, that Hidden Gems one, I've actually been working on that list ever since we kind of thought of the idea, and I literally have a pretty solid list of shit. Of <laughs> shit? Yeah, real shitty Hidden Gems <laughs> no, of, of films on there. So I, I have about five that I'm pretty much for sure going to go with, and most of them are modern movies, so I wanted to pepper in some other ones from... It's funny, because I, I kind of figured lists would be like that. Mine is mostly, like, super old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. But I, I know there's one on there. I, I think most people that watch my channel and know me well probably will know one of them that's on there. But because I've recommended it so many times. But yeah, we gotta do that. Show. I'm, I really want to do that one. We can I'm maybe curious. even move it up because we have. We're actually going to be adjusting for something that we're doing behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. Some of our upcoming schedule, which we haven't announced much of it, but next week is House on Sorority Row remake versus original. Oh. Um, so. Which I just got my Blu-ray copy of the original in, which I thought I owned the remake, but apparently I don't. Uh, uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I probably could prime it. I never bothered to grab the Blu-ray. I know I went out of print and shit like that, but I had the the original, or the DVD, the Scorpion DVD release. Never uh, grabbed it. I grabbed the, the, the Did you, did you grab the, Oh, the Cult, yeah, the cult I, Cinema I one? Yeah. yeah. I, I know I ADA Films has been that out, too. How was the transfer on that? It looks pretty good. The cinema called Blu-ray. I watched it a few times and it looks. Yeah, it's, it's is really films good. not putting that one out? What's that? Yeah, 88 films is putting one out too. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So uh, after that, we have Suspiria. Is apparently the new remake here is apparently two hours and fifty minutes uh, when it screened initially. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that that running time is going to hold up. Oh, they're no. they're going to chop that down. No one's going to want to sit through a three-hour fucking Whisperer right, remake. Uh, Hollywood elsewhere, elsewhere reports that that the a cut of the new Suspiria that was recently screened for the Amazon gang runs a whopping two hours, 50 minutes long. Additionally, the site notes that Amazon plans on self-distributing the film. What? Yeah. Crazy. So it's going to be an Amazon release then. Interesting. Is that Is like it, how was that Neon Demon two? Was that an Amazon release? 
I know Amazon I produced that film. Yeah. 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 So is there going to be physicals of it, or are they just releasing it digitally? There's well, physicals of the, uh, Neon. Well, Neon Demon yeah. is... Yeah, Amazon's a big company. Well, it, well, well, go re- well, go release Neon Demon. I didn't though. even realize that Amazon had released Neon Demon. That's crazy. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so that's... I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, me uh, too. All right, and the last little bit of news here that I have um, is... Eli Roth and AMC bringing us History of Horror TV series. It mm-hmm. says, I got this from Bloody Disgusting. It says, Eli Roth has been in an interview subject for countless documentaries and inside looks at the horror genre. So it seems rather fitting that he's going to be the man to shine the spotlight on the history of horror for a new AMC series. The network just announced that the Television Critics Association's summer press tour that Roth will produce the tentatively titled AMC Visionaries, Eli Roth's History of Horror, a six-part look at the genre that will be part of AMC's new Visionaries series. Uh, This is a quote. um, I'm thrilled to be part of the incredible series. For years, I've wanted to create a definitive history of horror, a living record of the genre with interviews from all the greats, old and new, said Roth. Sadly, we lose more of these masters every year, and with them go their stories and experiences. The show will serve as a record for future generations, fans, and filmmakers alike to enjoy. I could not be prouder to create this with AMC. The series will premiere in 2018. On a related note, AMC's visionaries James Cameron's story of science fiction and Robert Kirksman's The Secret History of Comics are also in the works. So, um, I gotta say, dude, first Mm. of all, this is why I truly love Eli Roth, because he actually loves the fucking genre to death. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he is such a fan of the genre, and I think that's why him and Tarantino got along so well, um, because they're both huge fans. And what he said there really kind of you know, made me feel something. He said, sadly, we lose more and more of these masters every year, and with them go their stories and their experiences. So remember a while back when I was talking about, oh, Scream Factory's releasing Village of the Damned on Mm Blu-ray. Oh, what a sucky movie. I'm like, yeah, but you know what's cool about them releasing that? Is John Carpenter is going to record a commentary talking about it. He's going to record interviews talking about it. And then he's going to die. And that's all we're going to have left about that movie. Don't you wish that Fauci talked more about his movies? Don't you wish that Bava talked more about his movies? You know what I mean? Wouldn't you kill for more interviews about this film? Like, so to me, it's like, get as much information as you can before they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I don't think a lot of people look at it like that, though. That's pretty insightful. You know, it's pretty deep thinking right there. And it, it's true. It's true. It's not just about the movie. It's about the insight that these, like Eli Roth, to quote him, masters of horror, have. I mean, we want to hear that stuff, man. I mean, th- this is what we live for. We're horror geeks. We're, we're geeks for, you know, inf- information and shit. And why not, why, not, why, not, yeah. why not get it? You know, I mean... There's, you know, I, there's a I, company putting out Stranger in the House, Wes Craven, Blu-ray. Don't you wish that Craven was alive to talk about that film a little bit more? Because yeah. nobody, there, there's no real interviews about that film mm-hmm. because yeah, it was a yeah, TV yeah. movie. And I personally really like that movie, which which is uh, Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. 
I wish so, he, yeah, I wish he did one for Deadly Friend because of all the production yeah, that problems that film had. Is there any? Is there? Did Romero do new commentaries for Arrow? With I'm, not the, sure. I'm not sure. I didn't actually look at the special features on that release because I actually thought about that. You know, re- when when you passed away, I was like, I wonder if he was involved in some brand new fe- uh, special features and stuff. So, well, if you knows? guys remember, they delayed Serpent in the Rainbow when Wes Craven was going through all that stuff. And yeah. he died like right after, so that's probably why they delayed it, and then, you know, just never got the the what they were planning on getting for that release. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. I'm all about it, man. Have these guys talk about every one of their movies to death because, uh, in in t- 20 years from now, when you look back, you're going to be so curious to what was going on. That's really the that. plus of the the Herschel Gordon Lewis box set because they got Herschel Gordon Lewis in time before he passed away, and he introduces every film before. Yeah, I'm yep. mad that I didn't pick that up. Yeah, it's definitely worth the money. Definitely worth the money. Um, you know, I, I think I think you know, as collectors and as movie lovers and stuff, I think we all have different um, different reasons to why we watch and, and collect films and stuff. I mean, you look at people like Zach. Like, I mean, he doesn't really give a shit about the special features. It's more about the film for him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. good film, bad film, whatever. He buys the film based on if he likes it or not. He doesn't care about special features where other geeks like us I keep using the word geeks I don't I think I don't think I've ever used that word so many times on the show um we we like that stuff man I like yeah. the information I like to always be learning and stuff some people just don't give a shit about it and that's fine that's how I know but, all my stupid knowledge yeah and, and that, exactly man you're just a you're a fucking train <laughs> full of fucking knowledge you're so good with names it just blows my mind yeah. blows my mind but that's you know that's a great example of just learning things you know from you know, and other people just don't give a shit. But I mean, it's all good. It's it's all the same. But I would want to know everything I possibly could. Why not? You know, and that's you know going back to the whole Village of the Damned. Yeah, I was one of those people. I was like, fucking Screen Fact release Village of the Damned. It sucks. Even Carpenter hates that film. Mm. You know, he he's fully admitted like his heart was not in into making that film at the time, and you can tell. You know, it's yeah. it's very. It's very bland. The casting is very bland in that film, in my opinion. And um, but you know, to hear him talk about it would be interesting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But then yeah, again, I think that film. I, I think honestly, <laughs> hearing directors talk about films that they openly admit aren't good, I think that's fascinating. That's why I wish we had I, a deadly friend that, one yeah. because he had so yeah. many production problems. Wet Craven had so many production problems because yeah. the production changed like half of his movies. I yeah. just always wondered why he like cast Kirstie Alley in that film. And you know <laughs> what? You'll never get a chance to hear him talk about that movie. You know what I mean? He's dead. You're not going to hear him talk about it more than what already is out there. So yeah, I like the fact that Scream Factory and you know these other labels are grabbing these guys and having them talk about um, these films before they go because they're all going to go, and especially the ones like. Carpenter and Argento, like the guys from the seventies and eighties, dude. Yeah, it's over. I wish guys like Argento would do commentaries and do more features, but just have someone translate. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, because you just yeah. have nothing. Like Argento's kind of a, it's kind of a mystery. Yeah, you know, you he should have really learned English, man. I mean, he can speak it, but he's not well enough to do a full yeah. commentary and kind yeah, of yeah. thing. But I don't understand why they don't just like bring that idea to him. You know, hey man, you want to do a commentary for this? We'll we'll get a translate. We'll translate it. You know, kind yeah. of thing. Like take the time to do that because I think it'd be fucking cool, man. All, all they would have to do is talk about like have him, the crystal plumage, man. Have so him cool. do the commentary, 
get somebody to transcript it and then have somebody who's bilingual just read it while he's, you know. So, um, yeah, but that would be cool, but that, that's kind of a lot of work. Uh, so, yeah, that's the news, guys. Anybody have anything that I missed? <laughs> uh, how about that Under Films announcement moods that we were talking about earlier? But uh, the director of the Serb- Serbian film just announced his new film. Really? Oh, yeah, what was it called again? Whereabout, I think. Yeah, Whereabout, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Horror, horror Western. And it's a horror Western. Child pornography in that one? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's a horror Western. I mean, this is something that we've talked about many, many times on this show is we need more horror Western films. And horror war films. And war films, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. You know, they just don't make a lot of those kind of, you know, mixed genre films. It's, but yeah, that's really awesome stuff. Actually, speaking on Unearth Films, I guess there is a little bit more news. Um, I guess Jim Bam Beaver and uh, Stephen Burrow had like a fucking tiff on what, Facebook? I've Derek? seen that. Yeah. And Stephen, he actually like, you know, wrote a, a Facebook message kind of announcing what happened and shit, I guess. If you guys don't know Jim Van Bieber, it's like he, he's always been kind of controversial his whole career and stuff. But he's got a drinking problem, and I guess he was ra- like ranting and raving about fucking unearthed films and stuff. And and I guess Stephen Burrow, he's been really trying to help him out throughout the years and things like that with his problem and stuff. And this was kind of last straw. He just he just crossed the line. He said a bunch of shit he shouldn't have. And Stephen said, "Now we're no fucking longer friends." And blah blah blah. And, and that really hurts, man. Because I mean, I wanted I want Jim Van Bieber's films to come out. I mean, I know you do too, Derek. And I mean, yeah. this kind of damper on, you know, f- you know, as fans. I mean, we're not going to get these now. <sighs> it fucking blows. It really fucking sucks. But, but I, I didn't really look into the whole like the thing too too much. I mean, I guess yeah, that's kind I tried of, to stay in, like involved because it was yeah. Kind that, of that's one of those so. things that you like don't even want. Like you see it going on, and you're just like, oh, I'm gonna look over this way, you know, because you don't want to. Really, that's like really it. what I did. Yeah, I kind of got the short and long of it. I was like, okay, they're no longer friends. I'm like, oh, that sucks because he was gonna release Debbie to Dawn, or Unearth was working on release of it, weren't they? I think they were trying to get some rights and helping him put some of his films out. I think because Stephen's uh, really good with like uh, that connection. Apparently, I'm friends with Steven. I didn't even know it. Oh, Steven's a great guy. He's a really nice dude. Because that's why I've seen it. Yeah, he's he's a really nice guy, man. If you review the films and stuff, he'll he'll take the time to watch your video, comment, and thank you, and even repost it on Facebook and stuff. I, I reviewed a couple films. Oh, I mean, the the American Guinea Pig films and done other reviews for Unearth and stuff. But he's, he's a genuine guy. That's why Pretty we just nice. need to all pull our money and start a distribution label. And we could be like that. Like exactly. if, if you watch the special features of uh, when um, American Guinea Pig Blood Truck, Stephen Burrow actually took you to where on our film started. It was like it, w- it wasn't there anymore, but it started out like a small video store. It was like now uh, like a, a beauty salon, and that's actually the uh, place that was right next door is where they filmed Blood Truck. That's so cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome stuff. So yeah. big ups to Stephen Burrow and everything that he's done in his career. All right, so that's the news. Hell yeah, man. Let's get into Mood Swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for, you know what, I'm going to cover two weeks here because um, this show is going to be posted after August 1st, but I do want to po- like talk about a couple of these films and stuff, just kind of get your guys' opinions on some of the releases that are coming out on the 1st. So it's going to be from the 1st to the 8th. So we're going to cover 
two weeks span, I guess? I don't know. Uh, first up here from Screen Factory, and I know this one was kind of... <laughs> uh, a lot of people were kind of like, what? Like, they're finally doing this, but they're doing it with, you know, back catalog films. So Screen Factory is getting into the Steelbook uh, craze. Oh, and those they are, are really- out finally, huh? Yeah, yeah, so August 1st, uh, Escape from New York, The Fog, and They Live are all dropping on Steelbook. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Dude, I, I, was I can't hope- hate. I like them. You know what? I'm not, I, I almost was about to buy them because they were dirt cheap, dude. And yeah, I forget where I seen bucks. them, but 16 bucks, I was like, okay, yeah, these are upgrades, but it's the fucking Fog, dude. Like, like The Fog is a classic, and They Live is mm-hmm. probably like my second, third favorite Carpenter film. Yeah, well, third probably. Third, I can't. Fourth. I can't hate it because they're sixteen. It's not like we're paying fifty dollars. Yeah, they, they, well, I mean, they're the fair is, price, they're, and it's they have to be. They have to be because these are just repackaged discs, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if they had the price tag on twenty five bucks, people would be like, "Go fuck yourself." We're not paying for the same disc twice, yeah. you know, in a, in a steel case kind of thing. But if they're gonna, you know, but I, I think agree. that's fair. To me, agree. it would be more bullshit if they went and got three new special features and put them on there. And that, because that's exploiting the fans, but but this is just giving a super fan of a movie an option to own the movie in another way. It's it doesn't feel as exploitive to me. Because they still Mm -hmm. have the regular release, and so you can pick that up too if you don't want to collect the steelbook. Yeah, Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. You know, the price tag was kind of the moment where I was like, well, you know, that's actually fair. You know, it's fair. I might grab them still. I I pre-ordered both. They live in the fog, so I. Definitely I might grab those too, too, because I don't own those ones. And I don't hate the covers, honestly. Like, I, I, I love the next ones. That was my next question. How do you guys feel about the artwork used on this? I think the fog is the best one. I think they lives the best. They one. all have the same scheme, kind of. Yeah, they like, do. Oh, it's definitely the same artist. I, I like <laughs> I like they live the best because to me it it like it they all look a little cartoony, but I feel like they live looks like a video game, like an NES. It looks like an NES cover. Like a retro like, video yeah. game. Yeah, and that kinda movie like plays out kind of like a video game, too. So, like, I kind And Carpenter's done that multiple times. He did that with Big Trouble in Little China as well, where it feels yeah. like a video game. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. it feels like, like the there's balls. levels and stuff, yeah. Like, there's boss fights and stuff. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I like They Live a lot. Um, I like the fog. I, I, I'm coming around more on the fog, but I like these releases, dude. Like, I'm not gonna hate on them at all. I hope they do Wes Craven's films. Oh my god, they're <laughs> gonna get more money from me from Wes. Craven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm still contemplating picking up the fog. I mean, because it's one of my favorite Carpenter films. Uh, I'm just not a big Steelbook collector. I don't you know? really like, collect I, I have them a, either. Yeah, so I have a handful. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a, just double dipping on the disc, th- you know. I think I have like six or seven. Are these so. limited? Yeah, these are limited, but how many? they're cheap. So I think three thousand or ten thousand each. I can't if remember. If it's ten thousand, then like, I ain't got nothing. Well, they actually give a number on that. Hmm. I, I think they did when they first announced them. I'm, I'm not. I don't remember. It's been a while. Oh, interesting. All right. I wasn't sure. They okay. So yeah, Screen Factory Steel Books. Uh, next up here is a film called Colossal. <laughs> I don't know. This is from the director of Time Crimes. It's uh, yeah, certified it fresh, dude. I've been looking. I like this new thing that they're doing with these stickers. The the certified fresh. I have not been disappointed with the certified fresh yet. Yeah, I got a bunch of those too. Yeah, I might check it out. It's like a kaiju like film. Yeah, I think that's what it's kind of paying homage to and stuff. So, yeah. uh, next up here we got another don't film 
uh, released by Screen Factory on their IFC line or their IFC Midnight line. Don't knock twice. Have you guys seen this one yet? No, I've no, avoided I it because yet. I've heard like around like seven out of ten range, six point five range. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was at with this one. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was better than I was anticipating it to be. It just it really didn't look and sound good. And then I watched it, and I was like, ah, that's actually not bad. The execution wasn't too, too bad. It was a little bit creepy. It was atmospheric and stuff, so that was enough to keep me in the, in the loop. But um, but it's another don't film. And I, I honestly have a really bad problem with collecting films based on titles. You know, some people, like, buy movies based on cover arts, and I'm really bad for buying any film that has blood in the title or massacre or slaughter and don't. <laughs> like I'm, I'm honestly half retarded. I see. Think I, I don't <laughs> like massacre and blood usually and slaughter because they usually suck. They but usually do. don't. Sometimes can be good unless they're frat house massacre. Then it's good. <laughs> Slumber party massacre. Blood slaughter massacre. Wasn't there one like <laughs> with all of them? Yeah. <laughs> a couple years ago. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, not really a horror film. I guess more of a dark thriller. I guess. Fuck uh, you. It's scary. Time. The Good Sun's finally coming out on Blu-ray. I know there's a lot of fans of this film. I actually Huge really enjoy it. Huge fan. I love this movie. I seen it when I was a kid. I haven't seen me it too. since then. Probably Culkin was creeping me. To me to I'll never forget watching this film for the first time when I was when I was a child and I was like, "That's a crazy turnaround from <laughs> fucking into this." Film. <laughs> it was like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Yeah, it was quite shocking as a child because this one came out what the early '90s. So, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. So, The Good Sun finally making its way to Blu-ray. Sweet. It'll make a lot of people happy. Uh, this one right here, man, coming out on the uh, Screen Factory IFC Midnight line. Also, House on Willow Street. Uh, this is another one I actually did watch. Um, I thought it was pretty good until the third act, and it went a little bananas for me, but kind of in a bad way. Oh, yeah. Actually, there was, there was moments in it where it kind of got a little bit comical, just in what was happening. I was like, that's ridiculous. But I, I've heard some people say they really enjoyed it, but I like the cover art. It's good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's definitely up there, you know, it's it's a decent uh, IFC Midnight release, so... I'll check but it out. It's putting out quite a bit of good stuff. I mean, I know there was a time there when a lot of those IFC releases and stuff weren't the greatest. Alien Outpost? <laughs> yeah, Alien Outpost. Oh I, my feel, I feel like for the most part, they're like in the like 7 to 7.5 range, sometimes a 6. It's yeah. Pretty, most of the ones it's still watchable. It's enjoy it. I enjoyed a few of them. Yeah. One of them made my top 10 last year. I don't really know anything about this next one here. This is from 20th Century Fox, and it's a film called Phoenix Forgotten. I actually don't know about this one. Uh, it, played, it had I a theatrical heard, release. I think yeah, it's a very small one. It. I heard yeah. of it. I've never seen it, though. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure on this one, but yeah, 20th oh, Century. I think that's a found footage film, if I'm not I mistaken. I think it is. It looked all right. It, it looked all right. Yeah. I'll check it out before the year's over. No, yeah. me too. Yeah, um, not really. I don't think it's, that can't be the right company, but Fun Fun Nation. I don't know. Anyways, Derek's number one film of 2016, Shin Godzilla. Only getting its Blu-ray release. I actually just got mine in the mail the other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's actually black case, doesn't it? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I, I like that. I thought it was like 4K at first, but um, I'm I'll probably I'll probably grab this honestly. Like I. I I'm curious. Uh, every once in a while, I get in the mood for like some Godzilla type shit. As long as that moth ain't in there, I'm good. <laughs> really, really good. Like, man, the you know, That's just the aesthetic. Of the- yeah, dude, it looks so good, man. Like, really, really good. They did such a good job with that. Yeah. Um, 
uh, next up here is a film called Slight, and I believe that I don't know. If the, I don't think it's necessarily a full blown horror film, more of a kind of a dark thriller type deal. But it deals with like magic and stuff, so that's kind of an interesting premise. But I don't know. It's from the producer of Get Out, the producer. I fucking hate when which, they put that. Which on the producer? Cover. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's garbage, man. The producer of Get Out. It, it, is, the mo- it is the most bullshit. We we should come we should we should start putting together a list of like bullshittery in this industry because like there's another thing it's it's like it's less like that but dude I fucking hate falling asleep with DVD menus on like it just drives me crazy the the music just loops and loops and loops and loops and loops and loops and I'm too tired to move to chain turn it off you know what's great about the that's what's great about the Warner Brothers ones because they just restart the movie and you just wake up and, and yeah, fall asleep. I'm down with that. <laughs> All right, man. So coming up here next is a film called The Drowning. It's got Julia Stiles in it. Oh, this can't be good. This doesn't no. even look like a horror movie. Uh, I don't. It's I. I don't know. I think it might be like some type. It's of gonna drown in the box office. Yeah, I'm not getting into that one. So that was the releases from August 1st. We'll get into the ones here from August 8th. Um, what this about one, Fortitude? The complete second season. <laughs> what the hell is Fortitude? There's blood on it. I don't know. All right, let's go. It says like NC-17, though, on the radio. That's pretty interesting. Uh, from Screen Factory, man, we've got Night of the Sorcerers and uh, Laura Lee's Grasp, double feature. And this is like the last double feature that Screen Factory has announced. Like, they don't have any coming up after this one, so... Some good Spanish horror right there. Yeah, dude, I'm really... Ever since they announced this one, I've been super excited for this, because I don't own either one of these films, and Spanish horror, I love. So, yeah, these are from the director of the Blind Dead films, I believe, both of these films. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Uh, so, yeah, man, that's, I mean, I already pre-ordered mine. I actually got a pretty good price. I think it was, like, 20 bucks. So I was like, that's Wow. That's, that's not bad, bad for, for you. Bad yeah. For yeah, I was like, holy shit, man. I'll, I'll fucking take, jump on that shit. But, um, yeah, next up here, I, I think, I think I've heard of this one. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, from Gravitus Natures, <laughs> whatever. It's called Among Us. Is, have anyone seen this one? You guys? I, I think I've seen the poster or the cover up before. I didn't, I, I kind of like the, it. It the, sounds familiar, but I don't, I don't know what it is. I know, man. I keep wanting to place this somewhere, but I'm like, I'm not sure if I know. Something to do with supernatural type stuff, so I don't know. But the cover art's actually pretty cool. Kind of like it. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, Next up here from Arrow Video, we have Reanimator, special edition, two-disc limited edition. Uh, Anybody else pre-order this one? I mean, this is like first day pre-order for me. Did anybody get a... Did the press copies go out for that? I'm I sure. think I don't I, know the, those those press copies meld together after a while for me. <laughs> I think I might actually have one for Reanimator. You didn't get it. You didn't get uh, the actual release of it. No. <laughs> Shit. Um, I'm not sure. Sometimes they don't do them for like their bigger releases. Like, like if a if a if a title pre-orders really well, they figure and to where like almost all the limited copies are sold. I think they're like, well, we don't need to send any out for promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, actually. But I didn't think Reanimator would be one of them. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's a pretty big fan favorite, though, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's yeah. not like some. It's not like a Scarlet <clears throat> Box edition, or you know, it's not. It's just a regular yeah. release still. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's coming in that special packaging and stuff, kind of like the. I'm assuming Bride, it's. Bride. It's kind of like Bride Reanimator and yeah, Society. Yeah, it'll be. 
yeah, very, very similar. I wish I would have grabbed Brad a Reanimator when it was out. Yeah, it's a nice release. Nice yeah, I'll probably grab this one since I have Bride. Shoot. Yeah, I grab this one. Yeah. Um, next up here from Screen Factory, we've got the release, the collector's editions of Teen Wolf 1 and 2. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still shaking my head about this. Listen, this no, 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 no. Don't no, even mo- talk shit. Teen Wolf most- 1 is worthy of a collector's edition. No way. Like, Teen one, Wolf 1 is classic. So, so honestly, I was having this... I think it was actually with Derek or Zach. I don't know. But I said, I was like, why the fuck didn't Scream Factory... This would have been a perfect double feature Blu-ray. You know, Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2, right? Well, so that's I'm just reading, because everybody has always seen them together in the MGM double features. But it just makes sense. I, I don't know. To go that extra distance and put them on his collector's edition seemed a little extreme to me. I don't know what the features are in here, if they're if they're jam-packed and stuff. I can't imagine them actually being that full of features. But I was reading in Room Work. I was actually going through the reviews and stuff. And the, yeah. and the guy that wrote up the review for Teen Wolf 1 and 2, he's like, why in the fuck didn't they put these in a double feature? <laughs> I was like, I know, I just said the same thing. Even Jason Lloyd posted, why did they not put these in a double feature? Yeah, it, it just seemed like, I don't know. Listen, I agree that they could be double features, but it's only because Teen Wolf 2 sucks. If anything, yeah, Teen Wolf should have been a collector's edition, and Teen Wolf 2 should have been a bonus feature. <laughs> because teen wolf is the shit like that movie is great but teen wolf yeah, 2 on. sucks yeah yeah teen wolf 2 is i'm not upgrading teen wolves <laughs> no no you know what come to think of it i don't even own them <laughs> I don't either. I actually do. Either one of them. Uh, next but, up here from uh, from Shriek Show. Back in the game. Shriek Show. Back in the Gizze. Back from the oh, dead. Really? Yeah, dude, man. They're putting out Blu-rays of like older titles. I know they've lost the rights to a lot of their titles, which yeah. is you know fucking Code Red and other companies are releasing a lot of titles, but they still hold some. And they're releasing Tenement, uh, Game of Survival. Such a fun ass film. Even Jeremy likes this movie, which is surprising. How Jeremy um, see this? I have no idea, but he he knows it, it's a fun but film. He probably it's got the DVD film. for a dollar fifty somewhere. Probably <laughs> 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 family video. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good find though. Find street shows and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from Synergenic Distribution. Oh man, this one looks trash. It's called Charlotte's. Oh, that cover. What does that remind you of? Mm. Annabelle. It just instantly reminds me of Annabelle. Oh, brutal. But it's a it's a doll film. Isn't Charlotte. Isn't Signature the the put out like uh you know like uh BDR films and mm-hmm. stuff like they release like a uh, like a public domain mm-hmm. stuff, don't they? Usually. Yeah, I I, w- I wasn't sure if that was the same company or not. I, I can never believe like you know when I'm reading off some of these company titles if they're actually legit because I know I've read off some. I'm like I'm pretty sure that's not legit. <laughs> you know they just kind of like. They just throw down a company name and it's not even real, but mm-hmm. no idea. Uh, this one looks like pure asshole. I'm not even, like I'm not even gonna lie, man. And then I look down and it's released by Wild Eye. Dead <laughs> story. What's it called? Dead story. Oh my god, man! The cover art on this is it, it's just it's terrible. It's really really bad. That means it's probably good. Wait, isn't Sweet Sixteen <laughs> that movie that Code Red released? Yeah, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So Kino's releasing that? Yeah, they're doing the DVD release of the... Yeah, they they have a distribution deal with Kino, and they do the DVD releases. So... Okay. Um, 
Green Apple Entertainment releasing a film called Haunted Maze. Wow, that cover. Yes. Killer Clowns, I guess. Looks pretty bad, to be honest. Uh, Haunting at Woodland Hills. Wow, this one looks really bad, too. And it's, again, from Green Apple Entertainment. Is that a real company? I'm not sure. I've never heard of them before. <laughs> That's come up twice on here, and I'm like, what in the hell is Green Apple Entertainment? I don't even like Green Apples, so I probably won't like this movie. That made no fucking sense at all. Just because I don't like green apples doesn't mean I don't like the film. Anyways, <laughs> I actually threw down, I threw down some cash on this one today. Had to pre-order it. Actually, oddly enough, it's cheaper on Amazon.ca than it is .com right now. That's crazy. Uh, this one's really damn cool, man. Um, it sounds really cool. Three Tears on Bloodstained Flesh. It is a modern film from 2014, and it is a giallo. It's an American giallo. Yeah, on our from Unearthed Films, and I, I, I noticed this one was coming out a while ago, and I was just kind of flipping through Amazon today. I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, I need to pre-order this." So I'm excited, man. In America, yeah, I am too. modern. Too. These just don't come out that regularly, man. But you know, read from that title: Three Tears on Bloodstained Flesh." Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I made a mess. I made a mess. There. Yeah, you did. Brandon <laughs> uh, now. Yeah, and the. Uh, the last one up here uh, from Strand Releasing again. I don't know if that's a real company or not. So they, they are. I actually have a release from them. Karate oh, Kill. Really? Yeah, they released Karate Kill. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. This one's called The Transfiguration, and it literally has a quote on there. It says, "The best horror movie of 2017. Bold and brutal. A gripping, disturbing horror movie." We'll be the judge of that. Wait, is it? We come. Uh, it comes at night. Yeah, <laughs> but that but that that's a be, drama. Wait, but that movie wouldn't be in the DVD and blue re- the horror releases though. It'd be in the drama releases, right? <laughs> no, it'd be in the romantic comedies. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know anything about this transfiguration, but it looks honestly it looks cool, man. I'll check it out. It looks cool. I'm down. Yes, man. It looks Ow. Cool. All right, cool. Uh, so getting into the release of the week here, man. Did I you mean, pick one is- for last week? Pick one for August first. Oh, for August first, yes, you're right. Uh, August first, hands down, got to be Shin Godzilla. Got to go with yes. Shin Godzilla. I that, second. That, I second write that one. Yeah, man. I mean, even if you're not even the hugest Godzilla fan, check it out, man. It might change your mind. It's really good. Okay. Really, like, really surprisingly good. It just looks a fantastic. Uh, August eighth. Release of the. This is actually kind of a tough one, man, because we've got that awesome double feature, that Spanish double feature. We've got the the wicked release of uh, Reanimator, Teen Wolf, Wolf One and Two, <laughs> Haunted Maze. Don't forget about Haunted Maze. Uh, three Tears and Bloodstained Flesh. This is kind of a tough choice because it depends what you're really into here. Yeah. But and if I really, really had to, you know, pick the the one that has to be picked, man, you gotta go with Reanimator, the Arrow edition, man. You gotta pick. Reanimator, and I mean, Air really doesn't do a lot of bad. You know, you're going to get a good quality release, and um, great Reanimator. features. Even if you already own a couple of different copies, who gives a shit, man? It's Reanimator. I'm sure there's new features on it. Fantastic. Jeffrey Cohen's my favorite actor. And it's a 4K mm-hmm. transfer. And a 4K transfer, yeah, and, and nice packaging, man. You can't go wrong oh, with it. You know what? Somebody asked me a question. I wanted to wait till Jeremy was on, but now that you mentioned that it was a 4K transfer. Um, he messaged me and asked what that actually means. And from what I understand is they do a 4K transfer of whatever negative they have, and then they scale it down to 
1080p regular Blu-ray. Is that correct? Yeah. That that's yes. what happens. Yes. 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 All right, but they still have a 4K transfer available. Had they wanted to release it on 4K. Yeah, I assume so. Yep. All right. So just just to clear that up, because he was like, "What does that mean?" But it does kind of make you wonder. Like it says, like a 4K transfer. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting. I, I like that that poll we had the other day that was like, "Oh, what uh, what uh, is uh, the best company for transfers?" And I was happy to see that the appropriate winner was winning last time I looked, which was Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, man. I mean, they take some pretty bad films, you know, and and they they polish those things, man. Like, I don't know how they do their transfers, dude. It, it's crazy. Yeah. I think they they literally have a video that you can watch. Actually, goes through the process of how they restore films. Like, it's pretty in depth and shit. So, um, pretty sure it's on YouTube. I think it's where it is. I don't know, yeah. but it, there's literally like an, you know. It, a video showing you shit. That's pretty damn cool. I mean, what kind of company does that? Nobody. Vinegar Syndrome's a shit, man. So, but yeah, that's going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 1st and 8th. Uh, We already kind of discussed box office brawl this week. Jeremy's not on the show, so we are going to bypass that. Um, I believe that we're going to kind of bypass voicemails and emails. Uh, We do have emails. Yeah, well, the voicemails, unfortunately, the voicemail is still broken. Yeah, I just I haven't looked into it, guys. I'm just not... Super lazy. So, yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> the Mexican is coming out of them. Um, <laughs> so let me get to the, the emails here. Um, but By the way, guys, if I don't answer an email, chances are I just misplaced it. Because you got to understand, not only am I getting emails from you guys, I'm getting emails from every damn press company out there a bunch of other just spam emails that I'm like subscribed to like Amazon and eBay and different things like that, you know? So sometimes I just miss things in my email, especially if I get it in the middle of the night and I look at it and then I go back to sleep because then I'll forget that I ever saw it. Um, so, uh, I believe the last one we did was on the urban legend the guy with the urban legends email. So, uh, this one was actually from Charlene a while ago. Uh, this one was June 24th. I don't think we answered this one. Did we? I don't know. I don't know what the uh, question is. I wasn't here. I don't know. It says, <laughs> yo, 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 guess who it is? That's right. Uh, one who gets butt hurt by stereotypes about France. Haha. <laughs> it's been a while since I wrote to you guys, so I thought I'd write a little something for the 1986 show, which I'm highly anticipating, by the way. I haven't seen enough films to come up with a top 10, so here's a top 5 for 1986. Number 5, Manhunter, great film. Number 4, Class of Newcomb High, not usually a trauma fan, but I love this one for some reason. Number 3, Night of the Creeps, such an entertaining film with a lot of memorable lines. Aliens, nothing to add, it's freaking aliens, it's awesome, and that's not up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Critters, which I always liked a bit more than Gremlins, even the sequels. My list is pretty generic, but it is what it is. Now, here's my question for the episode. All right. So she said, so Chopping Mall came out in 1986, which is my excuse for this question. Before watching the film, all I knew about it was the cover art. Didn't read any synopsis or, or anything. So the cover shows a severed arm with a shopping bag. I imagine the film being about a psycho killer chopping people 
in the mall. <laughs> we all know the actual plot involves killer robots, so my question is, are the are there movies for which the cover gave you an idea of what it was about and the end and end up being comp- and end being completely different? I can't wait to listen to the episode, have fun and keep being awesome. I guess there was a question in there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, I think that that is a classic thing of the 1980s is to put a cover art out that isn't really in relation to the film that much. I think Chopping Mall is the prime example of that. And honestly, I had always thought the same thing that Charlene thought. And I actually would have rather watched that movie about the killer slasher in the mall. And I, I'm not sure if that movie exists, but it needs to. There will be initiation, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's... It's, it's a only film. the second half, but still. It's a killer in the mall. Yeah. Uh, cover art that's misleading. Um, I don't know, I always thought that maybe, like... You know, the Trick or Treats film, the really shitty one from the 80s. Not Trick or Treats. You mean mean Zach's favorite one, the one with the kid? Yeah, man, that movie is so misleading because it it comes off and it's presented to you like it's a slasher slasher film, and it's really not at all. It's actually a really shitty film, like with one kill. It's (laughs) it's just, it's so misleading, man. And I know a lot of people have been duped into buying that thinking, oh man, it's fucking obscure 80s slasher. Look at that cover art, man. Yeah, it's literally the best thing about it. That movie sucks dick. It's horrible. It's fucking terrible. (laughs) That's right, Zach. Yeah. 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 There's one for me that is kind of... I, I wouldn't say more it misleaded my expectations for what the content of the film would be. Um, and that would be, for me, the the arrow transfer for Evil Dead. The, or the cover, should I say. Because I was Ed? expecting... Evil Ed, sorry. Well, the same thing. Playing off of Evil Dead, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, evil, but, like, I from the cover, I was expecting this crazy over-the-top slasher type movie and it's actually more down-to-earth than what i was expecting so i was it it really threw me off because i was like okay i was expecting something way different but it, mm-hmm. it's gonna take me like two or three watches probably to really well, actually probably this time that i rewatch it which i actually have it on my rewatches for this week list so uh, but yeah, first time I was way lower on it than I was thinking because I was thinking it was going to be just this campy, way over the top kind of film. Yeah, mm. I recently watched that for the first time. Uh, yeah, what you think? Cam- oh, um, I might talk about it in what we watch, so I'll save that. Okay. Um, Sleepaway Camp, any of them? I feel like <laughs> Sleepaway Camp Two, especially. Like I, I expect that there's Jason and Freddy in this movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm totally right. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. But, well, the post, the original poster uh, for Deadly Friend makes it look supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does actually. What about the what about Zombie the cover? Five Killing Birds? <laughs> yeah, oh, there's actually no Killing Birds. In it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. A lot of Italian films. So, what about It Comes at Night? Is, is the cover misleading on that one too? I honestly don't think so. I think the cover, like, pretty much, it makes it look like what it is, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I just don't like the cover. I think it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the yeah. film's not a literal thing, a literal in its meaning, so 
and a, something literally doesn't come at night, but something metaphorically does. So I yeah. guess it would be misleading in a literal sense. But again, that's not the content. That's not the meaning of the film to begin with. So yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. Um, Maniac's pretty misleading. That cover art, nothing like the film. Very yeah, nice. I mean, no, Maniac's like perfect. <laughs> I'm being serious. You know what I mean? Like the original one? Yeah. I mean, but that scene's there. I mean, the, the decapitation. No, no, I was being there. sarcastic. I'm like, that's ex- like the film feels like the cover art to me. Oh yeah, okay. Um, you know which one was kind of bothering me a little bit? It was Night of the Bloody Apes, the something weird release. I thought it was gonna be like a killer ape movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's about female Mexican Rex girl. That's true. That's so true. Uh, Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we could probably go on for days. I mean, I think there's a lot of Italian films that are a little bit misleading. I I think the Chopping Mall one is the perfect example, though. Yeah, my question is to you. I mean, I know we've had this conversation so, so many times, man, but is Chopping Mall a slasher film or not? It's not. I think it is, man. It's just the slasher. It doesn't have to be human, man. It's still I going agree around with that. One by one. I agree with that, but I don't feel has, like there's I'm, much slashing going on or well, stalking. Tech, tech, what? Do you, well, of course, they're stalking, man. The, that's what the robots are doing. They're literally there's a difference between stalking, like a stalk and slash, like POV, and mm-hmm. a the robots are chasing them. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I, I kind of put it into the context of the same thing, though. I mean, they're still going after them. The end result is there. They're still picking them off one by one. They're going. They're, they're not the, really they're picking pursuing. them off one by one either. They're in all a in sense. a group together, and one of them dies every once in a while. Well, there's a couple scenes, I guess, where I think the first couple that gets killed. I mean, they're kind of off. That well, feels I, that feels well, faster, I, right? Well, if I had to pick trick or treats or chopping mall, I'm watching chopping mall. I like yeah. the Chopping Mall. Listen to my Vestron video podcast on it. Yeah, I love the Chopping Mall. You love Vestron music. video podcast? Thank you, buddy. I love I love the Vestron. <laughs> no, it is good. It I is love good. the Chopping Mall theme. I, I was going to work too. on episode four this this week, hopefully, which is Return of the Living Dead. I'm taking credit for that. Yeah. Well, you're like the third <laughs> person to ask, so. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on here. Uh, Charlene actually rated us on iTunes, which thanks to thank. Thank you, Charlene. Um, she says, Vas des utilistras. I don't know what that means. Um, simply the best podcast ever. Five, five stars. This is by far my favorite horror podcast and podcast in general for that matter. Not only is it very informative, it is also extremely entertaining. All the segments are great and the reviews are in-depth and detailed. The hosts are very knowledgeable on the genre, and listening to them debating films never fails to entertain. I often go back and listen to old episodes after watching a film they reviewed. JP does a stellar job at editing the show. Moods is the king, and nope, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Charlie Charlie just got put in the Hall of Fuckers. Yes! Uh, dude, first of all, I, I love Charlene. Like she, dude, ever since I first seen her start commenting, I watched her videos and stuff. Um, I think she's awesome. I actually even I don't know if I said it publicly or in a group chat or on Skype or whatever, but I remember saying that I think she would be a good podcaster. I think she should start podcasting. Um, so that's pretty awesome that you, you Derek and and Brandon 
Brandon, the jaded one, uh, got Charlene into <laughs> podcasting. So uh, I'm yeah. pretty happy about that. Uh, I I love her. She's she's a darling. Like, thank you for the awesome re- review. You know, iTunes review. Like, that's and, that means a lot. You're the shit. We love you. And honestly, um, we don't care. I don't even care if, if French girls don't shave their armpits. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I know what I know what she's talking about. I think Jer- Jeremy said that, which I knew was a stereotype. Like, I, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. So, um, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Charlene. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to the podcast, man. You know, just you guys have a lot of cool shows lined up, man. I, I'm really excited to hear. Yeah. You guys talk about other type of films, you know, not, not just genre horror films yeah. and stuff. But I'm, it's cool. I, for the first time in my career, I am actually feeling like I want to watch other things, which is crazy that it's actually happening to me. Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, and it makes sense, dude. I've pretty much been like, you know, horror die for the past five years straight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the the amount of non horror films that I've watched in five years could literally like be counted on like i don't know a handful mm-hmm. of hands <laughs> but no seriously um i've probably watched like less than 50 non-horror things in five years which is crazy um crazy but yeah i mean so i mean i watch sports horror and reality tv that's it um and every once in a while i watch shawshank or something you know when it's on tv yeah that's such a random throw in and reality TV. Yeah, I love reality <laughs> TV. I'm not ashamed. I, wa- I watch Glow. That's my favorite show right now. Really? I just finished. I like for for example, I just rolled through Last Chance You in one night. It was like eight Jesus. hours of television. I watched him one night. It's about college football players. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, like when I, I watch other stuff, but I just rolled through them. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that it's cool that you guys, I might have a chance to watch other things, you know, for Well, I think we're probably going to get lots of chances here because theoretically, whatever someone gives us to watch through the Patreon, we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I, I mean, have a feeling people aren't going to go like too outside of horror, you know what I mean? Just out of, yeah. but, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. We have another email here. This one's from Corbin Dandy. Uh, He says, Hey, 22 Shots, first time writing in, but I was watching The House's October Build at work the other day, and it got me thinking about a question to ask you guys. Would you ever consider going to an extreme haunted house such as the McCamey Manor where things could happen such as broken bones and have you drink and eat weird things? Personally, I like to keep my horror in my life exclusively to film one more question for you guys as well i have have you picked up and any i think he means any of the 88 film slasher or italian collection i was thinking about picking some up and wanted to know how they looked and how they were feature wise thanks again gentlemen corbin dandy detroit um yeah well i'm 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 currently collecting the 88 italian line i'm only missing one now i think out of everything that's been released i mean i'm i mean i have about four or five that are in the post right now but essentially i have the whole line uh special features a little bit hit and miss but there is some pretty good releases like beyond the darkness release has a full like 90 minute doc 
yeah, you know, it has a full-length documentary on it and stuff. But yeah, no, they look pretty good for the most part. Something I will add also, if you do not have a region free player, uh, the the regions that are noted on them is a little bit misleading. Um, I've found, for the most part, that almost every release from 88 Films is not region locked. Because I always sure. test them. I, I just throw them in my, like, I, I Beyond the Darkness uh, is not region locked. And there's about a handful so far out of, like, 30, 35 releases that are locked. But for the most part, they are not region locked. It's I bizarre. know I know the Zombie 3 release is locked. But yes, that one is locked. A yeah. lot of them are unlocked. Yeah, most of them are. So, yeah. um, uh, tra- transfers are pretty good. Um, I only own a few of the slasher line because I have the majority of the films that they've released on their slasher line already on Blu-ray. I only picked up the ones I didn't own, like the the Pharaoh and Pittsburgh one, which is a shitty film. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Sucks. That was the one I wanted to grab just because it was like, oh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. not good, man. It's yeah. a comedy. It's fucking bad. It, it kind of pissed me off a little bit. But so I only I only picked up a couple of those. But for the most part, what I had, they look pretty pretty good. So I do recommend the Idiot Films line. I think it's a fun line. Yeah, I literally just picked up my or mine just came in yesterday from Eighty Eight Films from their sale. I like Hide and Go Shriek looks okay. It doesn't look like great or anything, but I don't know what kind of a print they would be able to use for a film like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to watching that one because that's one of the slashers. I'm always it's looking pretty, forward to. To be honest, Andrew, it's pretty scarce. I mean, the only release that Hide and Shriek Hide and Go Shriek had before was like this old. I think it was. Um, I don't remember who released it. It was maybe it was Umbrella or something like that. Way back in the day, Australia, there was only one DVD release. I don't think there's a lot of prints of it around. Code Red put out their Blu-ray. It looks like a Code Red Blu-ray. You know, it's very Code yeah. Red. It's It looks like a glorified DVD kind of thing. Um, so I was actually curious on that, too, how the 88 film one was going to look. But I don't know. I think the prints are just hard to find for that film. Yeah. So. yeah. The rest of them look pretty good, though. And how about the haunted houses? I personally don't want somebody grabbing up on me. Like I just don't want that killer clowns from outer space scene to happen, like it did in the house that October built. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Speaking on that shit, man, what's with the fucking sequel for that film? Yeah, it's coming out. So crazy, like out of left field. I'm down. (laughs) I liked it. I liked the first one. If they can. I enjoyed most of the film until the end. I fucking really didn't like it. Apparently this one picks up right where the last one left off. So maybe this one will make another one better for me. (laughs) I mean, if it picks up right where it leaves off, I mean, maybe it'll give you a little bit more that we were missing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully it does. I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out, though. I mean, I didn't completely hate the first one. But, uh, yeah, as for the the haunted house attractions... I I would love to go to one. I've been in a couple before. I went into one in Vegas. It was really cool. I was there with my brother-in-law and, Wait, and my so wife. Wait, so you want to do this shit where you can end up with breaking broken bones and shit? Fuck yeah, man. I, I, I do that shit, man. The only thing I'm scared of is heights. I can't I really control have myself, a, dude. I'd be pissed I off. Fear, I don't have a fear of anything except for heights. Like, I'm terrified of heights. It's crazy. You get me about 10 feet in the air and I'm fucking losing it, man. It's I'm weird. not really afraid of anything, honestly, dude. Like, like not yeah. trying to sound like a hard ass or anything but like i'm not i'm not like i'm afraid of death like if if there's something that like if there's a rattlesnake in front of me i'm afraid of that i'm not afraid of snakes in general you know what i mean um but yeah just death pretty much yeah i mean i I, the one that we did in vegas was pretty fun actually my brother-in-law is just terrified he doesn't really watch horror films because he's like one of those guys that just can't handle him he's a pussy essentially (laughs) so (laughs) 
yeah, he, like horror films actually legitimately scare him, and it took a little bit of convincing to get him to go into this haunted type thing. It was like on the thirteenth floor of this place, and really, really well done and stuff. Like it was honestly freaky, man. Like it made me jump a couple times. Like holy fuck! But he was like green and like freaking out and shit. It was awesome. <laughs> so I'm always down to do that shit. I just don't get to do things like that around here. We just don't have yeah. shit like that uh, except yeah. forest fires. What about you guys have like haunted hay rides or anything like that? We do. Uh-uh. Oh yeah, yeah, I know we do. <laughs> yeah, we got those around my area. I've too. never seen a hate. No, not around here. Oh I mean, man, that's most things pumpkin patches like going out. To, I don't know, man. I've never. Yeah, it's and it, oddly enough, I mean, there's a lot of farms around here. There's a lot of area and farms. We just don't have shit like that. It's crazy. Hmm. Boring ass Canadians in the West Coast, I guess. I <laughs> yeah, but yeah. All right. Uh, the last email we have here is from Chris No. And he, I, I see. This is another example of like I, I don't get back to people right away, but I see it, dude. Trust me. Like I see, I see your stuff. It might take me a little while to get back to you or see it again, and and remind myself about it. But like most of the time, I see it, I read it, I acknowledge it. But it's just like I don't know the answer sometimes. So uh, Chris No asked, "Do we have a printed printable list of all 100 movies you reviewed for episode 100?" He's basically saying, like, our countdown. Um, no, not yet. I have them. I actually Rob, have I have them all written down in a page's note in my computer. Yeah, Rob, like all 100. Rob from Georgia does a great job on collecting all the, like, information for us. Like, mm-hmm. like the yeah. Hall of Fames and the, um, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the ratings and, and yeah. the list orders and things like that. And then he sends them over to me. And then when I have time, I'll go and put them on the website in the ratings page. Or, um, in this case, I'm going to make a, it, it's going to go on our top 10 section where we have the li- list form of, you know, part, you know, the, the different, um, top tens we've done. Which, by the way, there's a bunch now. Um, so I will make a version where it has like the poster and then the the film or whatever. Um, so just give me time for that. These things always take time, especially the one when I'm like the 1986 one is going to take me a while to do because it's like I have to go and a lot shape. Of different films. Yeah, and I have to shape all those posters to where they're even and stuff like that. So like it takes a while for me to do that stuff. But yeah, um, <clears throat> that will happen. But if you want just a list. You know, I could email, you know, you the list or like we can, Moods can send it to you on Facebook or something. But one thing that I am working on doing too is I'm actually putting together a quiz. Um, you ever take one of those quizzes where it's like, how many of these 1980s horror films have you seen? And you like click and then it gives you a percentage. I'm yep. going to do that with episode 100, all the films, so people can actually you know, look and see which ones they missed and then they can go watch them that way. It's like a ch- list challenge. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm in the process of that. It'll you, take a little you need longer. to take that, you need to take that quiz yourself. <laughs> there's a, there's a handful. I, my goal is yeah. to have them all watched by the end of the year, but mm-hmm. I still got a little while to go for that. All right. So that is all the emails. Thank you for the emails guys. As of right now, the easiest way to get in contact with us is through the email, um, not the voicemail. And the only other thing I wanted to announce before we get out of here for mood swings, I think besides your morbid fact, right? Yeah. We don't have knowledge this week. No knowledge. knowledge. Um, I did want to announce that we are doing our fourth annual NFL 
Pick'em League that we do on the 22 Shots page. Uh, basically, I'm going to create a Yahoo Sports um, Pick'em League. You basically just join with your email. It's very simple to do. Every week, you'll just go and click which team you think is going to win. And then at the end of the season, uh, everybody who played, it's a $20 entry fee, pays up and sends the winners. We usually have three as of now. Uh, whatever prize they want. You know what I mean? Like last year, Neil got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff over like a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff, I think. And I think we had everybody except for, I think this year everybody paid, but I'm not sure. There might've been one person that didn't. Um, but that I know for considering the amount of people we had, it was incredible that that many people actually paid up and held their end, but we're going to do it again. Um, so I expect at least moods and Derek, what about you, Andrew? Do you do that? Do you do stuff like this? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I'll okay. be in it. So you're down your brother, I assume is down his green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> I gotta, re- I gotta bounce back from last year's shit showing, man. The first three years. No, is this, is this the fourth year or the it's fifth the year? It's the fourth year. It's the fourth. Okay. So for the first two years, I was like right in the money kind of thing, like right there. Last year just stunk it up. Mm-hmm. Like I finished like, fuck, I was bottom tier. It was crazy. Me and Jeremy just shit the bed last year. Yeah, Jeremy I, was really I bad. Too. I suck too. Fuck. I need a redemption season, man. I really do. Yeah, dude. But a lot of people were saying that. I was talking to other people that were in Pick'em Leagues and shit, and they, they said everyone was doing poorly mm-hmm. because the game, it was just so fucking messed up last year. Like, you couldn't pick anything. So yeah. hopefully it's a little bit different this year. Um, well, my yeah, main I don't know, man. problem if Big ben, it, has been if Big Ben. What? If he retires, man, if he retires and fucking I'm picking against Pickford every fucking He's playing every this game. Season. He's gonna play this season. But I remember I told you at the end of last season I said he might only have a year or two left, man, because his yeah. head's all fucked up and sure shit yeah. comes out. I was like, wow, he actually. I think he was retiring. just incredibly disappointed at how our our team played. Yeah, because he was playing Plus, good in that game. But, I mean, he's been doing some fact, you know, learning about, you know, head injuries and learning all the facts and shit. And, like, if he keeps going the way he is, man, he's not going to make it till he's 40. He's going to fucking crap <laughs> out, man. But, yeah, so <laughs> if you want involved in this, send me a message or I'll make a post on Facebook. Uh, the rules are very simple. It's a $20 entry fee. Basically... Basically, the winner last year we had three winners and we did it by percentages. Like I think, um, you know, the the first place got like two hundred and forty dollars worth of shit or whatever. And basically, they'll just pick what they want. I message you. You can buy it and send it to them in the mail, or you can buy it straight from Amazon. Just type in their address instead of yours. And you know, very simple, super simple to pay out the prizes. Uh, the, every week you'll get an email from Yahoo, like, Hey, make sure you do your picks or whatever. So you don't forget Mm -hmm. your picks. Uh, it is super simple guys. Like, but it is so much fun. If you're a football fan, watching the games is so much more intense this year. I'm actually going to take off more Sundays for work because I think that that was my number one downfall the past couple years is I've worked on Sundays. So I've only been able to watch highlights and not actually get a grasp for how teams play. And I know Moods, he fucking buys the whole entire Sunday pit ticket, so he shouldn't have an excuse. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, I watch. That's all I do, man. I get up in the morning, and I watch football from 10 in the morning till, what, 10 at night, 9 at night, whenever it is. Nice. I love me. So, so are we, like, I mean, if you do that, if you take the Sundays off and shit, are you going to watch football, or are we going to change our recording day? 
don't know. <laughs> we'll have to figure that fucking, out. <laughs> I know it's a tough one, man. Yeah. It's a tough one, but yeah. But sign up, people, man. We we want you. We want you to come enjoy the pick them. I, I I have so much fun with it, man. I love picking every it's week. So fun, it's, dude. It's one it of the funnest fun, things we do, and that's why yeah. I always say, if you ain't part of the group, dude, get involved because we do shit like this all the time. Like we are a tight knit community. We have all kind of special things that we do, and like. Yeah, it's just cool. So, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead with your morbid stat or whatever you're doing. Yeah, man, the Rue Morgue uh, weird stats and morbid facts. This is coming from the actual book of weird stats and morbid facts that Rue Morgue put out. And this one is going to be about George A. Romero. Rest in peace uh, to the man himself. Uh, this is, I don't know, I didn't even know this, but I actually thought this was quite interesting that it, this happened in 2014 and became the first, but very interesting. In 2014, uh, he, as in George A. Romero, became the first horror movie director to have his own action figure. The collect, <laughs> the collectible limited to 100 was released by Retroban and retailed for $100 U.S. USD. One zombified version was made just for the filmmaker. Isn't that crazy that Romero was the first person to have an action figure? Horror director. That's made from. pretty awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. awesome. That's yeah, like that you think that like it would have happened before 2014? That's so like yesterday. It's crazy. But George A. Romero, rest in peace to the legend. R.I.P. George. R.I.P. All right, peoples, jumping into the www portion of the show. I know you get pissed when I say that, don't you? Who no? <laughs> I I <laughs> like. WWW. Jeremy gets pissed. I hate when you say my Italian stallion of the week. That's what I hate. Wait, what is it supposed to be? Of the week? Of the show? No, it's just the. It's like my Italian stallion. Or like, let's get into the Italian stallion. Like, I don't know. It just always bugged me. I don't know. It just. Because you wouldn't like, say, let's get into the pick of the week of the week. No, but I mean, that, that's just redundant. That's just fucking redundant, man. But I mean, our show is weekly. Technically, Allegedly. so if I if if I do say my Italian stallion of the week, isn't that proper? Not really, yeah. because it's like I don't know. I just to me, it's just, like just reach name the. Let's. Italian I, I'm not going to say let's so get into horror 101 of the week. Like I'm just going to say let's get into <laughs> horror 101. I don't see anything wrong with that? It just sounds well, like, like I can understand if you're doing. like okay, uh, my Italian stallion for this week. But, like, of the week just sounds weird to me for some reason. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a personal sounds weird. <laughs> all right, man. So, WWW, what we watched, if you've never listened to the show before, that's just ridiculous. Um, it's basically we just go round tree, review some films, give some ratings, and, uh, yeah, who wants to go first? I'll go. Whoa. All right. All right. I'm the Jew this week. <laughs> Okay, my first pick is actually, this one was actually a shout out to the, my man Jerry. He actually sent me a way to actually watch this film because I wanted to check it out for the longest time. And I told him I would review it for him. And this one comes from 1970 and it's titled Space Anivia. This nice. film is directed by Shero Honder, of course, if you don't know who he is, of course. He's pretty much like the father of kaiju cinema, of course, directing the first film, Godzilla, the George era, and uh, numerous other films that he directed in the kaiju genre. Fun, uh, interesting fact about this film going into it is uh, this is actually 
the last non-Godzilla kaiju film that Oshiro Honda directed with also Akira Ukubebe score. So that was kind of a little interesting. This is the last non-Godzilla film that they had a part of because they're mostly known after this for like their Godzilla films from the 70s and four on. So this film starts out with like this uh, space probe going into outer space and pretty much what ends up happening is the, sp- the probe actually gets sucked in this blue substance that's in space titled the Space Enabler and it ends up crashing back to Earth and uh, this uh, photojournalist named Kudo actually ends up seeing uh, the probe go in this ocean and he ends up trying to investigate it. Unbeknownst to him, it's actually in the same area as this island where they want him to go study with these uh, anthropologists and journalists and other scientists. And pretty much what ends up happening is this space probe is taken over this island and uh, the space amoeba, per se, and is using this uh, mythical powers that this creature has that we find out is like this kind of alien. And it pretty much takes like uh, the life forms that are on the island and surround the island and transforms it into giant monsters. And throughout the film, we see a very of three different types of monsters in this film. First off, we have uh, Gazora, which is like this giant cuttlefish, which is kind of like a squid. It's very cool looking, and when you see it on the screen, it's actually very terrifying. They have like some crazy scenes with it, with like a uh, what's it called, like a it. Like, it's pseudomation, of course, but then when they have, like, it attacking, like, the actual, like, humans and stuff, they have, like, uh, close-ups, like, giant, like, tentacles and shit crawling all over them. So it was kind of cool that they used that mixture of it. So that cuttlefish was awesome. I really enjoyed that monster. Then we have uh, Gamis, which is a giant stone crab, which is fucking badass. It's fucking awesome looking. It has, like, this great, like, distinct look. It doesn't actually kind of look like Ibera, but even more menacing. Then the last uh, monster is Komekbus, which is a giant Matatata turtle. Which, <laughs> yeah, I think I said that right. It's the type of turtle it is, but it's yeah. just badass. And then, uh, pretty much what I thought about this film, it kind of has like a basic like kaiju set in the story with like you know like alien is trying to take over the world. But I kind of liked how they did with the alien in this one because it's not like a guy like a human like alien because it's like this uh, type of, like, substance, and it's just taking over this island area. And the characters are kind of basic, but they did, like, like the interactions with, like, the characters throughout the film, and the kaiju stuff's just awesome because they just destroy shit, and then there's, like, this giant battle that happens at the end because, uh, not to give it enough away, but some shit goes down and it turns into a giant, like, kaiju battle on the island. And I like that it's, like, in this closed area because, you know, like, a lot of kaiju films, like, span out and go into, like, cities and shit, so I kind of like like this smaller area, like kaiju feel. Great kaiju scenes, great music by Kube, and great direction by Honda. I really like the characters, and I really enjoyed it, so I'm going to give it a solid 8 out of 10. It was a really fun kaiju film, which sucks that it doesn't actually have a release. Uh, Tokyo Shock actually released this on DVD a while ago, and went out of print because uh, I think they had like a fallen out with Toho at the time. So hopefully one day it gets a re-release because it's a kaiju film that I think a lot of people will enjoy. Nice. Good stuff. Andrew, do you want to go? Sure. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, 
Yeah, so, I mean, for Shark Week, I was re-watching a couple films that I haven't uh, seen a whole lot. Um, and uh, the first one is going to be uh, Open Water. If you don't know about this one, I believe it's from 2004. It is a micro, micro-budget film. Um, honestly, if you see it the first time, it almost looks like a found footage film because it's shot with such a low-grade camera. I always think of it as a found footage film for some reason. Yeah. That's why. I actually see yeah. it in the drive-in with Andacondas 2. Really? Yeah. The hunt <laughs> Me and my dad working. saw this at the drive-in. Brownsville? Uh, no, it's, we have two in Connorsville. Yeah. There's actually one in Mount Pleasant, and there's one in Connorsville. Do you guys so still they're... have the DeVito Park down there? Yes. It's it's a dump now. <laughs> I used to go to that huh. during their all-night things. Oh, uh, me too. Probably seen <laughs> Fun you stuff. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's a skating rink, by the way, for fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, continue with your open water. Yeah, so basically, I mean, if you've seen The Reef, you've seen Open Water, the same premise, basically. Uh, This couple's on a honeymoon, um, and they go out scuba diving. And, I mean, long story short, the scuba uh, team uh, leaves them behind. The boat miscounts, and they get left behind. And the boat, they come up from the water, and there's no boat. Um, So that's about uh, half an hour into the film. And so for the next 50 minutes... You are just on the journey with them of like the you know it, it uh, just going through like they they'll try to swim every couple of minutes to s- swim to some you know certain place to try to see if they can uh, get somebody to see them or the a boat will come by in a very far off distance and they'll wave. But the thing is, is that 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 makes this uh, very effective for me is uh, one, like Moods was saying earlier, his fear is heights. I also have a fear of heights, but my ultimate fear is water and not being able to see underneath of you and not being able... And just like, I don't know, just something about being underneath the water and just like being in the ocean is like my ultimate fear. Like, I still go (laughs) swim in the lake and stuff all the time uh, because I live right by Lake Michigan. I still go to the beach all the time, but... Um, it's that thing of just being out there, like hundreds of yards, and just I, I don't know, like it just, especially the night scene in this film just has me just petrified, just because I just get in, getting into their um, psychology and everything, it just terrifies me. It really reminds me of the Blair Witch and how all you can see is just ocean, and you can't see anything else. It gets so disorienting, and how they. Um, or, or just the, you know they're just out there and all they can see they, they could try to swim it wouldn't make a difference like they they're they're just helpless out there and so um, that's what's so effective about this film I I mean from because it was such a micro budget film and I listening to the director's commentary they filmed this I believe over a couple years uh, kind of similar to like a phantasm or something like that on weekends and so like this was a you know long project for them but they had a lot of fun with it, but I mean, they—it was such a low budget. There's a lot of technical issues with it. There's a couple things that um, take me out of the film, especially a couple editing issues. There's a lot of scenes at the beginning, especially where there's nothing happening and there's no score, and it just kind of feels really awkward to watch. Um, but overall, it's a really effective horror film that just—it um, it plays to my deepest fear, which is being out in the water and and being stuck out there. So it's. It's super effective for me. Um, uh, give it a score as an 8 out of 10. 
really effective. You, you know what, man? That movie is one that... <clears throat> when I watched it in the drive-in, like, I hated it. It was just, like, I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, what year did that come out? 2004, I want to say. Yeah, so super old, you know what I mean? Like, when when you think about it, that's that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, there it is. It doesn't seem like it, because it's, like, 2004, but, like... It's pretty yeah, old. 13 years. <clears throat> and uh, I was pretty young back then. And I, I didn't like it. But I, I had seen it after that. And I know that feeling of anxiety that you get. Like whenever they're... Like I'm a huge sucker for those type of movies in general. Like the survival horror. Like just people stuck in the... Well, I like to call them contained horror films. I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for those. And I do remember that one being a little effective. Um, but I do see a lot of people's complaints that, like, nothing happens. You know, it's boring. It's, uh, you know, kind of one of those movies that just... it's It definitely has has the Blair Witch vibe when it comes to, like, the same type of complaints that you hear for yep. it. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to revisit that one eventually. But I, I guess I will go next. And I, I have, like, so many movies I want to talk about. Like, it's so hard to pick ones. But I figure that... I'll pick this one because I'll probably do it the most justice, like, because it, it deserves to, to have, you know, a light shine on it. Uh, and it is Bag Boy Lover Boy, which I believe was initially from, like, 2015 or 2014, but it didn't get its official release, uh, a wide release, until 2017 here, uh, courtesy of Severin Films. And I didn't know what this was when they announced this. I thought it was a retro film. Like something that came out in the eighties or something, but it's it's a modern film, and it's basically I've kind of described it as like a little Napoleon Dynamite, but like horror and not lame. Um, basically, <laughs> not lame. Basically, oh fuck you, JP. Yeah, Jeremy probably does love Napoleon. You fucking fuck he yeah. loves he loves Napoleon. He is Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Christ. Uh, so the, dancing shit. this movie <laughs> yeah. is um it only runs 77 minutes uh and basically it follows the character of albert who works uh, a night shift at a hot dog vendor on the lower east side uh basically he is a awkward dude man he's from another he's definitely has an accent so he's like he's from another country or something i would assume um, but he just is the most awkward dude. Like, and that's where the Napoleon Dynamite thing comes in. He is just cringeworthy. The stuff that, like, the guy that they got to f- play this guy, there's no doubt in my mind he also has to be, like, weird and, like, an introvert and, like, just an odd dude. Uh, because it's just gotta be. Like, because the performance is too legit. <laughs> um, but basically like he he meets this guy named ivan who has like just oozing of charisma um who is like a sleazy you know artist quote unquote photographer but he's taking fetish pictures like he he takes these fetish pictures and he and he sells them for big bucks like you know um almost sort of like snuffish you know what i mean like what kind of fetish pictures are there is it like poo pictures no and stuff, it's, it's like put this bag over your head and like look like you're killing this hot chick you know what I mean? oh. like like put the bag over her head and like smother her like that type of stuff to where it's like it's all fake obviously but it's like it looks yeah, it's ex- like a fetish like a death porn 
basically. It's too exploited for me, man. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer the poo pics. Yeah. So, so he's basically uh, finds this Albert guy who he just thinks oozes weirdoness that's just going to look great in his pictures because he does. And he brings him in and takes pictures of him and pays him well, like pays him great. But this Albert dude doesn't want to just take these pictures. Like he meets this girl who apparently he gives hot dogs to like all the time because she doesn't have any money. And she, he, she, he just, one of the coolest things about this movie, and I think it's a subtle thing that a lot of people are going to miss is Albert's interpretation of the things around him motivates him into what he does. And what I mean by that is every little thing that he sees pretty much inspires like the course of his life. And it's, not an interpretation from like a normal person. So this is a warped interpretation where he sees something and then he almost gets fixated on it. So he sees this girl who he obviously like has a thing for. And this other guy comes up and buys her the hot dog or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm an amateur photographer or something like that. So Albert sees, he makes this a and B connection in his head. These circuits go off that, Oh, photographer likes him. That must mean that one plus one is two. You know what I mean? Like, so if I'm a photographer, then this girl will like me too. And plus he's in meeting this guy who's taking pictures of him. So he tells the guy that he wants to be a photographer. The guy just like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, just doesn't give a fuck at all because obviously this dude sucks at everything. He's not going to be able to be a photographer. Uh, but he gives him like a shitty Polaroid camera that he had and is like, yeah, this was my first camera, you know, manipulates the hell out of him. And basically, Albert starts taking pictures of people, <laughs> just people, and he's, like, the things that he's saying, he's taking from the way that Ivan talks. So, like, he's, like, reinterpreting what he saw Ivan do, like, yeah, yeah, show me more, show me more, you know? Like, snap, 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 snap like, taking all the pictures, like, yeah, give me your bad side, you know, stuff like that. So, Albert's walking up to normal people in, like, the park, and he's like, yes, show me more of this. This is so good. Like, he's just, he's like, he's like, look like a hot slut. Like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't know what he's saying or something, you know what I mean? He's like, put the hot dog in your mouth now. Or something, <laughs> and it's hilarious, dude, and it's so cringy. He walks up to this black dude and he just takes a picture of his face. Dude, like trips out. He's like, "Yo, what the fuck, <laughs> dude?" And like, just seeing this dude's performance is amazing. And the film is probably a little predictable. It probably goes where you expect it to go. I'm not going to spoil stuff, but it just has this great soundtrack. Like the soundtrack is so good. It has like this, like a different types of music too. And the awkwardness of this guy and the cringiness of this guy just makes you, it's like almost like in a way of like May or like a movie like that, but like a male version, but not as rootable. Like you don't feel for the person as much because he is so weird, but it's, it kind of just has like a quirkiness to it, uh, a cringy factor, a charismatic factor. There's just a lot of good things. It's just a well-made independent film. This is what I like to see when I watch indie films. It's like, I really like to see somebody with a vision and somebody who actually has talent as a filmmaker to pick things and put them into their films that doesn't take money to do, that, that, but, but will benefit. Um, and I'm will, sorry, who directed this, who directed this one? Bill Zabub? No. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Andres Torres, who I don't, I'm not familiar with. I, I've not seen anything that he's done. 
Uh, this might be his directorial debut. I can't even find his IMDb right now. But um, yeah, dude, Bag Boy, Lover Boy. It's it's an awesome movie, and it's kind of stuck with me over the past couple days because like I didn't or a couple. It weeks. sounds unique. It sounds unique. Yeah, it yeah. is really unique, and I yeah. like I kind of missed out on like Severin when everybody was talking about him. But like they put out some quality releases, dude. Like I, I, I kind of just missed it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. Andre has done uh, a few other films, but there, there's a lot. Most of them, are, all of them are, uh, all of them are short. He produced a lot of shorts, but this is his, like featured debut. So please go out there, guys, and support this dude because he made a great movie for his first attempt, and I want to see more of what he does. So go buy the Severn Blu-ray, um, and you know. I loved it. I give it, I give it like, I'm hovering between like an 8 and an 8.5. I haven't come in officially yet. Um, let me see what I wrote down actually because that is, uh, okay, so I wrote down an 8, but I'm possibly gonna bump it up. I am gonna bump it up to an 8.5 because it stuck with me for so many days and I keep thinking about it. Great movie, great, great movie. Yeah, man, that one just sounds really, really awesome. I just yeah. yeah the I only can't wait problem I, is its predictability. It go it plays out pretty much exactly how you would expect. Yeah, but you know every movie doesn't have to have that twist. You know sometimes twists are unnecessary and. That's why I yeah, didn't have a, a problem with it because it's just a character study. It's like this is what happens yeah. when this dude's in this situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, do you really need like a crazy twist in a character study? Not exactly. You know, so. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I can't wait to check it out. Uh, yeah, so first film up here that I watched um, is one from uh, 2016, it says. It just came out on media in 2017. And it is one that I kind of had my eye on, and um, I thought it sounded pretty cool, man. It's called Abattoir. Uh-huh. And it's directed by the dude that directed Saw 2, 3, and 4, Daryl Lynn Boseman. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that kind of... You know, I'm not, like, the biggest soft... I mean, I gotta go back and revisit those, but I did like Saw too. But, anyway, so, you know, it, it kind of caught my attention a little bit, but reading the synopsis on it, I was like, man, I, this just sounds really kind of unique. I've never really heard of a storyline like this before. Um, basically, it follows our main character, Julia... Uh, Julie, uh, played by Jessica Loundis. Um, she was from, like, the reincarnation of 90210, and she was also in... Uh, uh, was it Autopsy? Yeah, I think she was in that. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was also in that film too. Very, very sexy, beautiful girl, man. She's Canadian girl. She's from Vancouver. Um, not being biased, she actually is really, really sexy. But uh, she plays <laughs> a real estate locator. Um, she's into real estate and things like that. She's a very interesting character because when you first start watching this film, um, she, it, the, the aesthetic of the film is giving you an idea that it's set in the forties, but instantly you, you notice that there's technology around like modern technology. And you're like, Hey, this movie is not set in the forties, but she looks like she's from the forties. Like she's got this big red lipstick and her hair is like all forties. She's wearing like the long dress and everything is so bizarre. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. But anyways, what happens is, um, she's out investigating some real estate and things like that. And, uh, uh, her family ends up getting murdered. Like her sister and a few of her family members end up getting killed by this guy. And they can't figure out for the life of them why he would do this, right? The police do a quick little investigation and they kind of, it's kind of an open and and closed book on, on this guy because the guy was there, you know, they arrested the guy right at the murder scene and stuff like that. But 
So she's like, something doesn't seem right about this because this guy is not a killer. You know, why would he do this shit? You know, and so she returns back to the house with her kind of boyfriend. She's dating a detective and they're kind of off and on and stuff. Anyway, she returns back to the mur- to the house where the murders happened and where the murders happened in this house is gone. Literally, the entire room is gone. She's like, what the fuck? How did that happen, right? So she starts to investigate a little bit, and she's like, what's up with this? And then she comes across the fact that there's been other murders around in the neighborhood and things like that, and uh, the murder scenes have also disappeared. So she's like, okay, that's insane. So their investigations lead them to the city, uh, this little town called New English, where it's kind of run by this real... Uh, New English. <laughs> New English, yeah. It's run by this guy named Jebediah. And... Now, and this is where the aesthetic of the film kind of makes sense with her look and stuff is that, you know, old English is kind of old school, like nothing is modern about this town. There's something very, very off. This guy's very much like a cult leader, you know, and stuff. And then you learn about this abattoir and what this guy has been doing as he's been taking these murder scenes and he's built an entire house from these murder scenes. And it's like out in this forest. It's really kind of cool. And, and then the kind of movie kind of goes from there and stuff. She's trying to figure out like exactly what he's doing with this and stuff like that. And, uh, my thoughts on the film, it's really good. It's very, very atmospheric. It's really well acted and stuff. It's got a really unique storyline. I mean, putting together a house, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to give away exactly what he's doing with this because it kind of ruined the film a little bit, but I love that idea. Taking full rooms uh murder scenes and stuff and building this huge ass house and shit it's really damn cool i thought it was really neat um again the acting was great man the guy that plays jebba died in this film kills it does such a great job uh awesome stuff oh and then what's her name man uh oh, the old lady the old lady um oh shit man i'm so bad with names she's like in every movie dude uh anyways she does a great job in this one too but it kind of makes sense like i i've never seen a film where it's, it's almost like a prelude, you know, from a character's look in a film to what it turns into, kind of like this old school aesthetic and stuff. I've never seen that done in a film. Very unique storyline. But where it loses me in this one is into the third act, it kind of goes a little bit crazy, a little too busy, you know, with what they're trying to do, which what Jebediah is doing in the storyline here with this house it goes, it goes so bananas and so crazy. And I can see where the effects and stuff will kind of throw off people a little bit. It goes, I mean, the effects are in a sense, almost seem like maybe like mid nineties kind of frighteners, but not as good. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're very ghostly kind of effects and things like that, but it's a little bit crazy though. And like, there's a lot of things that are happening and you're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And, and then once you do, you're like, man, that just seems so aggressive. Like it just kind of progressed to a point where it got aggressive. And I was like, okay, yeah. uh, they could have kind of toned that down a little bit in the third act, but overall the film was actually really damn enjoyable. I've really heard nothing good about the film, to be honest. It's really kind of strange, but there's a quote on here. that says reinvents the haunted house genre. Um, very interesting idea. And I mean, like I said, you know, taking these murder scenes and building this abattoir, you know, kind of thing, it, it is kind of reinventing the haunted house type thing. I think it's pretty cool, but there is more to the story than that. There's a little bit more substance with this Jebediah character and stuff and what exactly he's doing. Um, but it's an effective film. It really is. And honestly, you should give it a shot, man. It, I, I give it about a seven out of 10. I would have been higher if it wasn't so kind of, off-putting in the third it just was uh, too bananas. it was too bananas there was just too much shit that was going on i don't think it needed to be 
it was a little bit overkill. Let's just put it that way. So, but yeah, Abattoir, give it a shot, man. Seven out of ten. Really enjoyed it. It's good stuff. Nice. Yeah, Derek, back to you. Okay, for my uh, second uh, review, uh, decided to do uh, a Giallo actually. So this might keep your interest moods. Usually so, does, man, when it comes to giallos. So I got to check this one out finally. I had it in the collection for a while. Released from Dorado Films, the Spanish slash Italian co-production, The Night of the Scorpion. Oh, nice, nice. Lynn Shave, that's who I was forgetting. Sorry, man, Lynn Shave. <laughs> always forget her fucking name. Lynn Shave's in the movie. In the movie. Lynn Sorry. Shea, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Night of the Scorpion from 1972. Uh... This film opens up with a very interesting way. It opens up at a funeral, and we, then we meet our main characters of this family, and the main uh, patriot of this family is Oliver, whose wife actually is... It's his wife's funeral, and we find out that uh, there was, like, an accident and stuff, and we interlude with uh, uh, Oliver's sister, Jenny, and his uh, actually his stepmother, Sarah. And pretty much what ends up happening is Oliver ends up uh, leaving his estate and he doesn't go back for a year and while he's gone for the year he meets his uh, new wife of Ruth who he ends up bringing back and it's been a year since uh, he's been to his family's house where his wife was murdered or di- killed accidentally not murdered my bad but uh, pretty much what ends up happening is uh, there's some suspicions and there's when Ruth gets there she ends up getting into like this family drama situation pretty much because then uh, pretty much what ends up happening is it's, Ruth feels like there's a suspicion and somebody's trying to stalk her at the same time while she's in this house when they end up moving there and that's pretty much all I'm going to give away with this one it has a very interesting plot structure where uh, actually after they end up going to the house they do show you some backstory of this family and the history and some of their dark secrets pretty much that as the film spirals. And there is a Giallo murder aspect of this film, which I'm not going to give away too much on it, but there's a few deaths and stuff in. Uh, very stylistic. I really did like the soundtrack of this film, and uh, the cinematography is great. Uh, pretty much with this one, it's kind of like a slow build-up, since it mostly takes place inside this house. And there's a few, like, sub-characters that come and go into the film, but it's pretty much these main, like, characters throughout it. So you, you pretty much uh, have to find out the mystery of which one of these persons is the killer. It's kind of like a Ten Little Indians thing, but smaller, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But there's one scene in particular that kind of hurts this film, in my opinion, I'm not going to give too much away, but it involves a dream sequence involving a certain character, which kind of makes the reveal at the end kind of lackluster, in my opinion, because it's supposed to, because of course with Giallo's, the reveal is supposed to be, oh, so I didn't know that was the killer. This kind of kind of give you a kind of a clue who the killer was type of deal, which kind of made the film less powerful than its third act, in my opinion. But still a solid film. It still had some good points. The acting was pretty good. The musical score, the cinematography, and uh, some of the, like, kills, even though they're not, like, the greatest kills ever, but they're, they kind of had, like, creative, like, build-ups to them kind of deal, you know what I'm saying? 
So I still really enjoyed it for what it was, for like a slow burn, like, and I did kind of like like the backstory shit that they showed us in like the middle of the film. So I'm gonna just give it like a seven out of ten. It's still like a decently pasty yellow, and it has like a good like characters and I like the the build up of the mystery and stuff. So seven out of ten for Night of the Scorpion. Yeah, I haven't really heard many people talk about it, but I saw someone post a picture on Instagram about it, and they said it was the most boring film they'd ever seen in their life. <laughs> so, but I, I was still curious on it because I mean. I really like slow burns, right? So that doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, it's but, a slow. Uh, yeah, like I only had like one issue with it. I, it's. I mean, that's kind of a big one though, too, right? I mean, if they're gonna, first of all, you know my opinions on dream sequences, but if you're gonna reveal too much in a dream sequence, wow, that's a big no-no. Yeah. God damn. Don't need the dream sequence. Anyways, fuck. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'd be, I'd be curious to see some of those people who, uh, don't like slow burns and watch something like a ghost story. Cause there's literally like five lines in the entire film. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Same guy who wrote soldier. Kurt Russell movie. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so for my review, uh, continuing actually on with the franchise, um, is Open Water 2. Now, that's actually uh, not really a sequel. It's just another story that kind of takes place with a group of, I think it's like five, It's I think it's like six friends. This is crazy that you, like, you had no idea that I was bringing Open Water 3 news <laughs> to the show. No, like, this is not. weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it just happened to co- coincide with the films I was watching this week for Shark Week. Uh, I didn't actually even see the Open Water 3 news, That's uh, that, which is kind of ironic. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically six friends go out on this um, rich friend's yacht, and they are pre- they're celebrating a birthday, and basically from there, it's just uh, about 20 minutes of just character introductions, uh, celebrating his birthday, you're introduced to all the characters. Now, all of these characters in this film are kind of cardboard uh you know, b- basic generics, uh, horror characters. You have the bachelor, you have the kind of, you know, slutty, like, girl that he's seeing right now or he's sleeping with. Oh, like, oh, we've known each other for two weeks kind of thing. You get introduced to them by them having sex. So that's kind of their introduction to the film. Um, but I do actually like those characters, a side comment. Um, and then you have the guy whose birthday they're celebrating, which is, Kind of one of the main, I guess they're all kind of the main characters, but there's a couple that really don't get much screen time. But um, him and his uh, wife, I want to say, and then there's a, I think that's actually his, see, I can't, I can't even remember some of the characters at this point, but since it's been like four days, I believe that's, it's his wife whom they are, uh, she's pregnant and they actually already have another baby that they have on board. And, Basically, from there, they all happen to jump into the water at one point, and they failed to realize that they didn't leave the uh, ladder down, so they're basically stuck outside of their yacht, and they cannot get onto the ship. So it's basically, for the next half an hour, it's them trying to get onto the 
yacht again. So they do a lot of like different things. They they take each other's like pants off and they try to tie it into a like a uh, like a big rope to try to throw it on and they try to climb up and there's just all these different things that they try to do creatively to get back onto the boat. Um, about an hour into the film, now this is I guess slightly a spoiler, but about an hour into the film, I realized that there were no sharks in this film. So this it's kind of a sequel in name only. Film at all, so there's no. It's not a shark film, um, which is, I guess, a little misleading because Open Water is a shark film. But I guess, I guess the sequel is meaning like there's people stranded out in the water. I guess that's the. I, I never the actually why. thought of the original Open Water as a shark film, even though I probably should have. I've always just looked at it more of like a story of survival. Yeah, and I guess it, in that way, it's it is a sequel. I I just uh, it, so it definitely was different than my expectations. Again, like I said before, Evil Ed, but um, yeah. So I, I was a little bit. Uh, so the way that these that I'm not going to give everything away, but um, they're not all the characters survive in the film, and the way some of them go, I was like. Did not think a lot of it made sense, and I thought a lot of it felt a little forced, especially with uh, one a particular character's death. Uh, so I, I just a lot of this uh, felt. I did, I love the ending though. The that would be my main strong point about this film. I liked all the characters. I found them all enjoyable, um, even though some of them were a little bit forgettable. I did enjoy them while they were on the screen. Um, I thought the ending was really strong to the film. Uh, again, not going to give away the ending, but overall, I I was a little bit hit and miss with this film. I was not as high on this film. I I was never like scared or anything. I I don't I don't even know if I would classify this film really as horror per se because I guess the things that happen to some of the people are horrible, and I guess it is like a survival type movie, so it would fall into the horror. But um, yeah, I, it, Overall, I give the film a six and a half out of ten. Not too bad, but it's it's not. I'm not as high on it as I was the first one. Yeah. So, um, I love this movie. The one and only time I've seen it. So it has been quite a long time, and I don't know if it would hold up as much because I was probably in my mid-teens, maybe early teens when I mm. seen it. Um. But I, I am, am going to rewatch it for potentially making a hidden gems list. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> I swear to God that I actually found out that there was a sequel to Open Water on this show. I don't know who it was, JP, you or Jeremy or someone. We were talking, and they're like, you know, there's a sequel to that movie. I'm like, really? <laughs> no <laughs> fucking idea there was a sequel to the film. So I still have never seen it. But yeah, me neither. Yeah, not Coolio. too bad. Coolio. JP. All right. Uh, so the second film that I have here is. Let's do. Um, are we doing, what the fuck he's doing? Are we doing? Are we doing that? Uh, this is our last one. Or are we doing another one? We're doing another one. All right. Uh, let's go with the Belcos experiment from 2016, getting its uh, wide release in 2017. Um, the Belcos experiment follows a group of office workers who are working in their cubicles one day when all of a sudden a intercom voice comes on and he's like, Hey, 
there's uh, 80 of you guys in here, 70 of you guys in here, and in two hours, I want two people dead, or else I'm going to kill more of you. Uh, and everybody's like, is this real? Like, what the hell's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And, um, so you kind of get the idea of, like, what's happening in this film. Like, it, it pretty much goes exactly how you would expect it to go, you know? Eventually, there's people who are like, no, we have to kill everybody because you know, that's how we're going to survive. And then there's other people who are like, no, we can't harm human lives. And I real I, like, it, it's a frustrating movie for me because like the concept is great, but you just did it in a way where it's like, what it's like, it's like very basic. Like, it's like, you don't have the great dilemmas that you wish you had the dualities. Like they're there, but they're surface level there. Like, basically like yes we need to kill people or no we don't but there's not a whole lot of deeper dilemma there that you wish you have in these type of movies it's just very basic good and bad and i hate that because there's more to it than just good or bad you know like they paint the guys who want to do it as (coughs) villains they paint the guys who don't as heroic i don't like that because it's not that simple if you would really take a situation like this they're going to be plenty of different outlooks on this situation and um i think that that's where you lose most of your ground in a film like this if you if you like take it less seriously and just have fun with it it's kind of cool because it's a bunch of people in an office building who kind of have to start killing each other and um i just i think there's multiple ways you can take this type of movie i think they took like the worst way probably but that's still not saying that it's not a fun pretty pretty well done movie um, just on a deeper level, it's not as well done as I would like. Uh, I would probably say that um, the villains are, are a little too villainy for me, and the hero is a little too lame for me. Um, but there was a there's some other funny characters like the guy who was like smoking pot during the whole thing and and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, Michael Rooker has has a part in it. There's another dude whose face I've seen like a million times, but I don't know who he is. Um, Sean Gunn? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know who that it's is. The right, it's the writer's brother, James Gunn. Did James Gunn did this film? I didn't even he know wrote that. it. He wrote it. Greg McLean wrote oh, it. That's disappointing, James Gunn. What the hell, dude? Yeah, I mean, I, I this just feels like a movie that's that's like... It's just for the exact person who would... Like, the mainstreamest of audiences. You know what I mean? Like... Where, where you have, like, a... Like, it's like if you would go anywhere and it's like, this is how you write a script. You have to have this uh, here. You have to have conflict here. You have to have resolution here. Like, you know, just, like, that basic formula that, that everybody uses. Like, that's what it feels like to me. But I still really liked it. It's it's pretty solid. Um, it's just not anything more than what it is. Like, it's a, it's a basic, like, fun movie... Um, basic, 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 but still it's an entertaining romp where there's, you know, some decent gore and stuff like that. I like that. It's funny. There's like a lot of cool scenes, like where you find out that they have chips implanted in their head and basically like their fucking heads explode when they fuck up. And it's just like, you'll just see all these people and it's like, just they're running. It's like that in real life. It's like running, running and they're just like all these heads. It's it's literally exploding heads. Yeah. Which is really cool. Like that part's really funny to me. Like it's, 
it's like a love hate movie. Like I think it's actually a really fun movie. Like that's the thing. It is a really fun movie, but I almost wish they would have either amped up the ridiculousness of it, or if they're not going to go that route, at least make this more of a character piece and not like a paper thin character piece. You know what I mean? So like, I think you can take this film super serious and make a really good movie out of it, or you can make it completely over the top and violent and gory and make a really good movie out of it. I feel like this one's somewhere. And make in a the trauma middle. movie out of it. Yeah, maybe not that. Maybe not that ridiculous, but it, it, essentially, I think it's somewhere in the middle. But it's still a really solid watch. I gave it a seven point five out of ten. I've seen people. Holy come a fuck! I wasn't lower. expecting you to come in that high. So let me ask you a question: What is too villainy? mean uh two two yes exactly two villainy villainy (laughs) villain like too (laughs) too too much of a villainous type of actions is when it's like too um mustache twirly meaning that like the cliches of what a villain is is hyper uh extended in the character's performance or the character's the way the character was written um it's it's too basic cliched villain instead like doing the exact things that a villain's supposed to do and i don't like that like i like when there's villains that uh, yeah. like henry from henry portrait of serial killer that have it's a, a little more complex a, a, a complexity more complex. to them because nobody's yeah. that simple where they're just like i'm a bad guy i'm gonna kill everybody you know what i mean like th- there's more to people than that so i always that's hate that's when that's kind of how the villains are in a lot of bond films they're just like they're that yeah. bad guy, you know. Yeah. That's why I don't like <laughs> you know, they were films. born to do that. I yeah. mean, that's the way that a lot of those characters are portrayed. Is they were yeah. they were literally born to you know take over the world and and fight <laughs> <do this>. James <laughs> Bond. <laughs> yeah. But, so, JP, do you not like like a Marcia Gay Harden's character from The Mist? Like, do you do you still like her character? Do you just think that like she could have been more interesting? Like, as a are you talking about character? the person, the religious nut? Yeah. Oh no, dude! She's she's the best. That's like how you do a religious nut, because that character is not a, a villain. Like that killer character is not a villain to well, us. She's, she's a villain. A villain. To some people, in there. She, to us, she's a villain. But she's not doing villainous things to in her perspective. She's doing what she believes in, and that's what's scary about her. Is mm-hmm. that it's not it's not that she is doing these things to harm people. It's doing these things because she believes that is the way that it's supposed to be done. I love okay. that performance. That it's, I hate her. I can't stand her. She's so, oh, yeah. she's like one it's of the worst character. characters ever in terms of how much I want to wring her neck. But Didn't we actually have a top five. Someone asked us that question one time. What yeah, are your top five most hated characters? <laughs> she was on the list. Man. Yeah. I'm actually going to see the mist this Friday in the theater. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, in black well, and white. What? No, probably not. But yeah. they're doing like a back to back. They're go. doing the mist go, go. and then the dark tower. Oh, wow. I get to see Spirit in 4K, so it's <laughs> Friday. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Well, 4K trend. What, what? Who did that? This is the you know because Synapse is going to be at the at the convention oh, it's their this transfer? Friday. So yeah, it's their transfer. So I get to see oh, it first oh. thing. Dude, bring like oh, I'd I'd have to bring a whole box of Kleenex on that one. <laughs> I'd be messy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, super excited. 
That's cool, man. That's awesome. All right, next uh, next film I watched here is from 2016. I think it you know translates in, into a 2017 film, starring Dolph Lundgren, and yes. it's called Don't Kill It. Uh, this is a film I've actually watched I think like three times now. I I fucking absolutely have so much fun with this film. It's so entertaining. And it's got a pretty cool premise to it, man. It's, it's, I like this idea because it kind of puts a spin on, it's a simple spin, but it's effective. Basically what it is, is Dolph Lundgren plays like a demon hunter. He's a demon hunter. Uh, there's a demon loose in this small little town and it's killing everybody kind of thing. And he shows up, uh, to come and save the day because he's been hunting this kind of demon for, you know, his entire life. You know, he's got history with these, this, with this demon and shit. So, um, so, but the cool thing about this demon is, is that when it invades your body and takes you over, if you kill the person, the demon comes and takes you over. Hence the title, don't kill it. Right. So you have to come up with alternate ways to, you know, take out this demon, which they do have a backstory with it and stuff. And basically what you have to do is you have to capture the person that has been violated by this demon and you have to drink like a, um, like a poison, you know, and kill that person. Demon comes into you, and then that's how you that's how you kill it. So this is how yeah. you extinguish the type of thing. This idea is really cool because there's there's lots of scenes in this film where, you know, when the demon shows up and it takes over someone's body, and you know this person goes and kills that person. It, it, it it's jumping bodies and shit. I love that premise, man, because you just it's pure fucking carnage. Totally awesome, man. Totally awesome. Super fun film. I think Dolph Lundgren's acting in this film is like it's so robotic, it's comical, but I think it fits perfect because it's just oh, oh, man. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. I've been doing this shit for so long, man. You know, I've been hunting demons. I, I will break you. I love his performance in this film. It's it's really fantastic, but a lot of good scenes, man. The thing I like, I love about this film, it, there was practical effects and it's really damn gory. Lots of fucking crazy gore. There's a, there's a scene in this film where Dolph Lundgren gets this idea where he's like, man, we have to call a town meeting, let people know exactly what's going on here. Of course, it doesn't go as planned and it's just a fucking bloodbath. I mean, we're talking people are getting extinguished left and right. Heads are exploding and it's absolutely such a riot, but I love the premise, man. I absolutely think the premise is super cool, man. You know, you kill that person, you get invaded, and, you know, it kind of goes on and on and on like that. Very, very cool stuff, man. Not a whole lot to say about it, but definitely, if you're into fun films, um, it's got some really good subtle humor in it, too. It's not, and, and that's, you know, with a premise like this, you think it would totally kind of get over the top and get a little ridiculous, maybe into, like, trauma territory and things like that. It really doesn't. It, it kind of grounds itself quite naturally. You know, and it's got some like, you know, subtle humor and stuff. And I really like that, that it didn't go too goofy with, with this premise and stuff. And it kind of, it kind of stayed its own. Very, very fun ass film, man. Three times I've already checked this out. Seven and a half out of 10. Very, very enjoyable. Nice. Don't kill it, man. Check it out, man. It, it's so much fun. So Mike Mendez directed that one, right? Yeah. 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 Great premise, though. I mean, really, like, when I first went into this film, I had no idea. I was like, I'm just going to check it out because it has don't in the title. I already told you guys before I'm, I'm half retarded that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, even Zach said, he's like, man, it's pretty good. And I'm like, really? It's actually good. Like, you know, coming from him, it must be decent because he hates everything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. Super, super fun. I think JP, you would even enjoy this film. It's not as ridiculous as the premise may make it out to be, 
But give it a shot. He's not listening. <laughs> nice. Derek. Okay. Now, my pick of the week. Oh, yes. This is a film I actually picked up because of you guys on the 86 show. Yeah. Nice. What is it? From nine and a glass cage. Oh, oh yeah. The dirtiest film ever made. <laughs> I'm like, when I was looking at this film, like, this is such a me film because I always like this fucked up kind of weird, like, disturbing cinema or shit. Yeah. This film fucking blew me away. It actually, like, the opening scenes and shit, I was actually chilled because of the music and this was just airy with, uh, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Slugworth, uh, Klaus. Klaus, yeah. Yeah, Slugworth. Slug- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah like, it was so fucking creepy, and, like, when he's inside, of course, if you've seen this film, uh, pretty much the premise is it's about this uh, ex-Nazi who's also a pedophile, and uh, he ends up trying to commit suicide, and it he survives and shit, and so he gets paralyzed, but he ends up inside of an iron lung for the rest of his life, hence the title of the film, which is a brilliant way to name a film. I was kind of shocked because they did kind of name drop the title a few times in the script so he's inside his iron lung and he's living with his wife and his young daughter and uh, the wife feels like a slave so she sends for help and then all of a sudden Angelo comes bursting into the room uh, we meet Angelo who insists that he becomes uh, Klaus's nurse and then shit goes sour and we find out Angelo has a fucking deeper meaning and saying of why he's there that's pretty much I kind of want to give away with this one because if you haven't seen this film it has a lot of like complex issues especially with Angelo's character and it's just fucked up man like some of the shit that he does is just intense and gripping and like I know you guys talked about it on the show like with uh, Angelo's character with like uh, his unibrow and shit, because you guys mentioned that he had a unibrow in the show, and like, but it kind of, I didn't mind that part about it, because it kind of gave him a distinguished look, because, uh, a lot of it, like, his features actually came in play with, like, later on in the film. And I was just mesmerized by the performances. I really, like, was chilled to the bone, like, with everything that was going on, even, like, the fucking dirty, like, homoerotic stuff, especially with, like, the pedophilia subject matter of, like, uh, what is going on and stuff beside the film. Uh, it was just a very enthralling experience. I just... This film is definitely not going to be for everyone, especially what it's subject matter. If you like, like, these weird, like, uh, fucked up disturbing cinema films, it's definitely one that you have to see to believe, especially... With, like, the beautiful cinematography, like, some of the scenes in this film had, like, a really, like, disturbing, like, tinge to them, especially, like, uh, moods, like, the one scene where, uh, the wife in the hallway, when she's about to, you know what happens to her. Yeah, yeah. It was very gripping, and just, I just was blown away from this film, man. I highly fucking loved it. Oh, dude, I know, man, the aesthetic, like, the, that kind of hue to the film. It just yeah. it's so perfect, man. It just has like this. It's kind of like, like legitly every time they were in the room when the iron lung, like the, you know, like the actual like iron lung thing, the press, like 
it fucking creeped me the fuck out. I was got chills like just watching this film. Yeah, so, there's a lot of layers to this film, man. You know, like I mean, coming from the pedophile, I mean, the, you know, the Nazi pedophile and stuff, and you know, and because you can't feel you can't feel sorry for this guy because you know what he is. You know, at the yeah. same time, but I mean, if you're one of those people that is kind of sympathetic to maybe revenge or whatever or whatever it is, um, it, you know, it's it's a very emotional type film. You know, all around, man, it's it's really tough, man. Like even with with the daughter in that film, you know, the yeah. whole shit that he builds up with the daughter and shit. Like it's just <laughs> there's just so many things that are going on in that one. It's it's a tough watch. It's a really tough watch. It's a it's tough an, it's, watch. An emotional roller coaster, really. But it, it hit me hard, and it's a cementatic masterpiece, in my opinion. Ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, this show would not be complete without a ten out of ten. Uh, I hope he gets one of our. I don't feature, even know. Like, does that make the Hall of Fame or something? I, I don't even. Know. I think it does actually, because I gave it a nine, and Brandon gave it a nine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that does actually. Yeah, I think because yeah, I mean Brandon, I think came in nines. All right, Rob, you heard it. F- do some research, figure it out if that's true. If if it is, then we'll induct it to the Hall of yeah. Fame. You know what, man? I th- I think it's worthy of the Hall of Fame. It's a it's a pretty effective film. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's sure. crazy. Andrew. Andrew. Nice. All right, cool. So this is actually the second ironic uh, review of the of the night from me in a row. Actually, um, this is a film that I have not watched in three years. Actually, and that would be Eli Ross Cabin Fever. Now, th- this is this is a film that I watched, uh, like I said, uh, it might actually have been four years ago. I can't remember at this point, but I want to say it was like 2013-14. It's when I was just getting into horror, and I hadn't really developed my taste for horror or anything like that, and uh, so I wasn't really much into any of like the, you know, kind of like gross or extreme kind of films like, like um, this one kind of is... Um, I don't know. Probably everybody's heard the premise of this film by now. But basically, these these friends go to the this cabin and they become um, infected by this uh, flesh eating virus. Um, you don't know really know where it is or what it originated from, but it um, basically anything they touch, anything that um, the virus can have, uh, any plate, anything the virus can get in, basically infects them by. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those films that kind of is very gross and hard to watch. Uh, at certain times, it definitely makes me cringe. On uh, certain scenes, I mean, especially the 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 leg shaving scene. That one definitely gets me to cringe. I think it's through the water there. system, actually. Is it not? That's a spoiler. I I, I know that it. I know that it. That's does. a spoiler. Yeah, because it's not. It's a reveal. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess know. so. Yeah. It's yeah. cabin fever. Everyone's seen cabin fever. Come on, yeah. I don't. I don't know if it. I don't. It, 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 they never really say where it originated from, but I know that's how it spreads. Yeah, um, that's yeah. not where it originated from. It originated from the guy in the woods with the dog, and then that guy mm-hmm. infects them when he gets his blood and shit all over the car, and then that yeah. guy is lit on fire and he falls into the water re- reservoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you really want to go into it, watch Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually not that bad. Patient Zero yeah. is not that bad. Yeah, I know. I liked it. 
I yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, my the thing that, that for me that I missed the first couple times is, like I said, when I was first getting into horror, is all of the horror references in this film. Like yeah. when they're when they're really just coming up to the the store, uh, the road leads to nowhere's playing, and like that's an obvious reference to Last House on the Left, and like. Um, you know, just these really subtle references. And, and, and uh, the one thing that really made me fall in love with this film is uh, listening to the commentary with Eli Roth. Which one? And, um, <laughs> I listened to one. Yeah, isn't it like five? Yeah, there is. <laughs> Dude, Eli, uh, I'm telling you, if you listen to an Eli Roth commentary, try not to become a fan. I dare you. Oh, man. Oh, that's that's the thing. Is it's just it, Like you said earlier, he bleeds horror. Like, he's... He's referencing like films left and right in this in the commentaries. I listened to the one with with the girls, uh, which is which was a great decision because the the ones that with the girls are hilarious. Like they talk about how the the blonde girl wouldn't get nude for this film and then gets nude in the film after. Yeah. And Eli Roth is all bent out of shape about it, and so she sees him just randomly, and then she just she just like, hey Eli, and just flashes him. Like, that's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. Well, the uh, commentaries just, are great. I've always said that. Movie, Listen to those What movie did she end up getting naked in? Did they say the movie? I think it was the very next film. I can't remember which which one that was. But it was, I don't think it was a horror film. Which that's girl? Um, that's funny. Huh. The blonde girl from uh, from Cabin Fever. I can't remember her Jordan name. Jordan Lebb? Yeah. Yeah, it's Jordan Lebb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I get to meet Serena from this film. I can't remember her last name either, but she, the 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 other chick, um, she, she, I get to meet her this weekend. She's going to be at the convention, so that be things relevant. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, man, it, it just it really made me fall in love with it because I catch all the references now and things like that, and uh, and it's just it's just a fun ass film. Like uh, I love the. The kind of uh, white trash redneck guy—he's fucking hilarious in this film. Um, yeah, my overall f- thoughts on the film—I don't really need to f- do a review of the film because this has been done to death, I'm sure. But um, my my overall rating went up. I probably would have gave it a six, six and a half before it jumped up to an eight. Now, I absolutely I definitely love the film. That's an appropriate Man. rating. That's what I gave it too. That, that shit's so funny, man. Like <laughs> the the store owner. Wait, what's yeah. that for? That's that's for the niggas. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, the that's the best. Then you yeah. find, and then you find out it's like that he's is not a racist fuck. piece of shit, but he's actually pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> I fucking howl yeah. every time. Of that. It's so yeah. good. I I, I love so Cabin Fever, man. It's it's one of my most influential films to get me into like you know horror like as much as i did yeah i mean i mean you expect a lot of references and things like that i mean eli roth is just like us he's a fan you know and it shows in his work and that's what i like about eli roth man i mean there was just some news posted about eli roth and i commented on it and i said bring on the hate and of course next comment was hate that's what i'm saying (laughs) man i i I feel like it's but i'm like that's i i I literally wrote blasphemy it's it's bullshit because as one of us he should be celebrated. Had he grown up in a time where podcasts were a thing, he would have been a podcaster like us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. he like that. And I just don't get the idea that we can't celebrate one of us and be and and, and support uh, one of us. Whether you don't like his films or not, that's that's different. But it's like people hate him because I be, I honestly I think it's because he's cool. I think people hate to see like a good looking guy who's like. 
you know, popular. You know, we've, we've, just, we've discussed this many times on the cast, and we've never really come to a definitive answer of why there is so much hate for Eli Roth. I mean, there was one... There was one time we talked about, you know, even his look. He's too clean cut. And, and that was legitimately a reason that people were giving. He doesn't look like a horror fan. And then the question was, what the fuck does a horror fan look like? Because to be honest, I mean, JP All looks pretty damn normal. Pretty different from each other. We look, yeah. I mean, I wear horror shirts all the time and stuff, and I have piercings and tattoos. I don't know if that qualifies as being a horror fan, but but I'm a big hip hop fan though too. I don't dress the part. I mean, I don't wear that fucking ridiculous garbage and shit that you see <laughs> in the mainstream stuff. But but I mean, it's the thing. Like, what what is this fan? Like, people are like, oh, he's too clean cut. So being clean cut is is working against him. Yeah, is that it's annoying. that's that's a legitimate reason to hate on Eli Roth? How about judge Eli Roth on his material? And what he's bringing to the genre. I mean, mm-hmm. really, I, I'll defend Eli Roth to the day I die. I didn't really care for the Green Inferno that much. It doesn't mean anything. I liked Cabin Fever. I, I like Knock Knock. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand how Eli Roth, he's so unfairly hated on, it's ridiculous. I mean, I just don't fucking understand it at all. Like, wh- where the hell did this even start? Is it because of the whole torture porn thing? Is it the hostile thing? Because he made a popular film? I mean, yeah, it's partially that. Like, I, I think a lot of people... Like, Dave, one of his biggest arguments was that Eli Roth gets too much love considering he hasn't made enough movies. Mm-hmm. And, but I think he's calmed he's, down on that a little bit. But, you know, to be honest, that's unfair, though, too. Because, yeah, Eli Roth hasn't directed a shit ton of movies. He doesn't have that... You know, massive filmography that he a lot has of directors. more now. He's like doubled his filmography in like two years. <laughs> he's produced a lot of other films too. Like he's yeah. been involved. I mean, it's it's not like he's just directing a film every nine years or something. Like that. He's yeah. been involved. And like I said, he Dave doesn't... has come down on that since those two films were released. But um, I think it's a lot of things. Like Eli Roth is just one of those dudes that like people don't like to see people be successful a lot of times, especially if they do something that you don't. Especially clean cut guys that is is good. What? Especially clean cut guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know that seems to be a big argument with him. Yeah, no, no, and he, um, I think oh. that people were turned off by Hostel a little bit because it kind of changed the landscape of horror a little bit. And I remember back, you can still go and watch videos from that era on YouTube, and people were angry towards movies, every it, like towards remakes, towards. Uh, um, you know, torture porn and all this stuff. Yep. Like people, like go. It is absolutely AIDS if you go back to that that era <laughs> of of horror <laughs> fandom. Like it is just gross because like everybody is just a hater. Everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> it definitely you, spilled uh, over into modern times though too, man. Like it's crazy, dude. It's so Every much time... better now though, dude. Like I remember. But honestly, back then. but even like the first thing, like people post Eli Roth news just to have. The hooray of fucking I think just calm down shit. a little bit. It's a shitstorm. I mean, obviously because it's Eli Roth. Generally because there's the people like the us time. out there who are like, no, y'all are idiots. And then slowly but surely, like they like, I don't want to be an idiot. And you know, they could, they pump the brakes on their their dumb shit. It could be a little bit of it, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I just kindly said, you know, it's blasphemy. I mean, like he hasn't done anything good. I mean, that's bullshit, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's such a fucking it's such a weak argument. I'm so fucking tired of hearing people. You know, just oh shit, fuck yeah. off! It's 
it's like it's like doing a really bad review of the Howling or something like that. It's like it's just un- <laughs> <laughs> shit. All right, but. so um, let me get into my uh, segment here. Um, this is going to be a kind of new segment. It is a Patreon pick. So um, this is. It won't always be a segment, but I didn't have a segment, so whatever. Um, this was uh, suggested to me for Jerry in the month of July, and he, as I said, he was the only one that supported us before we launched, which is cool to say that we had a supporter before we even launched. Uh, and he picked Akira, which is an animation film, an anime, if you will, from the year 1988. And I don't know how this became about, but like... I think somebody was like, oh, you guys need to do an anime show or something. I think something. it was Michael Pisano. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to watch any anime. The only anime I like is Dragon Ball Z, you know what I mean? And um, then Luis says, like, no, you got to watch it. And then, like, I took a picture of it at Walmart because I, I never even heard of this film in my life. And then all of a sudden I see the DVD at Walmart. And I took a picture of it, posted on Facebook, and they're like, oh, you need to watch this, you need to watch this. And I'm like, dude, maybe if, like, somebody, like, sent it, to me or something but i'm not going to watch it but then we created the patreon and it's actually if you want somebody to watch something that's a good way to do it you know um because we have to at that point so i actually did pick it up at walmart for five dollars on dvd and uh it's a 1988 japanese animated science fiction film with a dose of horror to it directed by katsuhiro otomo otomo mm-hmm. And uh, it's set in a dystopian future. Uh, the, <laughs> it's after World War Three, and it's everything's kind of like cyberpunky. Uh, and it's set in 2019, so um, it opens up in 1988. <laughs> World War Three happens. 2019. This so this is what 2019 is going to look like, guys. Um, <laughs> and basically, it follows a group of bikers, um, but these bikes are like. They're kind of, they remind you of like something Batman would have or something. These are just like the bat, the bat bike from, uh, Dark Knight. Nolan's, uh, films. Yeah, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. the Dark Knight trilogy, like his, his little bat bike thing. They kind of look like that, honestly. Um, and there's this dude named Canada, which to me just sounds like Canada. Yeah, it's mean, pretty close, <laughs> but it's like it's Canada, <laughs> and, and like I, it's, it's Canada, it. like K A N E D A, Canada. Canada. Wow, <laughs> but I just keep hearing Canada the whole time. <laughs> um, and Canada is like the leader of this this crew, and basically oh, he has a friend named Tetsuo, and Tetsuo, I, like. I'm a little, like, I feel like I might need a second watch, and, and Jerry was giving me shit because I said I fell asleep during the first watch, not because it was boring, but because I was actually tired, but I did really pay attention to the second watch, but I can't really completely grasp, like, what's going on. Essentially, it seems like there's these, like, I don't know, they have, like, no color, they're these, like, characters that are, like, they don't have any color to them and shit, and, like, I, I don't know if they're, like, government-created or, like like, ghosts or something, but... They, like, have this power, and basically, like, Tetsuo came in contact with one of them, and then, like, they awakened his superpower, but he can't control it, and he's, like, doing, like, bad stuff. So, like, it's up to, to, uh, Canada (laughs) and his crew that he meets this girl, too, named, like, Kai or something, who's, like, uh, I think a terrorist, honestly, from what I read. 
Um, and she's, like, trying to stop, like, whatever is happening. Like, I feel like I missed some stuff that there's, like, more, like, government, like, maybe there's some, like, um, I guess, uh, like, social commentary here that I'm not grasping. Maybe it has to do with, like, J- Japan, because obviously I don't know their their history and stuff like that, but I feel like there's some kind of, like, uh... you know sort of like subtextual things with like the way like the government is or something like that um but i kind of didn't get uh the the complete story like i didn't grasp it like i'm gonna be honest um but i did really like the animation like the animation is phenomenal um the music's good but the animation is like perfect dude it has that like gritty like almost like it almost feels like a, a New York type of, of grit, but like in Tokyo. And it, it just, it, it's that old school animation that's not like CG looking, you know what I mean? It's like hand drawn anim- animation that, mm-hmm. that just looks great. Like I think of stuff from the 70s, like Fritz the Cat and shit like that, that just have this like raw, gritty animation. Um, and I love that about this movie is the, the best thing about it is you can sit there and look at it and, and just be like, take it in and be like, wow. You know, like it, it just looks so cool, like the backgrounds and the cities and stuff. And even when they're they're not in the cities, like they're just in an alleyway or something, like all the different trash and stuff on the ground. Like, <coughs> excuse me, it's just it's a really cool sort of um, look to it. Uh, the voice acting is great. Um, I actually like the characters. Like Canada is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> there, there's like a scene where like these clown bikers like, that rival biker group, like, grab this girl up and, like, rip her shirt off and stuff, and I was like, ah, boobs in my cartoons, <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean, um, which is funny, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's like, I, I, I can't quite, I don't feel like I totally understood the storyline, though, Th- has anybody seen this besides me? It's been uh, years, dude, it's, it's been a, years. It's been a few years for me, too, so I can't really, i only seen it once, I, I remember enjoying it, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. Like, you could tell that it's just, like, um, very important in terms of, like, the scope and the scale of, like, of, of an anime movie, that like a science fiction one. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, like, I kind of like the ending, um, at least what I think happened. Um, but, yeah, so, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty... It's a pretty not type of movie that I would really seek out, you know, but I'm kind of glad I did because not, not glad that I suck it out, but like glad that I've seen it now because it's something that I would never would have gave a chance to, but like, I actually did enjoy it. It was and I think it's like two hours long, but it just flew by too. Um, just, just a cool, it, I kind of made me a little bit more interested in anime because it's like, these are such adult storylines but it's yeah. a cartoon. It's kind of, it's kind of neat. Like that's why I've always liked Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm gonna come in at eight out of ten on this one. Nice, cool. Yeah, I gotta revisit that one, man. I gotta pick up a copy or something like that. But it's been years. But yeah, I, you know, as you were as you were describing it, I was like, man, I don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> like, it's been yeah. so long, man. I, I do like all I remember is liking the film. Yeah, maybe yeah. probably not 100 percent grasping it. Who knows? I, when I saw it, it was back in high school or whatever, but I don't know. I was a huge fan of like anime back then, like Wicked Cities. One that I really yeah. tend to. That's another. That's kind of a little more body horror type 
Yeah, well, there's like there's some like gory shit in this one too, which I thought was pretty cool. Plus That's probably where the most of the horror comes through is when it's like this giant yeah. gory mess. Plus, there's a giant demon rape in Wicked City. <laughs> <laughs> All right, modes, what you got? Nice. All right, man. Again, from 2016, which I guess is classified as 2017. This one just came out on media, and it's called Blood Hunters. Um, yeah, I didn't solely pick up this one because it was had blood in the title. I actually thought it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> the premise actually sounded pretty cool. Um, what's that, Jarek? It has iced tea in it, right? No, no, no. Oh, it's Blood Runners. Oh, my that's bad. Blood Runners, yeah. <laughs> totally different film here. Uh, yeah, this is kind of an interesting film. It, it, it kind of deals with like the whole life and death thing, and um, it kind of goes beyond. It kind of switches itself up into like reality and like, you know, like a different realm and stuff, and time shifting there's a lot of really weird things happen in this one basically this one follows our main character ellie uh ellie has just basically overdosed like she's got a heroin problem she she's a mother uh she loves her you know she's a mother to her child loves her child and stuff but she's got a heroin problem uh ultimately kind of overdoses uh ends up in this uh, medical facility way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere type thing and she wakes up apparently it's like nine months later we don't really know the storyline or the the timeline hey, and moves. stuff but wait a minute yeah you're What's on up? 22 shots no don't worry jerry you're still not getting off the hook fuck you you motherfucker <laughs> fuck you and i just want to say bring back 22 shot tom because he rules and this is my phoning in just to say, fuck you, Jerry, you still fucking stuck major dick. All right, I'm going to go now. Bye. <laughs> oh, thank you for that little interlude, Jeremy. That was awesome. Um, so anyways, yeah, so our main character, Ellie, she wakes up in this medical facility and she notices that she's fucking pregnant. And when she apparently passed out or whatever happened there, she was not pregnant. Uh, only to find out, like, she's looking around, and there's bodies everywhere and shit, and there's another guy, and he's, like, in this quarantine-type deal, and he has no idea what's going on also. Uh, so they kind of get together, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck to do to kind of get out of this place and shit. They come across someone that worked there, and then she kind of fills them in on exactly, you know, they were doing experiments and things like that, and she fills them in the fact that they'd actually died. They were victims of whatever circumstances, overdoses and things like that, and they had died... And these medical facilitators had brought them back, and they're doing tests and stuff. And the interesting thing is, you know, when they die, you kind of go to this this extra, or this different realm, and you come back almost impregnated. And it's there's like this time warp with with monsters and things like that, and it's dealing with like you know, kind of life and death. And it's it's actually got quite a complex storyline to it. Pretty interesting stuff. Now, my problem is with this film; it's got a really really interesting premise. They don't execute this film good at all. Really, they, they take this awesome idea and they just do nothing with it. Absolutely nothing with it. It's so disappointing to watch because you're waiting for something to happen. You're like, okay, man, that's really cool. Like you're giving birth to these monsters and stuff. And it's, it's kind of like an alternate reality for life and stuff. You know, this is how life is going to continue. It's like in a different realm and things. Really cool idea. They never explore it. Really nothing happens throughout the entire film. Very, very disappointing with this one. Um, 
the acting was very, very shaky at times too. Like our lead, she was okay at times. Uh, there's this Henry character, which she's all kind of hugged up with it, you know, throughout the film. He's pretty damn shaky too. And it's really off putting when you watch it too. You're like, you're in this really extreme type situation. The acting shaky. It's not coming off properly. Storyline's not being executed. It's very off putting. Man, I was super disappointed in this, man. I was like, damn, that's a really awesome idea. Executed poorly. I'm giving this one four and a half out of ten. It was just, my God, man. Even with the monsters and things like that, they didn't show a lot of the monsters, which was kind of odd too, considering that when they get into it, you see a little bit of them, and then it just kind of goes away from it. And I'm like, ah, oh, very disappointing, man. Bloodhunters, don't recommend it. So I'll stick with my blood runners. They fucked up, man. It's a really cool idea for a film. Just yeah. they don't execute all. They don't. Yeah, that's the thing. They just don't give you anything more. There's there's not a lot of substance in this film with this great idea. <laughs> Total miss. Total miss. So so so, so Blood Runners is a superior film. <laughs> yeah, but I would assume. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen that one yet, but yeah, Blood Hunters, man. It was like ah oh, fuck, dude. I mean, I mean, even with these little monsters, like they're coming out of you know, this other kind of realm thing and stuff. And they're, they're hunting for blood. That's what they're doing. That's how they survive because they've come back from this like other realm, but you don't get to see a lot of that. You know, they, they give you this premise in this, like, so it's like almost disorientating when you're watching, you're like, when is something going to happen? And then the film just ends and you're like, Oh wow. No tissues for this one. Brutal. So very, very disappointing. Skip that one from this year. Not good. (laughs) Wait, was that, that wasn't, what was that, was that a segment? No, no, that was just, uh, that was just another review, man. That was a pick of the week of the week. I literally just, uh, (laughs) no, we're doing three, and then we're doing, we're doing like four here, man. I don't know. I thought that was it. What's that? No? What? (laughs) I just did my segment, and Derek did his. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck! Whatever. I guess. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like reviewing films I had to file here. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We don't need to have a segment every time. That's all right. Like, um, want to get into these featured reviews? Yeah, man. Let's go and get into these featured reviews, man. Um, alrighty. So getting into the featured reviews for episode one hundred and eight here on the show. Uh, this is a trilogy that was actually picked by Jeremy, and as you guys have. If you haven't noticed, he hasn't been on the show. I mean, I, I would assume you guys would probably have noticed he's on the show. But, um, but yeah, no, he picked this trilogy, and it is my Super Psycho Sweet 16. This was a trilogy produced by MTV. These were made-for-TV films. And, man, I, I remember first hearing about these one. Um, it would have been 2009, I think, when the first one came out, and being like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like... That was something that I just really did not want to check out. So it was actually there was a TV show called My Super si- Sweet Sixteen or something. Yes. On MTV, which was I hated. It was like Never a it. bunch of rich, rich ass girls getting these crazy parties with like, like their their parents were rich. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The like reality show type thing. Yeah, and they yeah. would have, they would have their. Their sweet sixteen, and it would be like that's right. insane. <laughs> like that's all get... MTV bullshit. Yeah. So that's essentially what this is. It's like you a know? spinoff of it. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. just make a they made a horror film out of that idea, and uh, now, but yeah, I mean, anybody know if these were a planned trilogy? I'm not sure. 
interesting idea, actually. I mean... It, it turns out that there are, like, super fans of this series, like, that probably grew up when it came out, and, like, people have written their own part fours and stuff. I was doing a little little research yeah. on that, but it, it's it's funny. I was 18 when the first one came out. Andrew, how old are you? I'm 24 now. So, you were 16, so you were, like, right here. Yep. Do you remember so this when it came on, when it aired? I... For some reason, I do not remember, and this wasn't even when I was really a horror fan or really watching horrors anyways, like seeking out horror, so I wouldn't have probably, I would have probably watched them, but I, for some reason, I don't remember that. Remember Sweet 16, though? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, man, my Super Psycho Sweet 16, <laughs> I mean, uh, what can we say about this? Let's get into the premise of this right here. Not really a whole lot more to introduce to this one. Um, which, uh, I'm going to read this short one here. A spoiled teen's birthday bash turns killer after she convinces her parents to reopen a roller skating rink where murders took place. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, these were TV movies, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and and you know that's a good note to start on too because. Being a TV film, I think when I first watched this film, I was a little bit taken back that it was actually as violent as it was. Yeah, well, if you have the DVD versions, apparently they are added gore than what was on the original TV cuts. Yes, that's that's definitely a good thing to know. That is true. Um, which is, which is kind of funny too, because when we get to part three, I don't know if you guys had that version that you watched, but there is a line in the third one where it's actually beeped out. Yeah. There's a yeah. fucking beep. Yep. And yeah, I was, yep, I, yep, yep. and I forgot about that. I was rewatching the end. I was like, I burst out laughing. I was like, that's insanely <laughs> hilarious that they actually had a beep in there, but had all this gore, which is funny because in part three, there's probably the goriest moment in the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, it's kind we'll of funny, but that. Yeah, we'll get to that one. But my super psycho sweet 16, man, this is, uh, I mean, to a lot of people, man. I mean, I posted pictures on Instagram. I had one person comment. They said, wow, it's worse than AIDS. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I mean, that's, that's a little bit strong. And I, and I naturally replied. I said, you know, I had AIDS once, and, it, you know, this wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But, but um, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on this one, man? It, to me, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that Jeremy's not on here because he had after watching this film, he was kind of doing his uh, commentating and stuff. And he does that. He a said lot there was a lot group chat. Yeah. He, said, he said there was a lot of tropes, you know, from 2009 that he was just laughing about. And what I took away from that conversation after rewatching the film was maybe the lingo, you know, just kind of shortening up words and things like that. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that throughout the trilogy, but the way they talk, yeah. you know, like fab and you know, they, they, you know, everything's kind of shortened and shit like that. Jeremy said I probably wouldn't get it because, I mean, in 2009, I was 29 years old. <laughs> I was a little far removed from, like, high school lingo and shit. But the one thing I did take away from this was the lingo, you know, this kind of Beverly Hills Valley Girl 90210 type thing. And, you know, just shortening up words. And it actually kind of cracked me up. It's right through the trilogy, too. It, it's, so. it's of the, like, it's a lot of, like, the WTF and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. like the very technology yeah. Now, I'm curious, because I was a little bit older, so I was, I was like, still in that era, you know what I mean? But I think these characters are supposed to be, like, 15, 16, uh, so a couple years behind me. Um, but, Andrew, do you remember people talking like this, or is it fabricated? 
I think it's a little bit fabricated because like people didn't talk that way like all the time. It's it's more of it definitely in the texting is when we mm-hmm. did that. Is, yeah. is I think it's hard to like pinpoint it though too because depending on where you're from. Yeah, like where I'm from, like I like we talk different than people, you know, just one province, like over. They they just don't even get our shit. Yeah, like you know, it's bizarre. Yeah, like using the words like rando. There was a word used in the first one. It was like ran, as in like random. They said rando. Mm -hmm. Is like, have you guys ever heard that before? Because especially in like the video game, like like online gaming, like I I used to hear like rando or like you're a random all the time. That's so, so like, funny. That yeah. it's kind of like an insult, like that you're not anybody, like you're just a random guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but um, I, I tend to lean more towards Andrew a little bit because, like, I think that some of the dialogue is relevant to how people spoke, but I also think that it was like almost like a an interpretation of the way people talked because um, the guy who directed this film, I believe, is like forty now. So he was he was older. So I think it was more like his interpretation of of how people talked instead of like an actual, um, you know, grounded representation. Well, I mean, to be honest, he didn't write this movie, right? So I mean, just directing the material he's given to him to, right? Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it didn't bug me a whole bunch, though, honestly. I mean, not really. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in watching nine hundred two one zero in the nineties and stuff. And I mean, hearing well, that they, type of Valley Girl lingo and just yeah, the, they had the type of stuff. Too. This was two thousand nine, man. It was technology. People were texting. They were. I mean, people's vocabularies and and punctuation and grammar had gotten so bad. I mean, shortening up words. It's the day and age of being lazy. That's it. it that's a. It's a prime factor of just you know the kids of the times and just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really what it is. That's what I kind of took from it too, right? Yeah. I mean, that generation is so damn lazy, they can't even say the whole word random. They have to say rando. <laughs> fab. Oh, that's so fab. Oh, it's like so fab. Like, what? When I, when I first... It kills me, man. I'm just when like... Because this was the first time watched for me for all three of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. And uh, they had, like, this aesthetic, and when I was looking up the director, I'm, like, thinking to myself, where did I see like this kind of aesthetic before? And I found out it's from the same director as The Signal, which is a film that I highly enjoy. Jacob oh, Gentry, I fucking love The Signal, man. And Absolutely. he directed, yeah. and he directed all three of these, and he uses like some of those same visual aesthetics that he used in The Signal in this film, and these yeah. films, these three third films. Yeah. So um, basically, what you have here is you have um, a really popular girl who's like really rich. And her like sidekick buddies who are like you know like like any any cliche like popular girl. Um, Our main character Madison. It's her sweet sixteen birthday. Yeah. She's got to be like the most uh, cliched hated type character ever. Like you know she's that person where she feels like you know not only that she's rich but she feels like she's larger than life. Everyone loves her. She yeah. treats her parents like absolute garbage. She's she's that person that you fucking hate. She, she really like, is a good representation of the the lead girls rich, from rich. the Sweet Sixteen show, like the actual show. Like she's exactly. pretty much them. Exactly. Um, I mean, the, the whole scene where she freaks out about her sushi cake. I actually burst out laughing over that. <laughs> oh my god, I was dying laughing at that. Yeah, that, really that was the case. biggest sushi cake ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, and uh, Moods, I don't know if Moods and Jeremy would get this reference, but uh, JP, does she not remind you of Sharpay from High School Musical? Did you watch that? I've never watched that. 
Oh, man. Dude, she's a spinning image of Sharpay from uh, High School Musical, too. Like, that was what I was thinking of the whole time. Hmm. Also, the also her from Friday the 13th as well. I couldn't stop put that image out of my head either. Because this is Brie from Friday the 13th, the reboot. You, you, you know the you know one what? problem I always have with this storyline is when our actual lead, like, protagonist is much more pretty than the... Uh, you know, popular girl. Um, I usually have a problem with that because like, I, in my opinion, yeah. yeah, Scott, sky rotter is way more pretty than the other. She girl. actually gets way better looking as, as the yeah. series progresses too, man. Totally Cause in this one, right? she's because as sky's character in this one, she's meant to be a little bit awkward and she's the, you know, the shy kind of dweeby little girl, you know, kind of yeah. thing. But, but by like the second and third one, she, she's fucking sexy, man. She grows out of <laughs> her shell. Oh yeah. And plus, her character gets elevated a lot more too, right? She's yeah, a little more yeah. aggressive and things like that. But one thing I noticed from this film that I, I re- when I first watched these films a few years ago, and it caught me it caught me off guard again because I hadn't seen them in a while, and you know you don't remember everything. But the soundtrack in the beginning of the film uh, with the Chumbawamba and like the oh, you I know, love the, the Limp Biscuit and shit like that doesn't it kind of play off like it's supposed to be set in the 90s right away with that music yeah, it yeah, does a little it, bit like because it, it well, well cause the do, opening they to do the film, go 10 years later yeah the opening to the film would have been like 1999 so it actually was okay so i was thinking yeah. early 2000s they were just playing music from like the night yeah i guess so it was yeah, so weird was, hearing lip biscuit that's right yeah. <laughs> i was like what the hell yeah um but i like the lead up to that scene though that was a great lead up yeah i i like you know who i actually like in this film um, I like Derek, her friend, Sky's Oh, friend. yeah. Uh, Derek. <laughs> he's pretty cool. Like, his opening, like, first, like, scene we see him in, he's like, listen, if, uh, by the time we graduate, if I do not find a girl to have sex with, like, you should be that girl. And that totally reminds me of something that I would have fucking said when Dude, I was... Dude, did you not have a, like, when you were young, did you not have a deal with someone like that? I mean... I guess I, I lost my virginity pretty damn young, though. <laughs> so I didn't really make that deal, but I did. I mean, when I, I knew was people 16, that did, and I knew I knew girls or people that made those deals. Like, hey, if I don't lose my virginity by this time, like, yeah, sleep with me, man. I did have a friend like that. <laughs> I did have a chick friend like that. So, um, yeah, it totally reminded me of myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I was all about yeah. that when I was like fifteen. I was like, oh, this got to happen soon. I used to have like a. Um, I think I might have mentioned this on Jerry's interview, but. Basically, like, me and my friends were big fans of American Pie. And basically, in that, the whole premise of that movie is, like, these four friends, like, make a pact to lose their virginity. Like, I did that as well. And uh, I was third out of the five guys. (laughs) Right in the middle. (laughs) But I was also the oldest one out of everybody, so, like... Yeah, but um, so it remi- so, like I like that aspect that like he's he's he reminded me of like maybe like a teenage dude who would, who would act like that you know. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. their chemistry together too, and you, they seem like they're like close friends. Yeah, especially yeah. the jokes they tell each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think they nailed that aspect of it. What do you guys think of the actual killer in this film, Charlie Rotter? I think he's one um, of the weakest points of the movie. To be honest, man, I agree. I actually agree. I, you know, the backstory and shit, like how he becomes a killer and stuff. You know, yeah, it is right. what it is. It, I mean, it's it's pretty damn basic and stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's just these ridiculous kind of holes in the film. You know, like you know how they explain where Charlie Rodder was being, he was being moved from the prison or whatever, and he gets in this big car accident, burnt up, and you know, and shit like that. But you know, his body was never found, and she, you know, those type of it's just like the storyline is so damn cliched. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, that, that kind of setup is just like, okay. But, you know, he was presumed to be all burnt up and stuff. And the thing that kind of bugged me about that, though, is when you when you get introduced to Charlie Rodder, the killer, he's not burnt at all. You know, that's one of those things. So he survived this yeah. crash without getting burnt at all. Like, he is not disfigured whatsoever. Well, how do you know so it's he not did his body. Yeah. What's that? That his body's really burnt up. Well, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, if you're going to kind of showcase, you think you put it a little bit on his face. I mean, your you know, face is kinda... only like 5% of your body, so. What if he jumped up before it blew <laughs> but up? But it's the, it's the part that always does get, I mean, really, I mean, they don't even yeah. go into that shit, but now, I mean, when, you kinda, when you look at that whole backstory, I mean, I mean, if he was presumed to be burnt, you know, maybe he would be a little bit burnt when you finally get to see him and shit. It, that's one thing that just kind of bugged me. And even the look of him was, it's really not good. He's not a good looking killer. Yeah, it's whatsoever. like a, it's it's like a step it's like a step down from like if they use like a bowling bag. Like <laughs> I mean, like like I totally expected him to come out like with roller skates or something. Like a giant roller skate on his head. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um but That'd be hilarious. let me ask you guys this. Now, do you think at all that <clears throat> this film is intentionally Cat, uh, capitalizing on traditional tropes, and that it's like a little satirical in a way. That it's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna mock Super Sixteen, which is our own show, because the girl is the girls are really ridiculous. So we're gonna yeah. satire that. Do you think that it's also like meant to be a basic slasher? Like it's it's it, it like that that was intentional. Like let's just make a basic slasher out of this. I think so. I think so too, because just yeah. the way that it's like done, you think like that they're almost trying not to be overly creative, where they're just trying to to tell like a basic slasher story for a basic audience yep. who watch basic TV. Uh, and honestly, like I think that that almost makes it a little bit better than you're expecting, because it's like this is a TV movie, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and it's a slasher trilogy on M motherfucking TV. You know what I mean? The most. <laughs> Yeah. The most eye-rolling yeah, yeah. channel of all time when it comes to, well, like, the main Infamously stream. horrible. Yeah, infamously horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one does This one does what it sets out to do quite well. You know, it's, it's set out to be a pretty basic-type slasher film. It has all the characters. You know, I always talk about characters, and I always defend it, too. I'm like, you know, sometimes not having likable characters is just kind of a throwaway-type film to me, blah, blah, blah. But in this film right here... The characters are meant to be insanely unlikable, except for your like protagonists and stuff. Um, it doesn't bother me what so bad. Yeah, like, but they make me. This, this reminds me of like the movie. It's just that like a perfect Prom example Night of remake was attempting yeah. to be. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. and it it doesn't bother me one bit when you hear those real catty bitches on just the lingo and the way they treat each other and stuff. Everyone's just a when fucking they, cunt. When they like backstab every, each other too and shit, like literally. oh, they're just they're just nasty, vicious characters and shit. But I fucking love the way this thing, the the way it ends up being. You know, she even describes that in the second film. You know, I could have fucking saved. You know, blah 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 and stuff. And yeah. I think that's awesome. I think that I think that was really awesome See, of them to Okay, well let's get do, uh, right away we are going to be in spoiler territory with these films that is yeah, a trilogy yeah. they do follow one another. Um my one of my biggest complaints of the film is the end scene in which Sky attempts to save Madison and it just is eye-rolling 
cringy the way that Madison reacts. Like, you stupid bitch. Like, yeah. yes. I'm just like, I yeah, get yeah. what you're going for there where you want to show that she's ungrateful and that she's all about saving herself. And that is cliche in itself, but the how much you amped it up makes it so much more eye-rolling and cliche to where nobody would act like that. Nobody in history mm. would act like that. Yeah. I think it kind of writes much. itself, though. I think it kind of writes itself, though, too, when when Sky makes that conscious decision of leaving her there and knowing what's going to happen, though, too. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. But I think that I think it writes she, itself with that. I, yeah. But, but the problem is, dude, bitch, is so they amped you. it up <laughs> too much. All she had to do was push her out of the way, and that would have been enough to justify leaving her there. You know how she yeah. pushes Sky away to get away? And, like, that alone, she didn't have to say all these terrible things, like, about her. Because, to me, it just seemed so unrealistic that anybody in that vulnerable situation would treat somebody trying to save them like that, no matter what. I would have just left yeah. there after what she did with the locker in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, the pain. Yeah. Um, wh- one thing, you know, I take away from this film, and it's actually quite surprising, is is it's shot pretty well. And it's acted yeah. pretty well. Like it's I think edited the characters... well, and the music's added in pretty well. Too. Yeah, the acting, like, the music, the, the party really scenes are great. And yeah. honestly, and... the final scene, the final shot of Sky leaving the building with the music yeah. and like the almost like sort of slow mo look, like I thought that was fantastic. You know, getting a oh. car with the Sweet Sixteen written on it and stuff. Yep, I, I, yeah, I thought and, that was all really well done. Surprisingly, the kills aren't that bad. You know, it's a little bit violent and bloody. Yeah. And, Especially that one kill in the beginning. Some they're pretty creative too. They do yeah, a man. lot of different kills. Yeah, man. It, it, there's just a lot of things that surprised me about watching this film again. I was like, wow, I actually really enjoy this film. It's not bad yeah. for it, what it is. I do you know, too, man. And you know it's what? So dude, much better than it should have been. When you say like, th- all right, tell me another slasher TV movie that is good. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's a it, you, that's like almost an impossible task because slashers really are known for their gore, their violence, their nudity, their yeah. you know stuff like that. That it, it's it's you you like cut the balls off of a slasher when you put it on TV, but yeah. somehow this one was able to get away with as much as it could have while still yeah. being a TV movie. I even have that noted down too. It's it's amazing how you kind of lose the fact that like, you, you don't even realize that you're not watching a, you know, theatrical film with nudity and swearing and stuff. I mean, by the end of the film, you're like, oh, it was pretty, it was violent and gory and stuff. But then you think about it and you go, there was no tits. There was no swearing. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. very clean. It was yeah. clean, violent fun. It's really strange how they were able to pull this off. And I, I think it's in due to the fact that you get so engaged with the characters, you don't really kind of, you don't overlook it. Yeah, you know, you're not, look, you're not looking for other some, things when you're watching. There's some windows like scenes. That, like there is, out, of, of, of course. Out. Like you know, like, very, one, very one scene with stuff. when Derek and Lily start making out, and he's like, "This is the only chance that you're gonna have to make out with me. I'm wicked drunk." And he goes <laughs> yes. for it. Yeah. He goes for it. You know why? Because he's a Derek, and Derek's don't run. Uh, you know, <laughs> and that scene alone reminded me of like my high school party life too, where it's just yeah. like. It's like you could just randomly hook up with a girl and it just be like like a, a cool moment in your life and stuff like that. And and how like in that moment that's like the most important thing to that kid. And it's when, a when you have moment, like though. when you have like these adolescent feelings and when you have these uh you know, where the world seems a lot smaller 
to you, you know, not things don't seem that important. Like little things like that can be the biggest moment of your life at that time. Which Trunk is, Lily's, is Trunk cool. Lily's okay in my book. Yeah, and you know it's, what? Yeah. I actually like the love interest Brig as well. Yeah. Sky's love interest, like, yeah. is oh, actually yeah. pretty he's cool. Likeable. Yeah, he's likable. Yeah, he's actually like very likable, and it's very which odd. is so surprising because that doesn't really yeah. happen. You no. usually roll your eyes at the love interest, but. Like I, I almost felt like a, a you know Carrie vibe almost with it. Yes, that, I thought the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, get back to that whole Derek scene. You know, with the makeout, it's it's a very realistic scene because in that in that moment, every guy would probably react like that if you were in his <laughs> shoes. You're like, okay, well, she's probably gonna be all right. I know I need to go and see, you know, find out exactly what's going on with Sky, but I'm gonna make out with this chick first. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> He made the he made the natural he made, he made the, the right, right decision. <laughs> That's what anybody he, he should made do. The decision and it comes off. Yeah. So any <laughs> any red blooded heterosexual teenage male would do the same thing. Yeah, there's like there's definitely some unintentional funny moments in this film. Like you know, all these type of films always have excessive slow mo scenes and shit. You know my opinions on slow mo scenes. I fucking. <laughs> Like there's so much damn slow mo in this trilogy that it just it, it kills me every time. But there's one scene in the first film where Madison and her uh, the black bitch and the other fucking white bitch there, and they're walking down the way, and it's in fucking slow mo. It's in fucking slow mo, and it's so got weird, like gaudy, fucking terrible mainstream rap music. In and it's just that scene where you've seen in a million, you know, kind of sex comedies and shit like that, and they're just kind of yeah. like, you know, we're the king of the shit. And that scene just fucking made me laugh so hard. I'm like, I don't know why I'm I'm digging this right now, but it's just it was working. But it's unintentionally kind of funny, you know, because it's just a it's just a mean trope though, real mean, but. Yeah. God, that was just so bad. <laughs> that fucking beat is horrible. Terrible shit. Terrible what was, shit. Was it like yeah. mystical? Something like that? I don't know what it was, man, but it was just like, it just cracked me up because it's like these white valley girls. I guess there was a black chick in there too, but it's just this ridiculous fucking... <laughs> it was like a scene from Bring It On or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly what it reminded me of, man. It was like, oh, fuck. Of course, but... Yeah. But, but this movie is not original. It takes so much stuff from other movies we've seen, such as Carrie, any oh, slasher no. films. But, it's absolutely nothing in this film we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, it's now. it's completely unoriginal, but at the same time, it's taking a lot of aspects that we like from other films and it's combining them together, so it comes off likable. Yep. Yeah. You know, I have to say, though, too, I mean, for a film that has the majority of the characters being so unlikable, it's amazing how much this film is actually likable. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. strange. It's I, I can't even think of another film that has so many despicable characters you just want to fucking jump through the screen and you know and rip their throats out you just get it over with but you know why it's like a bullet because there's a giant fucking sushi cake in it <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that would have tasted like <laughs> yeah, this one this one had a good ending too you know what I mean like yeah. it, like it's like okay this is fucking cool man like uh, I'm down with it you know especially how how the girl gets locked in there and you just like like you just know she's effed, you know what I mean? Like, like it's kind of dark. Yeah, she had it coming to her though. She did, but it's still dark. But do you like? Do you honestly? Would you? Would you do the lighter though? Do the lighter? Yeah, man. Like, would you fucking you know flick the lighter and shit? I'm trying to think what you're talking about. Are you thinking of part two? 
Oh, no, that's in part two. Okay. <laughs> Starting to run together already. Holy fuck. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, So you guys want to get into ratings on this one? Yeah, man. Sure. If, if you do it. Sure. Who right. wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, right. I, you know, was completely... I, you know, I can't say that I was completely surprised because... I have heard people who I respect say that these movies aren't that bad. You know, they're, they're pretty solid. And um, so I went with that aspect going in, but, like, I, I didn't know if they were actually going to live up to that. And they really did. You know, well, this let's speak of this first one. Yeah. I was actually really surprised with it. It was, it was, it was a fun movie. It was cliched as all hell, but I enjoyed watching the interactions. I enjoyed watching the story play out. And it had just enough balls for me to really kind of um, you know, give it a head nod where I'm like, okay, like it is cliche as hell, but they, they did push the boundaries for what they were able to do on TV. The ending is really dark and it's actually kind of, you know, messed up to see on regular TV an ending like that, you know, and, uh, it's ballsy of the, the character that you're rooting for your protagonist to act out on an emotion that's technically a negative thing. Like mm-hmm. it's a bad quality. Um, it's almost like Dexterish, you know what I mean? So like, uh, I I was happy that they did manage to like do some level of originality in it in in a movie that's completely cliche. But I think it was purposely done that way too. And uh, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I will pick it up on DVD. I, I had to watch it online for this one. Um, but yeah, uh, I will give it a seven out of ten. Not a bad slide. Yeah, man. You know, one thing. I, one thing. I, at the end of the day, I take away from this film is, you know, MTV could have easily taken the cheap route, went uh, CG effects and stuff, but they didn't. You know, and for like true old school slasher fans, man, there's nothing worse than seeing CG in their films. Uh, they kept it practical, and I was very, very surprised. You know, I, I think most of it's practical. You know, throughout mm-hmm. the trilogy, there might be a, a scene here. I don't know. A, a hint of CGI here and there, maybe. Yeah, but, like, nothing, nothing major, you know, kind of thing, right? But yeah. that's one thing I take away from this, man. You know, like JP said, it's very cliched. You know, it, there's not really a lot of originality to this, but it plays out quite well. You know, there's a lot of surprises in this film with, you know, unlikable characters that you, you just kind of overlook and... uh you know, the kills are not bad. The kills are not bad. I mean, that's kind of essentially what you're looking at in this one. Um, but I was very surprised by the atmosphere. The atmosphere in this film actually does a lot for me. You know, I'm a big atmosphere fan. Mm-hmm. You know, without atmosphere, I mean, I mean, that's something we'll get into in part two. But this one just, it kind of separates itself, man. It's, it's very dark in tone. And I love the ending to the film. I think it's really fantastic. Cinematography is good, man. It's very catty. You know, at times it's very catty. I could have done without all the slow mo shit, but that's very MTV ish. You know, you kind of got to throw that in there and stuff. But uh, it is what it is, man. I am also at the same as JP with a seven out of ten on this one. I think it's a fun ass film. It's got really good musical cues, and actually, the score in this film is quite well done. Okay, and I will, and I will give one more thing. They didn't fuck shit up with unnatural jump scares. There's none of that bullshit in this film. Yeah. Crazy. They don't they don't fuck around with that shit, so that's good. That's another plus. Good film. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go next. This is a first time watch for me and I gotta say I was I didn't know what I was gonna expect with this because during this era MDTV it wasn't really my thing to say to watch. I I'm an old school MTV guy and 
I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked the aesthetic look of the films, including this one, of course. And uh, another thing I have to say that we didn't mention, all three of these films actually have great like title sequences, like the editing style and stuff. Yeah. We'll get more into those later. But, uh, yeah, I was just blown away. I really like Sky as a character. I like how she grows as the film progresses. And the relationship between her and Derek and Brig, even, I, I like that stuff. Even, even though, like, of course, the, the girls that you're supposed to hate, you're you meant to hate them, but there's some funny fucking moments with them, especially with, like, the sushi cake that fucking had me dying laughing. And some great kills. It has some great, like, memorable, like, kills, especially with, like, that one chase scene with, uh, I think it was, uh, Lily, I think it was the one being chased with the car in the beginning, and then, it had like a great like a shot of like the stairway shot and there's some great like camera work in this film or like a TV film it has like some great aesthetics so I'm pretty much at the same I'm at also at a 7 out of 10 I really highly enjoyed it for what it was mm-hmm mm-hmm the decapitation scene man's a good kill yeah it was fucking <laughs> yeah. funny my sushi cake. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Of course, the catty fucking bitch would be so worried about her cake. Getting uh, blood on her fucking friend. cake. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. Fuck. What, what did you rate it, Derek? 7 out of 10. All right. Andrew. All right. So, I mean, pretty much everything that's been said before. Um, nothing in originality. But to be honest, I could care less about originality in a slasher flick. I really just want... To have be able to have fun with the characters and to have some pretty cool kills, and this film really delivers it for me. I really, this is it, it's it's funny because the more that I watched these films and the more that I kept thinking about these films, the more I started enjoying them, and the more that I'm like, I really want to go back and watch rewatch these films. I just uh, it just really made me enjoy the characters more. Um, the more that I thought about them, uh, yeah. So. Uh, with all that cool kills and everything, I'm going to come in a little bit higher than everybody else, but I was around there seven, seven and a half before. My final score is going to be an eight out of ten. Nice. All right. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. Let's get into part two. Yeah. Part two. One year right. later. Yes. In 2010, my Super Psycho Sweet 16 came out. Quick little synopsis on this one. Part two. Yeah, part two. Following the directed by the same guy that did well, he did all three. We already talked about that. Following the murders at the Roller Dome, Sky Rotter leaves town in search of a normal life. Reunited with her mother, who abandoned her as a child, Sky's dream of a happier life starts to take shape until her serial killer father returns. Yes. So Sky is basically on the run. You know, after does it feel like, let me ask you this. Does it feel like that scene was like lifted from Psycho a little bit where she trades in the car? I think so. I think it was like a little homage to Psycho. Yeah, I actually yeah. have that written down. I have that written down too. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like, like 100%, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, cool. I, I, I almost kind of felt like, you know, the decapitation scene in the first one was kind of a homage to Prom Night, except for it was reversed, where in Prom Night the head rolls out onto the stage. Mm. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? No, yeah, I, I, that's that's the first thing I thought of with with that scene too. But but yeah, no, Sky is on the run, and she, I love that shit, man. She's driving the fucking Beamer still, and she's like, I need to get rid of this shit, man. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, it picks up right where she leaves off, and this is where 
this is where we get an elevation in the story with Sky. They they really develop her character a lot more yeah. in this film. It's it's a lot slower paced this one. Um we get to learn a little more of her backstory in this film. Yeah, we get to learn about her family. She was abandoned. Her mom took off, you know, uh when she was a child and stuff and that was it. She didn't really know her mom and stuff. So yeah. she seeks out her mom because she has nowhere else to go since yeah. she's basically the Kind of the prime suspect, you know. She's yeah, yeah, police are definitely Psycho interested in, in what she has to say because she was the only one alive besides yeah. Brig, but he was like kind of, you know, yeah. in a like sedated state. Um, yeah. So, so they're kind of wondering what's up with this girl and why she ran. Um, meanwhile, we still have the killer on the loose. He was never caught. Um, so yeah. she she rolls to her birth mother's house and she finds which, out she has a sister yeah which we will note her mom is like really really well off so her sister lives like basically her sister is kind of the the family version of madison yeah, yeah. she's exactly yeah. what madison was so she kind of falters right back into that experience she's like oh for fuck's sakes yeah. right but but yeah. then she begins to realize that her sister is deeper than what madison was yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I will say, man, like, dude, this girl's mom is kind of a fucking bitch. <laughs> oh, she's so unlikable. <laughs> yeah, man. like, dude, yeah. like, the, so it's unlikable. almost like, you know how, like, most of the time, like, you've seen this before, like, the the mother let abandon the daughter or whatever, but it's always, like, handled, like, you don't understand, I was 16, like, I couldn't raise you, blah, like, stuff like that. This one, there's, like, no excuse. It's just, like, yeah, like... It's very <laughs> tough love, man. She's, like, she's like, is that uh, is that Alex on the wall? She's, like, yeah, I, I drew that picture when she was just a baby or whatever. And, like, oh, my fuck. <laughs> like, you know? She didn't have anything of fucking, of Sky at all, you know? Yeah, she's just very straight up with her, like, kind of forgot Rita Sky. Yeah. Like, she's it's a really bad dialogue. human being, is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, but they don't yeah. shy away from it. Like, they don't try to make it, like... Oh, like there's there's a there's a complex reason why this happened. Like it's like just nope, yep, I left you with your crazy psychopath dad. And and the fact is, yeah. it comes out in the film too that like you know the mother knew how she was, and that's kind of why she left and stuff yeah. because the father was fucking nuts. Yeah, but she left her fucking daughter there. Yeah, her argument Which is like, well, as long as you were there, he would be okay. <laughs> yeah, she's a fucking oh, she's the worst. Clearly, that turned out to be right. <laughs> There was one scene where I kind of saw like her like going the other direction. Is the scene where she gave her like the necklace? That was probably which her is only... a little bit of mixed signals. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, but but that was her also... only like redeeming because it, it didn't the events happened and then shit. It was trying to have her like kind of accept her in a way, and then all that shit happened after, and then you know, then the whole thing fucking spoiled out of control. So they never really got a chance to really connect, connect. You know what I mean? Well, mm-hmm. that's because mm-hmm. it was fake. Like, I don't know if she, like, did it she in never a fake gave a way, shit. but nah, she, when she, it comes down to it, we know that she really doesn't give a fuck. No, she really doesn't, yeah. man. Especially uh, at the end, yeah. Getting back to Derek, what you said about good opening sequences, I really like the opening uh, credit sequence in this okay. film. It's like the whole social media type thing. And Yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. I like that, too, man. I, I think that's just a nice touch, you know? It's, I mean... It's very high school. It's very high school. It makes sense to do something like that. In the first film, they kind of give you like the backstory for like all the social media shit. Yeah, exactly. Yep. What about the opening dream sequence? See, now this is, yeah, this is where this film kind of falters a little bit for me. I mean, like, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knew watching that scene 
that it was a dream sequence. It's it's not really a mystery. Like they're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna pull the king, I I call that the Kincaid effect. You know, I mean, they're not going to kill off fucking Briggs and, and Derek, like, in the first fucking scene of a film, you know, kind of thing. Unless it was a unless, Sergio unless, Leone movie. <laughs> well, unless <laughs> this is Renowned Street 4 with Kincaid, you know, kind of thing, right? Yeah. I always call it the Kincaid effect, but, I mean, it's quite obviously a dream sequence. I mean, again, you know, guy, you, you know my feelings on it. Sometimes they're just unnecessary. It's ridiculous, but um, not really my biggest problem with this film. I do... I'm a little bit indifferent on the whole finding sky thing. I think it, it's a, it's, it's like almost a, it's such a slow pace in this film that it just, it kind of takes away from the overall product of the film. I mean, it's not, this, this one is very opposite than the first film. It's not very atmospheric until, you know, kind of the third act, right? Like the the first, I I think that it has a different kind of atmosphere. It almost has like a morning after atmosphere. Where it's it does. like, it it's does. like almost like a sad, like depressing, like all the partying's over and now we're just like stuck with yeah. our decisions and our, our, what happened to us and stuff. I think that it kind of captures that a little bit. The things I do like though, I, I do like how you're, they're developing Sky's character a lot more and they're kind of really building on that and stuff. But you know, the other half of that is, you know, they're trying to find Sky. Yeah. And as you're dealing with Sky and her I character think- and, and you're, and you're learning with Alex and her mom and like the whole history and stuff like that. It feels like it just takes forever to develop. I think to it, what it, we're getting at. The it, feels, yeah. it feels like to me that they're like you have those scenes just to have Briggs and Derek in the movie. Well, exactly. And well, and the funny thing is, like they're trying to find him, but they're not really in the film a whole lot, though. Yeah. Either that, that's the other oddball thing about the way they structured the storyline too. So I, I think that it would be a mistake thing. if you don't have those characters in the movie, though. Oh, um, for so. Happy? I just wish that had done it a little bit more fast-paced and kind of yeah. developed it, maybe, because it took, like, two-thirds of the film, really, to kind of develop what we were getting at here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I understand they, the, there was the multiple... The pacing might have been off a little bit with that. Yeah. Uh, it didn't yeah. bug me as much as it bugged you guys, because I was actually really interested in in the development between Sky, her sister, her mother, uh, <laughs> you know, the... the, 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 the you know, her Alex's friends click. and stuff. Yeah, like... Yeah. Like uh, I was kind Zoe. of I was kind of down with what was going on there, and and I I, I like the bonding moments between these these two sisters, um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit slower paced of a movie. Yeah, it's you know I mean I that's the like thing, the, right? I think if they had just developed it a little bit quicker, it would have been probably a little bit more effective. But I, can, I do like the fact that we're really learning, and Sky's character is, is turning into Sky. Yeah, and yeah. that's what that's what I take away from that anyway. So there is there is a lot of positives too. I it, do. I, so. I kind of did like that they had more Rodder in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she's actually haunted over what she did too, which adds yeah, another. Yeah, we get like another, yeah, there's another kind of dynamic dynamic there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's becoming a really likable like final girl. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. That she's actually I mean, she's actually a good final girl, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be honest, man, like she's actually quite good in all three films. Like yeah. she never her performance at all three films, and you can see it escalate. Like in the, in the third film, like she's tough as fuck. She's like, mm-hmm. I've been yeah. in this situation a couple times before. Fucking buckle up or whatever. Well, she doesn't say yeah. fucking yeah. because they would have beat Fuck. that shit out. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like she's tough as shit in the third film. Like real tough, and I, I love that. You know that elevation. Uh, so. I feel like they calm down on the cliches. Uh, in this one, and more went into their own story. Like the, it seemed like they were really Big just time. telling their own story in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Big time. And, I did um, like some of the camera shots. Like there's this one uh, scene where uh, after like uh, 
the scene when Ted, uh, Caroline's, uh, Sky's mother's husband comes home and he closes the door and then they have like this closing shot where you see like the exterior of the house and slowly and they have like a Duran Duran cover playing during that scene. And mm-hmm. then they reveal that Rotter was following her the whole time. It was fucking awesome. Like the reveal. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys find it a little bit cheesy or you know the fact that they're planning this huge party and stuff and it just happens to fall on Sky's birthday it's like your you know 16th birthday kind of thing and stuff I mean it would kind of what would really 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 have made it sell is if in the first film they were talking about Madison's birthday and they're like they're like you know like in Sky isn't your birthday next week or something like that you know that would have really been good but it's not I mean (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean that's, it's that's believable a enough that they would have birth, you know, because they're all of them are having a birthday at some point this year. You know what I mean? And it's taking place relatively close in time too, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's definitely possible that a birthday could have been that close, right? I mean, it happens to all of us, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, it comes off as a little bit cheesy. It doesn't really bother me though, to be honest. I mean, you kind of need that. Yeah, that's just the way I look at it. I mean, you kind of need that one, but, um. <laughs> what do you guys think about man, the one scene in this film that just kills me I, I love it too man because it shows that Sky has really become you know such a such a hard case she's coming to herself she knows she's found who she is yeah. she's not really going to take a lot of shit man there's a scene where that fucking bitch blonde chick is blackmailing her into bringing those party oh, papers Zoe? Yeah, fucking yeah, Zoe, the, the, yeah the one that ends up getting burnt in the fucking uh, cake yeah. cake yeah which I thought was in part one but yeah it's in part two totally um, but yeah man that I mean that's <laughs> it's ridiculous dude <laughs> but I love that though man like you know I could push you down this fucking these stairs right now me all over and shit man I, I love that man I just love how they just developed her character and made her so badass and shit yeah. it's great stuff great stuff but yeah man uh, i don't know man this one compared to the first film um overall to myself i feel like the soundtrack is a little bit of a letdown too the score is goofy at times i don't think you guys noticed but yeah the score at times is so goofy it has like this yeah no i know i noticed that too it's it's like a weird it's almost like a like dopey like look at this joke type thing like it's almost like like a parody yeah, it's, it's like it didn't know what it wanted to be. It, like it, it, it didn't want to go full blown serious, and it kind of wanted to make it or keep a little bit of comedy in there. And I'm like, it's it's off putting for the viewer though. You're like, okay, are you being serious? Or are you joking? You know? Yeah, like I said, like the only like one cue that I liked was that Duran Duran cover because I actually really enjoy that fucking song, "The Ordinary World." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a cool, cool like scene in like the way that it was shot. But overall, I have the same problems with some of the music, too. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I like. I've mentioned a million times on the show, man. It's one thing I always notice in films is music, and I felt the score was just too goofy for what it was doing. Especially during that party sequence. Like, what is it, like strip poles in there and shit? What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, party? That, you know, it's fucking, it's, it's cheesy in itself, though, too, because the DJ's name is Jams. <laughs> DJ Jams <laughs> fucking killed me I was like oh of course his name is DJ Jams Jesus man he's got that stupid fucking push forward hair and fucking he's always wearing fucking earphones around his neck it's, oh, it's ridiculous yeah. ridiculous <laughs> it's so cliched but yeah it is what it is man. yeah 
Hey, and more thinking about this too, with the with regards to the storyline, we've been saying like that it's slower paced and everything. Do you think, especially looking forward to the ending that we're about to get to, um, do you think that at this point they probably had planned for this to be a third uh, a trilogy? Because it feels like, especially with the second one being a little bit more story based, that they might have been planning this at this point. You know, it's I'm very conflicted. I honestly, JP, I'm totally with you. I'm conflicted on it too because the way the third storyline goes, it it gets away from the whole. Uh, it Charlie almost Rutter felt like it was line. just written as like, "Hey, we should make a third one." You know what I mean? I mean, if they yeah. planned it as a trilogy, you would think that you would bring back your your immediate uh, slasher, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I see. I don't know for sure if you if you planned it as a trilogy, like you might want to not do that because you'd think that everybody would expect that. Um, but I also think, I almost feel like the first two were planned as sequels, and then the third one was just kind of made after the success of the first two. I, I agree with that, too, man. I, I, and I think that's why they got away from the whole Rudder thing, though, too, right? So, but I feel like the third, well, we'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, yeah. um, I don't know, man. I, I actually still, in, I still kind of enjoy this film overall. I mean, you know, at least it tries to do some shit. You know, it gives you a little bit of twists and turns in the end and stuff. I mean, uh, are they predictable? Yeah. I don't make it in this one, though. How'd you feel about the f- cake death? The cake death is... Well, see, that's that's the question, man. I'm like, if you were in that in that situation, you're holding the lighter, would you actually click the lighter? Like, you would smell fuel kind of thing, right? Like, I don't know, man. It's just... Kind of made me I mean, she's like a 15-year-old girl, too, though. <laughs> but it would be so potent in there, man. You're stuck inside a cake, man. You're like, oh, She was pretty I drunk, guess. too, too, I yeah. guess, too. True that, true that. I mean, you can give her that, though, too. But I don't yeah. make it in this movie, either. Yeah. R.I.P. Derek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, man. And, you know, that that's one... Actually, one thing I do have noted in this film, too, is... Is the whole Derek's girlfriend thing in this one? Oh, I fucking like, hated her. Yeah. Dude, that, that whole jealousy angle and shit like that, I understand this is like total high school bullshit and stuff, and, but that, it just seems to come out of left field, you know, in this one, and it feels like it's taken away from things. I'm like, fuck, shut that bitch up, man. Like, bitch who cares? that bitch, Derek. You're like, a Derek. It comes off in the film, it just comes off as like she's being so damn selfish, and then I'll tell you what I'm not. I'm not a person that explodes, and then I'm like, holy fuck. Fuck, Psycho dude! If a, if a bitch starts talking to me, like I'd slap her, fucking backhand right there. That's ridiculous. Not really, yeah. but I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch a woman, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that one. I don't know. But uh, I don't know, man. I that, that really really got on my nerves watching this film. I remember the first time and when I rewatched it, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that is some. That is a bitch. You That's a get bitch. Into ratings. Yeah, man. Sure. Uh, I'll go first. This time. All right. I like this film. I still enjoyed it. I didn't like it as much as the first one. It had a little tilt to it with like some of uh, the slower paced scenes. I still was kind of interested in the story, especially with Sky and the backstory and stuff. And it, just some of the characters kind of burnt rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't kind of like cared about them as much as I did like even like the hateful characters didn't make me laugh as much. But there were still some fun moments in this one. Some great kills. Some of the same stuff. Some great aesthetic shots I really enjoyed. The soundtrack, not as good in my opinion. But overall, I still enjoyed it. So, I'm only tipping it at like a half point. I'm going to give it like a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's interesting, man. There's a scene in this film where... Um, uh, 
where the blonde chick there, she gets her party favors. And she's like, oh, pink. And she pops in her mouth. It's totally white pill. <laughs> so, so that me read that that bugged me. I was like, ah, I just noticed, I just noticed a fuck up. I'm like, ah, that's terrible. Um, you know, it's it's not a bad film. It's not a bad film. It's a little bit slower paced. It's completely different, man. It's it's more of like it feels like the middle part of a trilogy. It really does. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's so there's like, a it's lot. Like yeah, man, there's a lot of character development. You learn a lot more about Sky and family, and you get all these revelations in the end of the film, and which are a little bit predictable and stuff, but I didn't really have that big of a problem. One of my biggest problems with the film was the lack of pacing and kills. I mean, you get, a, I think, one or two in the beginning, and then the next kills happen about an hour into the film. And so like, there's this... And that's what I'm talking about, the pacing, though, too. You, you get this whole kind of looking for Sky thing for, like, a whole hour. And it just it feels like you're watching that for an hour. It's it's a little bit slow, right? So I think the pacing was the, probably the biggest issue for me in this one. Um, I love Sky. I think some of the kills are actually pretty good in this one. Um, and I love the end, though, too. The ending's good. Yeah, I, 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 I dig the ending again. So I am also coming in at the same rating at 6.5 on this one. I went down half, so, yeah. I'll, I'll go next. Um, yeah, so I did not enjoy this one as much as the first one, like you two. But um, yeah, I still I I still thought it was pretty relatively well directed. Um, I didn't have a single issue with anything aesthetically. Um, the kills were all pretty pretty cool. They were a step down. I I I was laughing out loud at the the ending with the killer because. The dude was reminding me of of Rick Grimes from season seven of The Walking Dead, just hardcore, just a big beard and everything. He just looked like him. I just thought it was hilarious. But yeah, good chemistry, everything. I I, I did have the issues, like you said, with with the um, the the way that it's paced and structured. Um, but overall, I I still had an enjoyable time with it. I come at a solid seven out of ten. Nice. All right. Uh, me, um, I actually like this one nearly as much as I like the first one. I think the first one's a little bit better, but I do think that they're uh, very, very similar in terms of enjoyment. So I'm actually going to come at a seven out of ten on this one too. Uh, really? The, yeah, oh. they're both they're both seven out of tens, first and second one. But the first one's a little bit better. Um, so if you really were going to break it down, it would be like, oh, like this one is a. Uh, 7.3 and this one's a 7.0 you know what I mean type thing <laughs> you know who the killer reminds me of is Zach Galifianakis the <laughs> dude from the hangover man I, I was thinking of, I was thinking of like, I was, <laughs> like that's funny he's kind of goofy too right like, I was thinking of like I was thinking of like groundskeeper Willie <laughs> groundskeeper Willie yeah yeah <laughs> alright nice let's get into that third motherfucking film all right, man. So it's my Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen, which comes came out two years part later three. in two thousand. You keep calling yeah, the part- same. You keep calling all of them the same name. <laughs> well, there, my Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen Part Two. Okay, Part Three. This one came out in two thousand and twelve, so they managed to do a trilogy in three years. It's pretty good. It's two pretty- years later, which is, uh, I think, why I think that it's not planned because I think that. After the, you know, because I think they would have started production right, right away after the. Yeah, but they needed s- Alex to be sixteen. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think they were probably just okay. Well, the second one was pretty successful. 
Let's just do a third one. Yeah. Let's yeah. do a third one. So, so, but if, like, which is cool, man. I mean, I wish they would have kept going with them, honestly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even, even, no, the quality might change, or, like, they might, might like, start a new story with part four or something, you know what I mean? Like, but uh, every year, October release of a psych- Super Psycho Sweet 16, which would be kind of cool, dude. I wouldn't mm-hmm. hate on that. Mm-hmm. So, a quick little synopsis on here. Skyrider is finally ready to put her bloody past behind her. When she's heading off to college, though, she receives an unexpected call from her estranged sister, Alex. There's one last Sweet 16. Sky needs to attend. <laughs> and one final task she needs to do to move out from her father's shadow once and for all. So, yeah, so this one picks up... I think it's about two years later, right? Yeah, two years, yeah. It's, it's about two years later, and Sky has been trying to get a hold of her sister, Alex, basically to kind of apologize and just kind of make things better and stuff, and not working out. She's not, a, you know, she's not uh, getting she's not, back to her at all. She's not anything. You know? Yeah, man, she's heading off to college, and, uh, and, and then she receives a call from her estranged sister, and she ends up going to find her, and then, then we got her film. Uh, For, my first thoughts on this, dude, is it's probably the most predictable outcome ever. Like, even for these films, like, I feel like it's a little too, like, oh, like, I, that's exactly what I expected to happen. Like, even well, before it, this one, this one's even before so I went into part three, it doesn't fucking help that the cover art, like, literally shows the two sisters at each other's head, throats, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. UFC cover. it's a UFC cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, the, like... My thing is, like, I expected this one to go that way. Like, if you were like, okay, what do you think happens in part three? This is probably Dude, what I would have The came whole setup with. to this film is ridiculous, man. She hasn't talked to her sister in two years. Oh, her sister calls her on her sweet 16. They pick up a hitchhiker by the name of Nathan. You know, there's this whole kind of stage thing where, oh, Nathan, you know, fucking get the fuck out of here. You're not wanted, blah, blah, blah. It's like <laughs> everything that's happening in this film, you're going, you're kind of going, <clears throat> I know it's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. It's, you know, true, it's like, man. Oh, fuck. It totally is, man. It totally is. Um, oh. Yeah, this is kind of like th- this one feels like the smallest film because it's really set in one location. It's like they had no budget for this fucking movie whatsoever. Uh, but I like the location. I do too. Yeah, the I like house. The, location. the house is just redonkulously huge. I mean, at least the outer shots. I don't know if they actually shot in that house, but the outer shots that they did on the, on the house are ridiculous. Honestly, man, I actually delivered houses like that. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, mansions beyond mansions is fucking stupid. But, but that's just that's a silly house, man. That's a silly house. So my question is, or did I miss this when I was watching it? But so Alex is in this house. Obviously, mom's dead. Yeah. Um, this is the grandmother's house. Yeah, it's the grandparents' house. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. That's her, right. Her, 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 her step, whatever the, her, what she thought was her father's grandparents' <laughs> yeah. parents' house. The bells. Do they, where they are? What? Do they say where they are? The grandmother. She might have passed yeah. away. I don't know. I, th- I think they left a note like when Alex was awake and she saw the the car. And it's the, kind of an interesting fact, or kind of an interesting thing, though. It's like, okay, so where the where are the par- grandparents? Um, she's just in this huge ass house by herself. Oh well, it's <laughs> all it's also the grandparents' country house, so I don't yeah. know if yeah. that means the like country. they're like side. But house. the fact of the matter is, 
Alex is still in this house by herself, and she seems to have friends that almost live there. <laughs> you know, they seem to be very comfortable in the house. Which know? is uh, which doesn't surprise. Like, I mean, I had a friend who's who pretty much lived at his parents' house, and his parents were never home, and we pretty much lived there. So, like, I can't hate yeah. on that. Yeah, exactly. When, but when they get, when, when they get to the house, the characters are some of the most quirkiest characters of this whole trail series. Dude, the dude that you get introduced to, like that yeah. guy's laughing shit is like. He, oh, dude, that I can't one stop. drunk bitch. I can't. Oh, like, all the characters, they're like, they're as unlikable as most of the characters are in the first two films. The characters in this film are even worse. Like, they just elevated the shittiness up. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like they recruited these people to be killed just for this movie. <laughs> Oh man, the dude's laugh. He's like, "Oh yeah, so and so's out there." He's like, ha, 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 ha. "I'm like, what? The who's fuck? that? N- Nico, right? It was Nico." Yeah, who laughs like that? What an idiot! Fucking, uh, <laughs> fucking moron! The fucking the the death by fucking lawn lamp. <laughs> yeah. See, and now actually that leads to me. Is there a little bit of CGI there? There might be a little bit of CGI blood spray. I think I did see a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure if there was but it there. Was, but it could have been just because it was a head, a lawn lamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this one right here, man, I just feel like the whole movie was just rushed. It felt rushed to me. You know, it's a very basic storyline. You know, oh, we're heading off to college. We're going to break down. We're going to go, or we're going to get a call from his sister, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to, you know, have this battle, you know, in this big ass mm-hmm. house. The whole movie just feels super forced to me. The best thing about the film is Sky. Because she's she's batshit awesome, she's totally awesome. She, yeah. She's she's fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. She's like, like literally. I love the fact that they even threw the line in the film, which we said before. I've been here a couple times. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Kill <laughs> fucking right. rotter. Yeah, man. I, I love that, man. So yeah, it's you know it, it's a fun film, but it's just got some of the most ridiculous characters ever, man. Oh, like so annoying. And honestly, I think there's a little bit of like. I don't know what the deal is with her college roommate. Oh, uh, Sienna. Sienna being outside. Oh, we just waiting for Sky. You know, they, she's just clueless to everything that's happening in the house and stuff. She's, she's free to life. She's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to my iPod. <laughs> like, people are getting massacred in the house, and she's just out there like, I'm just waiting for Sky. I'm, listening to, my, I'm listening to Atlantis Moore set on my iPod. See, I can't stand that in films where, you know, if you've been sitting outside for like five hours, would you not go up to the house and at least figure out what's going on. Well, actually, it was 20 minutes because she did, oh, 20 minutes, I gotta go see if Sky's ready. But that's bullshit, though, too, because it was light. It was, like, fucking dark. I mean, it's been happening for hours, you can tell. I know. It's a little continuity issues with the time. Yeah. So. (laughs) There's another continuity thing, and and something I found a little bit, like, really? Because doesn't, in part two, isn't it Alex's birthday that they're at in the second one? No. No, they were just throwing a party. It just ended up they're being just on Sky. It. Yeah, they're just okay. throwing a big-ass party because they want a party, and then it just happens to fall on Sky's birthday. Okay, yeah. that makes sense then. Because I was, I was thinking that if if it's Alex's Sweet 16, then wouldn't that be like right around Sky's birthday too? And wouldn't she remember that? Because I was thinking the second one that was her Alex's birthday party. Never was, mind then. I was trying to figure out like continuity issues with you know uh, Sky's mom leaving when you know Sky was howled. I, I swear she would have had to have been Beatty. 
she went. She must have been only like a year old because it seems so, like yeah. they're only a year apart, so that, right? So that means she was they're with Alex at the time, and I, I don't think the timelines work out. Too, I mean, we're probably reading to this too much as slasher films, but I think that is a little bit quirky. There's something fucked up there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know, but Irish twins. Irish twins, yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. What do you guys think of the kills in this one? I mean, they're okay. There's a couple of decent moments. I, you know, I'm a big fan of nail gun shots. I love uh, nail gun. Uh, that was a good one, yeah. <laughs> so, like, but I wish they had shown that shit, though, man. I mean, she takes yeah. a couple of chests, and then we get to see the blood running underneath the door. You know, it's like, ah, uh, come on, man. I, I felt like they kind of downplayed the kills a little bit in this one. But it has the best kill, too, though. But it has actually the goriest scene out of all three films, which actually happens. With the sickle. Yeah, dude, like, dude's guts are hanging out of his fucking stomach pretty yeah. good. It's pretty awesome, man. It's quite surprising, because I, I felt like, up until that point, you know, I hadn't seen, like, a lot of gore, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, that got really gory. And then not, like, a minute later, they literally beep out the word shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then giant enter the dragon ninja fight in the rain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I got to say, though, the Nathan character is the biggest douchebag looking person ever with that stash. That stash, man. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. It looks like, like a, a rapist. Because he was like a rotter fucking follower. He could just like, I can't grow the whole beer, I'm gonna grow the stash. <laughs> right, it's so dirty. It's so dirty and fitting. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Alex is a bad, bad girl in this movie. Yeah, Alex is batshit awesome, man. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you guys, um, what do you, what, what do you guys think of? Like, I mean, like we said, it's super predictable. I mean, we 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 know these twists are coming. The whole setup is just ridiculous. I, I know like, it's coming. I'm just waiting for the fight. <laughs> I li- I like the setting to this one. Um, but and I like Sky. I um, I honestly like don't like what they did with the Alex character. I just feel like it's far fetched. I, I understand I, that, like, on the surface, you'd be like, well, she, like, you know, she blames everything. Like, but to me, it's like, I didn't see that in the character that we met in the second one. You know what I mean? I saw no sign of... of I think she was being too hard on Sky. I mean, Sky was, like, legitimately trying to, you know, make good terms with her and stuff. She felt bad for not letting her know about her past and stuff and all the shit happened at her big party and things like that. But, I mean, to do what... I mean to to write that into the character written Alex for the third one. I just didn't it's, see it that in her in the second one. Is what I'm well, saying. I like, feel it feels far fetched. It, it's so far fetched. And but. that was really my biggest negative with this is I just don't like the way that the the storyline that they chose. Even though yeah, it kind of might make sense on the surface, like when you really like get to know these characters, I feel like it betrays them a little bit. Um, but I almost wish that would have just been a red herring, and then. It would have been something I, else. I wish that they had actually made it to college, and then shit had went down in a college dorm. More you know, instead, <laughs> Yeah, man. Instead of like this big ass, fucking ridiculously huge house. You know, I mean, it's been done. Yeah. I mean, obviously, college. I, like I mean, I like that, would, the that, would, that would be fun to be in the college yeah. though too. A little more body count, you know. But yeah. obviously, um, didn't have a budget. But yeah. So, uh, I mean, are we going into ratings now? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah let's so. do it. All right. Let's do it. Andrew. Or Moods. Okay. Who, who, no, it was Moods. Moods. All right. Um, yeah, man, this one is... Uh, Music-wise, 
to me in this one is very similar to the second one. It's got goofy ass music at times. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? But at least they brought back some decent atmosphere in this film. You know, there's a lot of dark scenes and there's a lot of dark shit that's happening and stuff. And I respect that. You know, they, they kind of brought that feel back that they had in the first film kind of come full circle. I respect that shit, man. This movie is insanely predictable. To be honest, it didn't kill the experience for me. I think it's still really fun. I love Sky. I like looking at her ass. Her ass is great. How old is she totally in this awesome. movie, bud? <laughs> um, I'm hoping older than 18. <laughs> 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 Shit, I never thought of that. That's gross. That's really bad. <laughs> See, I know you to think of that man. because on Married with Children, Christina Applegate is 16 through the first... Uh, two seasons, so we gotta be really careful with the shit we say, mm-hmm. um, because it's brutal. But um, she was born in 1988. Great. Oh, okay. So, so she would have been. She's what? two years younger. Than oh, she. Oh, she was 21. Okay. I mean, in in the in the 2009 ones. So, okay. So she was actually quite older than she was playing. Yeah, that's great actress. Well, that's 15. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Um. But yeah, man, this one right here, man, it's definitely the weakest of the three. I'm not saying it's a bad film by any means. It's pretty fun. It's just so ridiculously predictable. Sometimes it's not a big thing, but I mean, the way they're setting this up is like it's supposed to be kind of a mystery. Not really. Not, I, I, I agree, man, 100%. I'm not a big fan of what they did with the Alex character. I mean, this whole storyline, they probably could have done something completely different. would have been a lot better, but probably a budget constraint. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to drop down... Another percent here, half of half a point percent. What the fuck am I talking about? Six out of ten. I'm going to give this one. I still enjoy this film. It's it's still pretty fun. Alex is, I mean, Alex, I mean, Sky's. She's amazing. So it's what kind of sells it for me. Mm-hmm. What say have you, Andrew? All right. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with what all we were talking about there. Um, but so, I I think it's mostly the setting because I'm just a sucker for like settings that like this and like um, I'm a fan of anything in like a big house or like an island. Um, which ironically, the second season Halloween special of Scream like combined the two into one. So I was super super uh, loving that episode. But anyways, for this one, um, really really, um. I, I felt myself liking and disliking some of the characters on different parts. I, I found that, like, everybody, like, the uh, some of the people annoying, but yet some of them were quite enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, I, I come in right around... I, I come around exactly right in the middle of where I was in the other two. I'm coming in at a 7.5 out of 10. I still really enjoyed this film. I liked the kills. Um, li- liked the, you know, sky and everything, but... Yeah, I still had had some issues with you guys said. Mm-hmm. What was that rating? All right. Seven and a half. All right. Um, back to me, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, I think this is the weakest one out of the three. Um, I like the setting. Um, I liked Sky, but that's kind of about it besides maybe some kills and stuff like that. Um, I didn't find the character development to be as good as it was in the first two. Um, and I really, really just didn't like what they did with Alex, because I actually like her, too. Um, but I'm going to come in at a 6 out of 10 on this. Nice. You know, I think that's the first time we've ever had the same rate. Oh, no. 
No, it was different. We Oh no, we did have the middle ones. Oh fuck man, we just never could do it. Yeah, Can't we did it. it on Leprechaun except for like one of the films, I think. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. And it was like in the hood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. uh Yeah, very very I, I still enjoyed this one quite a bit. It, I had a lot of fun with it, especially like the quirkiness of the characters, even though they're unlikable and it's ridiculous. But they had me fucking laughing at times, like how stupid they are and shit. I did kind of like the interactions of like uh, Sky and Sienna when they're just driving, you know, like all that free spirit shit. You kind of break her out of that shell. It kind of comes full circle in the end where her character becomes the character as she is, especially during that one scene where she's tied up. So I did kind of enjoy that aspect. I really enjoyed the fucking ending. It was fucking hilarious, that whole fucking chase and final... This is a, kind of like the biggest final girl chase in the film, out of the three, I think, because of the area and the vastness of the woods, and it did have atmosphere, and I did like the fucking uh, the fight scene in the fucking rain. It was fucking hilarious, and just the overdrawn car explosion that we didn't talk about. <laughs> I'm gonna set this car on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I still yeah. enjoy. I still enjoyed it. It's probably as much as I did the second one. So I'm still going to give it a rating of six point five for me. Nice, good stuff. All right, so that is going to be the end of the show. My Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen trilogy. I'm pretty sure, like, we're one of the only shows ever to cover this trilogy. So, which is what <laughs> I like. I like when that happens. I think we were the only show to cover the Ilsa trilogy. Um, yeah. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is, uh, you know, actually, you know what, dude, there was a show that I used to listen to back in, back when these were coming out, who was covering them. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty sure. They loved them too, but they were like teenagers. Um, (laughs) they were like the age of the people that were in these movies at the time they were released, but um, which I was too, so I can't hate. Uh, but yeah, man. I, I mean, I think this was a fun show. I like I like doing shows that are a little out there, and and uh, again, I love doing the regular, you know, Psycho and stuff like that. But but I like finding little obscure things that should be more popular, considering it was an MTV TV series. Yet, like half the people have never even heard of these. People are not willing to give these films a chance because they're they're dubbed as MV, you know MTV, right? Yeah. I mean, it's prejudgment, man. I mean, I mean, really, dude. I mean, the first time you heard of these films, they were produced by MTV. What did you think? I thought they'd be shit. Bad. Yes, exactly. It's hard to it's hold to res, it's it's really hard to like hold back your reservations. You know, it's really tough not to say anything like that, but or even think that. MTV, garbage, <laughs> fucking garbage, man. These, like, these could these could have been terrible if they. These are way been. better than they ever should have been. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. So the, um, yeah, the best thing about these is the the director. They kept the director throughout them. I did like that aspect of all three. Yeah, of these. you can feel the continuity in all three of them because yeah. of that. And Sky, honestly. Yeah, Sky too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like Sky. I was looking at her filmography. Unfortunately, she hasn't done very much after that at all. I'm surprised, all, actually, because she's pretty solid, man, as an actress. Like, she's... Yeah, yeah Laura McKnight. Yeah. yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, her last yeah. stuff was in 2015, man. Wow. She started a Patreon Bring Sky back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should get her on the show. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that'd be, 
Did you yeah, put that yeah. On Actually, she'll be on the next show because I'm going on a date with her tomorrow. <laughs> no, you ain't going on no date with her. I'll be like, yo, Sky, look at your boy over here. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to follow Charlie Rotter. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Alright, so that's the show. Please guys check out Andrew's Woodsboro Bros podcast. Uh I've hung out with him in real life. He's he's a cool dude. Derek, of course, check out Cinema Attack. It should be out a little bit after you hear this episode. As always, please rate, subscribe, all those awesome things that help us out a lot. If you want to send an email, 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. If you want to support our Patreon, patreon.com slash 22shotspodcast, facebookgroup.com slash groups, facebook.com slash groups slash 22shotspodcast, and uh, Twitter, 22shotspodcast. So, um, yeah, if you guys have any final words, anything you want to plug or whatever, Twitters, Facebooks, anything like that, go ahead. Mm, I can't think of any right now. No, I, I think I plugged them in the beginning, too. Alright, cool. Uh, thank you to JasonHorphelia.com for hosting the show. Check out all the wonderful shows on Horphelia, including, but not limited to, Exploding Heads, Skeleton Crew, Married with Children podcast, Disposable Arts, Cinema Attack, Woodsboro Bros, and, of course, the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Peace. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Peace.